Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of uh, former Bellator fighters, Liz Carmouche, getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week, it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who, of course, uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ. One Patricky Pitbull is, uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check them out. If you're at home, check them out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Wednesday, February 9th, 2022... Hello again, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in New York City. Great show. Last one before UFC 271. The stars have descended upon H-Town, Houston, Clutch City, MMA fighting in the house. Uh, We've got Jose and... Do we have Mike there too? I know we have Jose there. Jose doing great work out there. Uh, all the big stars out there. We're going to talk a lot about 271 throughout the show. I come to you today in a uh, state of reflection, in a state of gratitude. You know, as I continue to evolve and grow and as I reach the big 4-0, I, uh, I'm constantly thinking about life and assessing life and trying to be better and trying to be in the moment, and trying to be happier, and trying to be more grateful Yesterday morning, I found out that someone uh, who I worked with actually for a long time in a pre-MMA uh, reporting life, but in an MMA production life, um, doing all kinds of stuff, actually used to write the countdown shows, believe it or not, and uh, would do these specials for uh, Positive Image Video, which is the production company that would produce all of these shows. And... Um, I found out yesterday that the the main guy who would get me these jobs uh, passed away out of nowhere. And I think he was like in his late 50s, which is incredibly young. And so then you go into this rabbit hole of looking at old emails and interactions and talking about deadlines and things like this. Like it's all very important. And then you're reminded that none of it is important and that you only get one life and that we stress over these crazy things all the time. And in the end, they don't really matter. 
None of it matters. And then you say to yourself that you're going to stop doing this and you're going to stop stressing about the things that don't matter and you're going to start appreciating things every single day and appreciating your health and your family. And then, of course, something happens and you forget about all that. And that's exactly what happened to me yesterday. Like in the morning, I was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to let this. You only get one life. You have to appreciate it. And then by the end of the night, I completely forgot about that little pep talk. And in fact, I just came this morning as I'm getting all deep on you guys right off the top here. I just came this morning from uh, like a celebration thing that my middle son had uh, at his school for his chumash. 99.9% of you guys have no idea what that is. And I won't get into all the details, but it's basically like a book that you get when you're a young kid and you go to a Jewish school, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, he was supposed to wear black pants and uh, we couldn't find any black pants. So he wore dark navy pants. And we were stressing about this, and he was stressing about this, and I was stressing about it. And then you go there, and you see these moments, and you see these celebrations, and you're like, who cares about the damn pants? Who cares about this, that, or the other? You just have to appreciate these moments, because you only get them once. And so after, so I, I left that celebration this morning feeling very grateful, and also trying to remind myself that, um, you know, this is, uh, this is a gift. Life is a gift, and we only get one shot at all of this, and uh, I just want to be grateful and uh, appreciative of everything. So that's how I start today's show. I'm feeling very good. I'm feeling very grateful, and I'm trying to remind myself to consistently not sweat the small things, and I'm trying to remind all of you to do so as well. We've got a great show planned for all of you later in the program. We're going to be joined uh, by GC... We'll get his weekend bets for UFC 271. Of course, Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. It's a massive, massive fight. And I can't wait to get his picks for that fight and the rest of the card if he wants to bet on that fight. Uh, we'll also answer your questions on the nose back into the show. You know where to leave them, arielhawani.substack.com. Now, we'll also be joined by Ian Gary, who found out he's going to be fighting in April in Jacksonville against Darren Weeks not in London. So stay tuned for that. We'll talk to the future Ian Gary, of course, the pride of Ireland, who had that great uh, debut in November. We'll talk to Eugene Behrman, the head coach of City Kickboxing, about Izzy's fight and some of the other great fighters competing on this card out of that gym. And we'll talk to Chris Weidman about the middleweight title fight, his health, all that and more at 1.30. As always, today's program is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code Hour for a special offer when you sign up. Again, that's code Hour only at DraftKings. A lot of you are asking me, and please support them because they support us. A lot of you are asking me on Monday, where's the Nomad? Where's Shavkat? Where's Shavkat? Well, he was flying home, but I wanted to deliver the Nomad, the, 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 the pride of Kazakhstan. In fact, the first... Kazakhstani-born fighter in the history of the UFC, the man who improved his record to 15-0 on Saturday, eight finishes via strikes, seven via submission. He's never gone the distance. He is undefeated, had an incredible win once again this past Saturday against Carlston Harris. Again, the pride of Kazakhstan, kind enough to join us. It's very late over there. It's midnight. So without further ado, let us say hello to Shavkat Rachmanov, the nomad, and he's being joined by his translator as well, uh, the one and only Sayat, who's here too. Hello, uh, salam alaikum, Shavkat. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> oh wow, Shavkat, you speak English? It's small. I like it. <laughs> uh, and uh, Sayat, you there? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm here with Salvador. Okay, thank you so much, guys. I know it's very late there, so I appreciate it very much. Uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, congratulations, Shafkat, on another win for you. You you remain undefeated. There's a lot that I want to ask you about, but I'm just curious, you know, as the numbers continue to grow on your record, 14-0, 15-0, do you think a lot about that zero, about remaining undefeated, and, and is that now pressure for you to keep going? And also the streak of not going the distance because all your your victories have come via submission or via strikes. Поздравляю с очередной победой, и вот твой рекорд все растет и растет, и с каждым боем, с каждой победой этот нолик на тебя давит ли он на тебя сильнее и давит ли на тебя то, что ты все бои победил досрочно. В принципе, давление, конечно, каждый раз присутствует, но я не должен смотреть на нолики или там за чисто финиша. Я должен свои бои выиграть. Самое главное этот мой цель, в принципе. Yeah, you know, actually, yeah, you know, actually, I can feel the pressure with each fight. It's getting bigger, but I shouldn't be focused on that. I shouldn't be focused on uh, keeping it 100% finish rate or focusing on the zero. I just have to focus on the winning. It doesn't matter how I win. I have to stay cold-blooded. Uh, do, you, do you feel like you do a good job of doing that? Or do you feel as though as your UFC career continues to progress that you have to keep reminding yourself to not focus on the zero and the finishes and all that stuff? Yeah, I can feel the pressure growing each time, but I'm also getting better each time. So I feel like everything is going well. Uh, your your performance, at least uh, from our vantage point here, was incredible, flawless again. Are you happy with what you did on Saturday? Are you happy with how you fought? Or are you uh, very critical of your performances? Доволен ли ты своим выступлением в эту субботу? Или ты сам к себе критично относишься? Было ли то, что тебе, может, не понравилось своим выступлением? Нет, я доволен, конечно. Я выиграл убедительно, достойно, досрочно получается. Соперника никакого шанса не дал. И почему бы я должен быть недовольным быть за своим выступлением? Я доволен. Yeah, I'm glad with my performance. You know, I didn't give any chance to my opponent. I finished him. So why I should be not happy? I'm 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 glad with my performance. Great. Um, what? Why is your nickname Nomad? Почему у тебя прозвище Номад Кочевник? Ну, в принципе, казахи были бы всегда кочевниками. И я сам много чего, много где жил, в принципе. Ну, как бы много местоположений менял. За это подходящий Номад прозвище. So, historically, казах were nomads. And uh, myself, you know, I used to change a lot of location and uh, it fits me well, you know, being a nomad myself. For you, was it a goal of yours to, to be the first 
a Kazakhstani-born fighter in the UFC. Was this something that you were thinking of, or it just kind of happened that way? Uh, actually, he's not a first Kazakhstani-born fighter. He's the first Kazakhstani citizen to oh. sign with UFC. Okay. Yeah. Well, so who's... he was born in yeah he was born in Uzbekistan. First Kazakhstani gotcha. born fighter is Rafael, but he's you're right. fighting. But he's first like Kazakhstani citizen. It's complicated, but it is complicated. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. That's my mistake. Yeah. Th- thank you for clearing that up. You would know Sayat because you uh, you obviously uh, represent uh, uh, Rafael as well. So my apologies. No. So just uh, I'll translate that about sure. like, being Kazakhstan citizen. Yeah. Uh, что что ты был именно первым казахстанцем, кто подписал контракт с UFC? Было для тебя это важно? Конечно, было бы хорошо, что первое, что UFC попал, я был очень сильно рад, потому что один из, один из первых людей, который там одержал победу, первую победу, и еще ну, один из первых побед, и топ-15 попал, в принципе, в Казахстане, по крайней мере, бойцов нет. За это я очень сильно рад, что этот э, радует своих болельщиков, своих э, команды получать. Вот. Yeah, I'm happy to be the first Kazakhstani fighter to sign with UFC. I'm also happy to be one of the first uh, like uh, male fighters to get a win in the UFC, and I'm also the first fighter to crack the top 15 from Kazakhstan. So I'm really take pride in that, and I'm happy that I can make my team and my countrymen's proud. Um, I read that uh, when you were growing up, you either wanted to be an athlete or a military man. Was it, as far as athlete is concerned, was it always fighting for you or was there another sport before you found martial arts and fighting that you wanted to, you know, compete in at the highest level? I that если брать спорт, всегда для тебя был в приоритет именно бои, либо ты рассматривал какие-то другие виды спорта? Нет, я занимался боксом, тайским боксом занимался, узбекским борьбой занимался. Я вообще спорт, много спорта, много, очень много спорта люблю, в принципе, всегда был спортивным человеком. Yeah, like, uh, when I started with the sport, I started with boxing, then I Uh, I tried uh, Muay Thai, I tried some Uzbek wrestling. So I, I really love to like mix it up in different kind of sports. But as you can see, it's all combat <laughs> sports. Yes. Um, and, and so how close were you to going the military route? <laughs> Особо не получался, как вот это думать. Конечно, я люблю, люблю больше, больше спорт, чем военный, как бы, работа, в принципе. За эту свою любимую работу, мне нужно сказать, я занимаюсь сейчас. Я люблю соревноваться. Yeah, it never really materialized. Uh, you know, I can tell that I love being athlete, I love my job, and I love to compete, so I, I, I love doing what I do now. And, uh, you know, early on as you're uh, growing up, is is martial arts and things like that where you're living, is it popular? Is it easy to find people 
when you're growing up to you know hone your skills? Did you feel like you had the right type of coaching and environment in in order to do so? Or are you kind of the anomaly? Because of course we haven't seen a lot of fighters from your area come into the UFC, but now it seems like there's a ton that are coming through you know the pipeline. <coughs> Именно когда ты рос, был ребенком, найти именно правильные секции хороших тренеров было ли легко или нет, или это было каким-то вот исключением то, что среди окружающих, то, что ты пошел именно по этому пути? У нас, получается, где я жил в Узбекистане, мало, очень мало было выбрать, там пару секций было и все, туда ходили. Но потом, как Казахстан приехал, конечно, у меня возможность больше, больше было здесь хороший Школа по боксу была, там, боевой сам была неплохая. Большинство моих достижений начался с Казахстана, в принципе, результаты мои. Where I used to live before, in Uzbekistan, uh, there wasn't many choices of uh, combat sports, only like a couple. But uh, after I moved to Kazakhstan, there were uh, more choices and a higher level of uh, boxing school and uh, combat sambo schools. Uh, the the hat that you wear in the octagon, can you explain the cultural significance behind that hat? What is it called and what does it signify? Расскажи немного о своем головном уборе, что он для тебя значит, что он обозначает, как он называется, с чего сделан. Это называется Казахстанский национальный головной убор. Наши предки одевали постоянно зимой. Ну, хотел показать себе, что у нас тоже есть такой головной убор, очень красивый, мне очень сильно нравится. В принципе, достойный мужчина должен носить такой головной убор. И из чего он делает? So it's a traditional Kazakh headdress that our ancestors used to wear during the winter times to keep themselves warm and myself I feel like uh, it's a very beautiful headdress and uh, wearing it I got to represent my roots uh, represent the culture and tradition and uh, yeah, traditionally usually this head is made up out of a wolf or fox skin wow uh, and and uh, are you wearing the same one every time is it the same hat or is it a different one every time Ты каждый раз одну и ту же шапку одеваешь или каждый раз меняешь? Нет, каждый раз пока не мир одно и то же. For now it's uh, always the same hat. Who gave you that hat? That particular one? Кто тебе, да, кто тебе дал эту шапку? Мне подарили, у меня вот, допустим, когда вот UC попал, первый бой готовился, уже я приготовил, получается, мне подарили флаг и вот этот головной убор, тмах. Тоже подарили. Я сам хотел купить, но люди услышали, что я хочу так выйти. За это мне подарили. Да, все подарок. Yeah, yeah. When I was getting ready for my UFC debut, uh, I got it as a gift. I got the national flag and this headdress. Like I wanted to buy it myself, but then when people find out uh, that found out that uh, I wanted to walk out with this headdress, they gave me it as a gift. What's that? Yeah, just, uh, just a moment. Oh, okay, no I problem. You want to change the like location? Uh, who gave him? Who gave him? <laughs> I was just curious if like someone uh, gave him that. Um, 
you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that had as a gift? Was it someone like a, a political person? Was a family member? If there was some significance behind it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me find out. Да, да, да. Он спрашивает, может, это кто-то из политиков или кто-то из твоих близких или друзей подарил это тебе шапку, есть какая-то, может, не, история? Не, болез... Там наши болельщики, как бы наши братья подарили. Шавкат, a lot of people uh, want to... And by the way, am I pronouncing his name the right way? Is it Шавкат Рахманов? Is that the right way to pronounce it? Yeah, Shavkat Rahmanov. Rahmanov. Okay. Uh just you know, I, I like to pronounce the names correctly. Uh a lot of people want to compare him to Hamza Chamaev, and I get the feeling that he, you get annoyed when people try to compare you to Hamza, that you are on your own path, that you don't want to be compared to him. Am I accurate in feeling that this kind of bothers you? Он говорит, что много людей тебя сравнивают с Хамзатом Чимаевым. Но ему кажется, что тебя это уже достает и немного раздражает, потому что у тебя свой путь, ты идешь своим путем, и тебе это не нравится. Конечно, я не Хамзат, в принципе, так читается. Как-то уже просто надоедать постоянно, вот спрашивать, когда это будет нравиться. Вот время покажет, время придет, мы подеремся, тогда увидите, что вы торопитесь так сильно. Просто каждый раз одно и то же вопрос тебе уже просто надоедает, не хочешь услышать. Да. Yeah, yeah, I get annoyed because I'm not Hamzat, I'm Shafkat, and this is a question I get asked the most when we're going to fight. But you know, time will show, and right now I'm just being annoyed with this question a lot. I understand. Um, so do, do you still want to fight? It, it sounded on Saturday you wanted Michel Pajera next. Is that still what you want? And if so, why him? После боя ты вызвал Мишеля Перейру. Ты все еще хочешь с ним драться? И если да, то почему с ним? Потому что он очень интересный боец, во-первых. Очень разнообразный, зрелищный. Просто своих соперников как бы играется с ним. Я бы показал, что такое, как бы драться с ним и как его выиграть. Как бы, надеюсь, думаю я, что его досрочно выиграл. Yeah, I think he's very exciting fighter. He's very interesting fighter who like to play with his opponents. And I just wanted to showcase myself that I can shut him down and I can finish him. So he won't be able to play with me like that. When you were coming up, uh, who was your favorite fighter? Who who did you look up to the most? Who was the one that you liked watching the most? Когда ты именно начинал в своей карьере, кто был тем бойцом, на которого ты, может быть, равнялся, за кем ты следил постоянно? Я вот начал когда-то действие смотрел, прайд смотрел. Тогда было как бы чемпион Федор Емельянко. Я сильно любил, любил, получается, все его бои смотреть. И мне нравился очень сильно Мир Кубруков. Вот два бойца, которые я всегда следил, мне нравился, когда маленький был. Yeah, when I was a kid, I used to watch a lot of Pride events, and uh, Fyodor was my favorite fighter. You know, I I, I loved his fights, and uh, another one is Mirko Krokop. Mm. Have you ever met Fyodor? Ты когда-нибудь встречался с Федором? Да, встречался, когда чемпион мира 13 года устал, он меня наградил. 
Yeah, I met him when I became a world champion uh, champion in amateur organization. He ran. Uh, I, I met him at the time. Wow. Um, and 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 your training at Sanford. Why did you go to Sanford? Why did you pick them in South Florida? It's just just a pleasure. Sanford. Why did you choose Sanford from all clubs in America? Не знаю, мне давно хотел попасть, как туда попал, и мне понравился, как там дружная команда, очень энергичная и очень хорошая атмосфера. За это второй раз туда поехал. Мне очень нравится тренерам и хорошее отношение. Yeah, so I, uh, before I heard a lot about this team, so I wanted to go, and when I actually went there, I felt uh, the energy, the good atmosphere, and uh, this is a very friendly team and I have a good uh, relationship with coaches now. So uh, I would like to come back every time. Okay. Uh, and, and when do you want to fight again? If it was up to you, when would you like to return? Когда бы ты хотел в следующий раз подраться, если ты сам решал бы? Надеюсь, что летом поделюсь. Юни, наверное, на конце июня или начале июля. Yeah, I, I hope to find uh, in the summer, end of June or uh, beginning of July will be perfect. Uh, and for him, uh, I I, th I think he's uh, he's Muslim, right? So he would not fight uh, around Ramadan, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's coming up in April. So probably so after that in the summertime. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, great to uh, great to meet you, Shavkat. I really appreciate uh, your time. Thank you for staying up for us. And uh, Sayat, man. You've got a, a freaking factory over there of killers. Unbelievable what you, what you and the whole team are doing. You and Danny Rubenstein, it's incredible. Uh, I'm sure he takes all the credit, but we know who's the one finding all this talent. So uh, congratulations to you. On teamwork. The, it's yes, teamwork. Team Dreamwork. Uh, what you're doing is amazing. It's an unbelievable story. So uh, thank you to you as always. And uh, salam alaikum. Thank you so much, Shavkat. And congratulations mm -hmm. and uh, continued success to you. All the best. Thank you. All right. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. There he is, uh, Shavkat Rahman. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year, at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. ...who is uh, one of the top stars in the UFC, wants to fight Michelle Pajera next. Sign me up for that. Doesn't want to be uh, uh, compared to Hamza Chemaev. I don't blame him for that, but this man is going to be a name that we're going to be talking about for quite some time. 15-0, 3-0 in the UFC, three finishes, 
in the UFC, 15 finishes, eight via strikes, seven via submission, two submissions in the UFC. And by the way, fought some tough guys. Alex Oliveira, Michel Prazeres, uh, Carlston Harris. Uh, the beginning of his UFC career started a little slow, a bunch of cancellations, but uh, he is rolling now. And I think this is going to be a name that we're going to be talking about uh, for a while. And and honestly, I think it's a name that we're going to be talking about really at the end of this year. I feel like he could have one of those, look, he's not going to fight next month. That's why I asked about the um, the Ramadan thing, because, you know, the, the, the Muslim fighters are not going to fight during Ramadan, uh, right after Ramadan. You know, you have to fast during the day for the entire month. So um, that's why... When he said the summer, it uh, it made sense. And I apologize for messing that up. Yes, he was. And I should have known that because we just talked to Rafael Faziev about that. So that's my bad. Um, but there was a stretch there. He got signed from M1 March of 2020. In fact, that London card, he was supposed to debut on that London card Almost two years ago, the one that got canceled, the first one that got canceled at the beginning of the pandemic, he was supposed to debut on that card. And then it got moved to a Cage Warriors card. He didn't fight on that. Then he was supposed to fight in July of 2020. He withdrew. Then he was supposed to fight in October of 2020. Eliseu Zaleski withdrew, and so then he fought Alex, Alex Oliveira on that card uh, against um, on the Khabib Gaethje card, UFC 254, and then he fought in June of last year, and uh, he just fought this past Saturday. So, I mean, obviously not a household name just yet. Born in Uzbekistan, fighting out of Kazakhstan, uh, but there is, as John Kavanaugh on Twitter pointed out, um, there's a big crop of young fighters coming out of Kazakhstan. And, and this is the, I mean, like, how crazy is it that we're doing this show in New York and we're just like, yeah, let's call up this dude in Kazakhstan. I mean, the 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 global reach of this sport now and the fighters coming out of Eastern Europe in particular and Asia in particular is pretty damn amazing. You know, for the longest time, it was America, Canada, parts of Europe, Brazil, obviously, parts of Asia. Now it's just like freaking New Zealand. I mean, we got a, pay- a pay-per-view this weekend, New Zealand versus Australia in the main event. The co-main is America versus Australia. You got people from all over. It's remarkable. It really is. And I'm I'm very high on Shafkat, very very high on him. Later in the show, we'll talk to another international star. We'll talk to Ian Gary, who of course is one of the top rising stars in the sport, especially coming out of Europe. He is the pride of Ireland. He is going to return to action um, on that UFC 273 card in April, April 9th in Jacksonville against Darian Weeks. We'll also talk to another international figure in the sport, Eugene Behrman, who's the head coach at City Kickboxing. And 
there's several city kickboxing fighters on this card. Of course, we have uh, Israel Adesanya. We have Blood Diamond. And we've got uh, Carlos Ulberg. <clears throat> Blood Diamond is one of the great names. 3-0, making his uh, UFC debut, was fighting for Eternal MMA. Carlos Ulberg, a product of the uh, Contender Series, uh, lost to Kennedy and Zechuku uh, back in March, is returning on Saturday. And then you got the head guy, and I like the fact that they put them all on the card. I mean, it's obviously easier for them uh, these days with all the uh, the travel issues in New Zealand. But hopefully those days are hopefully coming to an end. Hopefully, maybe. Uh, and as we said on Monday, it's uh, it's a nice card with some big fights. Derek Lewis, Tai Tuivasa is the co-main over Jared Cannonier and Derek Brunson, which is, a l I, I guess, a little surprising in that the stakes for Cannonier Brunson are bigger, number one contender fight. But when you consider the fact that Derek Lewis fighting in his Adopted hometown of Houston against Taitu Ivasa, who's incredibly popular. It makes a lot of sense. So still to come, Eugene Behrman, still to come, Ian Gary. And in a matter of moments, we'll talk to one of the greatest UFC middleweight champions of all time, Chris Weidman, wanted to get his thoughts on this fight. And I believe if uh, Izzy wins on Saturday, and he, of course, is undefeated, uh, he will surpass... Chris Weidman, in terms of title defenses. Uh, he won the belt, of course, in October of 2019 when he was the interim champion, beat Kelvin Gaslam in April of 2019 to win the interim belt, um, then beat Whitaker to unify the belts, um, fought Yoel Romero in his first defense, fought Paulo Costa in his second defense. He will call the Whitaker fight a first defense, but technically it's not, and then, of course, fought uh, Marvin Vittori back in June. And so one man who knows a thing or two about the middleweight division is our next guest. Always great to talk to the All-American. I mean, he's turned into a podcast star. This guy, we, I mean, we thought he was going to disappear after the horrific injury back in April of last year. I mean, he's more omnipresent than ever. He's all over the place, getting bigger guests than we are on this show. Christian McCaffrey, Kevin James, are you kidding me? Here he is, Chris Weidman. Joining, look at that in the professional setup too. Wow, we've come a long way, Chris. What's, look at you. <laughs> What's going on, Ariel? How are we doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great. Did you see the new Kevin James movie as he plays uh, Sean Payton? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was awesome. Kid friendly, motivating, yes. uh, inspiring. I thought it was a, a great movie. Kind of like uh, one of the movies that we kind of grew up, you know, watching that we want our kids to have. And yes. You don't really see them yes. as much these days. He's like warming of the heart movies um i feel like it was it was, it was nice right up there I, I loved it yeah i didn't even know that story that sean payton did that when he got suspended yeah, and he went to coach his kids team yeah. i had no idea he must have had a good pr team i i didn't really i didn't really focus on any of, any of that stuff so um it was uh that was really cool to see what he you know how he turned that around for uh, himself i know your kids like sports as well i just showed my middle son um rudy for the first time i don't know if you've done that have you done that Oh, yeah. You've showed them, oh, Rudy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I love yeah, that. Oh, absolutely. Yo, for, first like I, 15 seconds, I'm crying in that movie. Like when they're playing in the snow, 
I cry oh, yeah. so how many times you cry I cry at least 15 times in that movie it's like crazy just kills me that it's, movie it's so hard yeah when you have when you have uh, you know a strong family uh, unit and you watch that movie um, you have brothers there's just so much you relate so much you know oh. and the underdog the smaller guy you know doesn't have you know the music really much to much to live with yeah, as oh. far as gifts <laughs> but it was cool um, so look movie. at you. You've got the whole set. I put my kid. I put. I watch. I have my kids watch like almost all the movies that I grew up watching. But it is crazy how many of those movies that I thought were just so wholesome are like there is some really bad parts. I'm like, I can't believe it. I never noticed. Like what? Like, all the. Oh man, there's just there's just like sexual content and like different language that is used yeah. that I didn't really pay attention to as a kid. Um, I can't think of an example right now, but it's almost like every one of them. And I'm like, man, this this is weird because I didn't I didn't notice this. Um, it's just funny how that works. Uh, by the way, is this a professional camera that you have? Like, this isn't like your webcam, right? No, this is a webcam. I'm oh. just, you know, you're great. I got a, I got one of those O lights or oh, whatever. Your uh, whole setup it's is so O-Lite. professional. A, uh, Gosh. Oh, thank you, man. You know, thanks to Troy Farkas, yes, our boy, TST. He makes sure. That I look all right every How'd day. How'd you meet and, Troy, uh, by the way? All through you. Oh, man. wow. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah don't yeah. mention Without it. Without you, won't back down. My podcast would even be going down. Yeah. No, listen, you do you do so much for so many. You're such oh, an wow. amazing human being, and you don't get enough credit. Well, thank so, you. Uh, I want to thank you. Thank the podcast you. is great. I love the conversations. I've told you, you're a great interviewer because it doesn't feel like an interview. It's very conversational. But you got to admit, booking the guests, worst, right? Yeah. I'm putting. I have Anthony Smith on today. Ugh. He is. He was the. He's so bad with text messages, Ugh. and I try to remind myself because I'm that athlete, and I'm the worst with getting back to people. You yes. know, so when, it, when people want to interview me, I am literally the worst because like you get done with training, you're busy, you're running around with the kids, and you know they're asking you to lock down a certain time for next week. I'm like, bro, I can't focus on next week. Like, <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah. You know, you write back yeah. something quick, and then all of a sudden they're on you, remind you, and I'm like, crap, I said I was going to do that. Oh, and, you no. see, you know, and so I feel their pain, um, but I'm also like, come on, man, I'm different. You have to have a little bit more respect for me. Come on. I'm I remember, you know, there's a few of them that I remember chasing. I, you're actually at the top of the list. When you beat Kelvin Gaslam on Long Island, I remember you didn't get back to me until super late Sunday. And there's a part of me that's like, I'm bothering you. I understand you're reveling. It's a big deal. You're celebrating. It was a comeback win for you. It was at home. I mean, there was so much emotion. But I also want to get you on the show somewhat selfishly. Yeah. And I remember I was like, mother effing Chris, he can't freaking, why can't he reply to me? All I, all I need is a yes. All I need is a confirmation. Because now it's I, commitment. Uh, I'm so, I don't know how my wife got me. She got me early, <laughs> but I can't commit to anything. I'm so bad with that. That's, that's really hard. Um, and scheduling out is, is hard for me. Um, so, I, and, and, yeah, and I just try to remind myself, you know, with, with these guys when I'm trying to do it, it, it really is uh, – it, you know, it is tough for everybody to commit to things and uh, I get it. But yeah, that's, that's really the biggest pain in the butt of having a podcast is, is booking the guests. So are we are, are you like, are you fully like, back? On, I just yeah. want to say like yeah. when I wasn't responding to you, you know, I do love you. No, I and know. It's not it's because so I'm, you know, big time in you. It's just like, you know, these fighters are all over the place. I know. Attention spans aren't the, you know, the Plus, strongest. Like, and, how many texts are you getting after a win like that? You're probably like your thing is probably flooded, right? With messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I got to know. Trust it, me. It is. It's, it's my least favorite part of this job. It's like I watch the fights through the lens of who can I get on the show? 
You know what yeah. I mean? I can't. It's just the worst. But you also, but you also um, have used that to you know create relationships with the guys and trust. So is as as much of a pain in the ass it is to actually text these guys and, and try to stay on top of them and not bother them, but also like get them on the show. It, it has created like a relationship because you got you got to jump on the phone sometimes. With sure, them sure, like, sure. You know, uh, so I think that's why you're another reason why you're so well respected. It's not like I'm getting reached out by you know Ariel Hawani's producer. No, you know, no, no, no. Uh, it's it's Ariel Hawani himself, and it creates a you know a respect. Actually, so it's there was a pain like, in the ass, but it's worth it. hundred percent. There was like a two year stretch there with ESPN where like they were trying to limit the interviews, and I feel like there's like a crop of fighters who like I don't know, I don't have that like with you, right? Like I remember your debut, and then I you know follow you throughout, and the same you know with yeah. even Connor or Izzy and stuff. And there's a crew, like a crew of guys that I didn't contact for the last two years that I almost feel like I'm jumping on their bandwagon because I wasn't getting them early. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This is the way my yeah. brain works. I'm a crazy person. Anyway, enough about all of this. It, Our- but it's funny because like as fighters, um, you know, you have a manager and that kind of separates you from the other people. And, and there's like, you know, uh, allows you to focus on what you really need to focus on. And having a podcast for you, me, like – you would, there is something to be said with having an in-between person between you and the talent. Um, but I do think it kind of ruptures relationships. Yeah. You know, it takes away that, that, that asset. So, so are we hundred percent back? Like, are there any restrictions or are you just like fully? I, I am cleared. So wow. I am completely cleared. My bones are, are all uh, like a pretty much a hundred percent healed. They're not home. That they're not 100% healed, but they're almost there. Uh, he's not worried about me breaking my bones, you know, by kicking or anything like that at this point. Uh, it's just about getting the muscles and the tendons and, you know, the ligaments to be, you know, strong and get used to that, taking that weight and that explosive push offs uh, the way it used to. Um, so getting my, my calf stronger and my quad stronger is really the, the number one focus right now. And that, that is tough. It is, it's like, I mean, I've had, you know, tons of surgeries and I've had, you know, times where I've had, um, you know, atrophy because of surgery. Um, this is a whole different ball game, I think, because, you know, the muscles went through the calf and everything. So the calf, you know, and, you know, scar tissue in there and, uh, just not being able to put a lot of weight on that leg. So the quad starts weakening, you know, and, uh, and then uh, just the fact that they had to put the rod through the middle of my knee, you know, just crushes the inside of your knee too. So they 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 take the the rod and they basically hammer it through uh, the top of your knee joint, through the middle of the joint, into the tibia bone, into the center of the tibia bone, all the way down wow. to the ankle. And when they do that, it's like you know, it's all it's a tibia surgery, you know, to correct the the, the fracture, but it's also the the rod's going through your knee joint, you know. So that that's a pain in the ass too, you know. So you're, it's all you have a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts. Damn. So what about like just like if you want to go for a run? Nah, running is running's running was dumb. I was done with running for the last like ten years, really. Other than um, what do you mean dumb with running? Sprints. I don't run. I don't ever run. I, really? I've had I've had ten ten knee surgeries. There's no reason for me to run. I could find plenty of other ways to not put pounding in my joints in my uh. knees. Wow. Um, so I just stay away from that. I don't have a lot of cartilage left um, in my knees. And if I was to do pounding exercises, like running on, you know, pavement yeah. and stuff, it's it's not worth it. I could do bike riding. I could do, you know, elliptical swimming um, and, and then sprint work is fine. But like I, I and, and really my cardio comes from sparring and, and you know, kickboxing, wrestling and, and all that stuff. So uh, if I want to lose weight, the running would come in, you know, in handy. Uh, but I could do those other things to right. uh instead so 
Do you spar? I don't. I don't run. What's that? Have you sparred? I've been sparring like I've been sparring like probably like two or three times a week. I have this up and comer, undefeated professional up and comer, my little protege, Tom Lane, one eighty five er, was all American at Cal Poly University from Long Island. Ended up moving out to North Carolina like twenty minutes from me. Wow! And uh, he's getting ready for his uh, second professional fight. And so he's getting ready. I'm helping him get ready. And, and with that, like he comes over to my garage and we basically, you know, hit pads for a little bit, drill a little bit. And the next thing you know, we spar a whole bunch and then we get on the mat. We do jujitsu and do wall wrestling and do the whole thing. And um, at first with my injury, it was like, you know, let's just, I'm going to drill. I'm going to be more of a coach and help you out. And the next thing I you know, I'm like, oh, I think I could do that. I think I could do that. And then now it's like, I'm all out. My leg is just not where it needs to be yet for me to feel comfortable, like booking a fight as far as, you know, going southpaw, letting someone kick my leg at this point. I'm not 100 uh, percent confident in that yet. Um, and um, like just really moving the way I'd like to just because the strength isn't there. There's too much uh, there's too much pressure on the joints. And when I go to push off, it's a little painful still uh, in, the, in the lower leg and uh, the knee a little bit. So as it's already, it's progressing, it's, it's getting better and better as like the strength is developing. So it's going to be, I'm going to be good to go. Uh, yeah. What's and realistic. I feel, I, I feel, I honestly feel great, man. And I feel like uh, I'm not coming back, you know, just to get a fight and, 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 and show people that, um, you know, you could come back from tough things. It's more, uh, I really do think I'm, you know, in in a very selective group of top guys in the world in this division and i think i could be any of those guys any night and i haven't slowed down somehow like i'm in there with some really good guys in the gym and uh if i started seeing that um i, I don't have what it used it used to be and i don't see myself progressing and getting better and better every day man i wouldn't be doing this you know I, i'm not doing this for the money i'm not doing this um you know for the glory um, I'm doing this because I love to train. I love to do this. Um, I love to compete against the best guys in the world. And I know I could do it and I could shock the world again. Um, and, uh, you know, I've had my losses and, and that's definitely uh, something that is in the fans' minds. And they, they can't understand why I would want to come back because I've already had the championship. And, you know, uh, you know you've, I've had my awesome wins and you know, I've had my bad losses. And, but I'm still, uh, I'm still in a really good spot. And, uh, and uh, and I can't wait to make a splash when I come back. I'm just I'm I'm really pumped. I know I just jumped into that because it's no, it's great. It's freaking making yeah. me all emotional inside, and uh, I want to run through a wall myself. What's realistic though? This summer is realistic. Yeah, this summer is realistic. Um, I was thinking like before June, but I, I wow. think I'm going to need a little bit more time than that. To be honest, um, I think I need a couple. Uh, I, I think within the next month, the strength of my legs com- comes back to where I could really like push off of it the way I'm, the way I want to, and I'm comfortable like in sparring. And then I'd like to get it in, like in an eight week almost mock training camp to see how I feel, and 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 really push the body. Um, like I said, I've been training really hard, but I want to like bring my weight down the right way and like just get my body accustomed to uh, like a real training camp and see how my leg reacts and learn how to deal with it and, and work around it. And then and then from that point, set up a fight after that mock training camp and then, you know, get into a real camp. That's, that's the goal. So that looks probably like a July would be what I'm probably looking at realistically, if everything goes the way I'd like to. And yeah. Have you allowed yourself to even think of like what the perfect scenario would be? Would it even, would it be like your eye hall? Would that be the perfect scenario? Have you, have you even allowed yourself to go there? 
I have no idea, man. It's just, you know, how the landscape of the division changes so much over time. And by then, like, who was going to be the exciting fight for me? Uh, I don't really know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Would man. you like your eye at some point? I don't really want to even say names. No, I guess it. it's it's not even worth it. I don't want to. It's, it's like I'm a and I hate even saying talking you know, uh, confidently about me in the division at this point, because at this point I'm a keyboard warrior I, nah. I, until I have a leg to stand on. Nah. You know, the pun intended, like I, I feel awkward. Like I get it. I'm coming back and I'm going to dominate and, uh, and I'm calling out these different people because at this point it's not happening. I got, I got some, I got shit. I got to take care of on my own. Excuse but is French. Uriah a thing? Like, is that a thing that you would want to do before you're done? Like, do you even care about that? Is there any symbolism involved in that or no? Yeah, yeah. I promise I won't kick him. If we <laughs> if we have some type of like handshake deal, like all right, there's no no kicks. You could kick up. Let's all let, uh, you kick above the waist only. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like karate. He started with karate. Let's do a yeah. karate, but we have to add <laughs> wrestling. We got to have grappling involved. You know, let's just let's do that. You know, not that I'm scared of getting kicked in my leg. By the way, at this point, I'm I'm not scared, but I but I think that'd be a cool little uh, uh, way to spice it up. Do you think a lot about, for example, you were just mentioning, um, you know, mentoring this young fighter. What's his name again? Sorry. Uh, Tom, Tom Lane. Tom Lane. Tom the Freight Train Lane. Remember the name. I, rem- I love Rain that. Combat, uh, February 18th. It's my daughter's birthday, so I'm not going to be going to Rain Combat. So he's, he's, in my, he's in my alma mater where I started yeah. my uh, professional debut and had my fights uh, heading into – uh, the UFC, I think it's the, the best local promotion you can have. Louis Negri, very yeah. long ago, they promote it. Uh, they're awesome people. And uh, you get really tough fights there. You know, it's not just, you know, a build up type thing. You fight good guys. Uh, and there's a reason why they have more than, than any other promotion uh, where guys have gone from there and then it went into the UFC. So the reason I bring that up is like now you're in that mentor role and you've been helping mm-hmm. out guys for a while. But, you know, you're, you're seriously like looking after someone and others. Um, you know, your friend John Volante retired. Like we're reaching the point where, you know, you and I, we're getting old. Do you, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about becoming the mentor? No longer the young buck, no longer the upstart, no longer the fresh face. We all remember Louisville, Kentucky and all that stuff. Like now, you know, I'm, I'm approaching 40. I'm getting all reflective about my life and, and what I've done and, and what's to come. How do you, how do you deal with this? You remember, uh, do you remember the edge, uh, the edge team that they came out with the UFC, the edge shaving gel oh, sponsorship. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the prospects, the yeah. prospects of the UFC, <laughs> the up and coming stars. I was like the face of that thing. Oh, Me and a, I, don't, I don't remember who else. There, I mean, what the hell happened? <laughs> I was prospect of the year too, or uh, fight. Not, I was fighter of the year, uh, 2013, I think, but I was the uh, like breakout fighter. Is it breakthrough fighter of the yeah, year? Yeah, breakthrough, yeah, yeah. Breakthrough fighter of the year. Breakthrough fighter of the year the year before that. Um, Bro, it's weird. I've been in the UFC since 2011. Um, Crazy. You know, I, I always was uh, thought of myself as like the young guy and I'm still very open minded. I don't think I know anything like that. And and I think that's a it's a good thing. And it's also a bad thing. Sometimes I got to be like, bro, I'm the freaking man. And other time, but but it's also good to know. <laughs> but it's also good that I, I, I'm constantly learning. I've never stopped learning because I'm very open minded. I always kind of think somebody knows more. And so I'm open, open to learning. And I try to teach my kids that because these kids, you know, I try to teach them something and they think they already know. I'm like, listen, that's the worst attribute to have. Please, please. You don't know everything. Just shut your mouth and listen and learn. 
And so that's like one of my biggest battles with my kids, because I think that's such an important thing for them to have um, is just being open-minded and, and, and having that eagerness to learn. Um, but what are you saying? Yeah, it's just, it is, it's, it's, it is weird to be the older guy, uh, 37. I, uh, yeah, it, it's weird, man. I, I, I envision other fighters watching them on in the UFC, um, over the years and, and watching their name come up, come up on the screen as they're being introduced and saying 37 and being, and, and having my thoughts and like, you know, and so it is weird. Now that's me. Yes. It is a wild thing. Do you, do you, if there's one fight that you can go back to that you can do over now it could be a great one or it could be one that kind of nags at you which would it be so i think what really caused my issues in my fight career where i started having losses is because my vitor belfort fight actually really so my vitor belfort fight when i fought him i i started and, and remind me i want to talk about this when we talk about adesanya and, and whitaker yep. fight because i'm sure we're going to be talking about yep. that but like it's hard to be honest with yourself when you're the champion and it, because you want, you just want everybody to think you're, you, you know, you want everybody to know you're the best in the world. And anybody who's trying to take that away from you, you're going to like, you know, you want to argue that. And at that point in my career, I, you know, I was the, I was, you know, the man, I was undefeated world champion. I beat Anderson Silva twice. And then I beat Little Machida. I felt like my goals have kind of like, I already accomplished everything I wanted to do um, at that point. Uh, and I uh, shut a lot of people up, but there was still this bickering. But I just felt, um, I felt like complacent. I was having fun going out to nice dinners. I was hanging out with, you know, my friends and, you know, just enjoying that, that champ life at that point. And I wasn't doing it for my, my Anderson Silva fights, and I wasn't doing it for the Machida fight because I really still had something to prove. But going against Vitor, I kind of was, I let my guard down, and I started training less, not more. I was worried about getting injured because I, I had, I, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, you know, um, uh, like, a lot of talk about me being injury prone, and look, here I am, uh, injury prone and like, you know, uh, pulling out of fights. And so I, I tried to do less, not more, and that was against everything I always did and everything that made me become a champion because I always pushed harder than everybody, and I was always willing to do more than everybody. And for the first time in my career, I did less, and, and I started doing – for that camp, I did a six-week training camp which was way less than I usually did. And I just, you know, let my coaches know, I think this is the best thing for my body, blah, blah, blah. Can't get injured again. So I started six weeks out and that gives you five weeks of training. Mm. I don't, I come in really out of shape, go through the training camp. You know, you think you're in good shape. I'm, I'm just, you know, um, whatever. I'm not, I'm training hard when I'm there, but I'm not there as much. You know, I'm doing less one training session a day as opposed to two or three. And, uh, and I won, you know, so I had a positive reinforcement mm -hmm. on not really working the way I really should. And that led into my demise, really, when it comes to my reign as a world champion, because I, I got into that, not to take anything, anything away from Luke Rockhold. But when I started that training camp, I started, again, six weeks out, mm -hmm. came in fat. And uh, the first week I break my foot on, on Volante's elbow, I throw a crazy kick break my foot. And I thought, all right, whatever. It takes four weeks to heal. I'll just keep pushing through. It never really healed. I remember it was my cuboid bone <laughs> and it just, it, there's like a very low supply of blood there. So it doesn't heal fast. You got to really stay off of it. And it was a nightmare of a camp. I couldn't really train the right way. I couldn't get my cardio to where I needed to. I wasn't confident going into that fight that I did the right thing and, and pushed myself to the level I need to. And I think it showed in that fight. Like I just, I, well, I guessed out for sure. 
but I also didn't push myself the way I usually would push myself because I was scared of getting tired. And that was really the first time in my career that I was in that situation. And I think what happened, and I lose that fight, obviously, it was a freaking nightmare of a fight. I did not want to lose to Luke Rockhold, but I also wasn't willing to put the work in to make sure to give me a higher percentage chance of, of, of not letting that happen. And then instead of like looking at what I did wrong and, and, and real, being, being honest with myself about how I was being lazier and doing less as opposed to more and doing what it kind of got me there. Uh, I would hear people kind of say it to me, but I was like, no, I'm good. Like I, because I'm still dominating everybody in the room. Like I'm still doing my thing. Like I, but it, it caught up to me. And then it, instead of changing that, you know, going to my Yo Romero fight, it was, it was the same thing for that yeah. fight. I had a surgery right before four weeks before that fight, I had a knee surgery and I started the camp two weeks before that. So that was a freaking nightmare of a situation, but I thought Yo Romero gets tired anyway. Who cares if I'm not in that good of a shape? But it was, it, uh, yeah. But anyway, so that's that is that's why I say the Vitor Belfort fight. I never even really expressed this out loud, but that is the fight that led me into a situation where I wasn't being honest with myself and able to reflect and like, hey, I gotta stop being a little biatch, you know, and freaking start training the right way like I used to, and uh, be the guy that I try to hold other people to. Um, so, yeah. I appreciate that. And with the Israel, and then and then I'm watching Israel Desanya. Yes, yeah, so let's get embedded. into that. Yeah, yeah. And 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 he, he what I before I watched the embedded, I'm I'm picking Whitaker, you know, because Whitaker has looked better in his last couple of fights. Uh, Adesanya has looked, you know, okay, but not not great. You know, he hasn't seemed like he's been improving. And I saw that as a big problem. And I think Whitaker has this this this. Uh, this chip on his shoulder right now from the last fight when they fought and he's been holding it in, you know, he's super humble. He doesn't want to, he, he's, he's act, acts like this is just another fight, but he has a chip on his shoulder. The whole Australia thing, the things that were said after that Asanya fight, the first time uh, he knows he didn't fight well in that, in that first fight, you know, he spazzed out of control for whatever reasons, either he mentally imploded and it was just too much pressure or uh, his game plan was wrong or I, I don't know, but either way he didn't fight himself. And, but then I listened to Israel Asanya, and right away, he was honest with himself. He straight up said, as a champion, this is hard to say because I've been there, to look back at the last year and say, honestly, this is probably my most lackluster year. You don't want to ever give credit to all those haters out there that are saying it. So as a champion, you constantly have your guard up. Like, motherfucker, I'm still, I beat the best guys in the world. I don't care. I went up and wait, you know, like I went against a way stronger, you know, guy. He caught me off guard. I could beat him tomorrow. Like that's, that's like somehow, like you, you have that self, self, you know, uh, defense mechanism that's going to pop in as a champion. But what impressed me with Adesanya right now, which is a really good sign for him, is that he was honest without a doubt. This last year sucked for me, basically. You know, I, I was lackluster. You know, I wasn't spectacular. I wasn't, you know, really opening up the way, you know, I want to. I guess he's, maybe his training wasn't the way he wanted to. But the fact that he's being, uh, being honest with himself is a really good sign for him uh, going into this fight. Wait, so does that mean you've now changed your pick? Uh, you know, I love Whitaker. I love Whitaker. And I'm a fan of Adesanya, too. I love watching him fight. I, you know, I, I like You I weren't always a believer him. in Izzy, though, right? Am I accurate in saying that? I'm not a uh, listen. He's tough. He showed toughness in the Gaslam fight. He's he's got great stand up. I love his stand up. But as far as when I I am a and, and again now I'm going to sound like a keyboard warrior. But I, I I and I know I've been knocked out in fights. Okay, I, I know I lost to people, but I don't give a crap. I still think I could beat any one of those guys any other any day. You know, um, when I envision myself going as an like an Adesanya, I could prove what I see. 
You know, I mean, there's levels to this shit. Blackowitz is not even a wrestler, and he, you know, took him down. He's strong. He's big. I get it. But I'm I'm a whole different animal. So I could try to compare. I compare him him to me, and I'm not a believer. Like he's not getting through me. Um, and I've seen, you know, the stardom. He's super impressive, in, you know, in interviews, and he's exciting to watch. And I get it. Um, but that that um, that aura uh, about him doesn't affect a guy like me. So when I when I, you know, that's that's what I mean by that. So, but gotcha. I will say, I mean, he's been, he's been amazing. He's been mm-hmm. amazing. Like like style makes fights. Like I could say about it, Anderson Silva. Like Anderson Silva is unbelievable. Look, he's the he's the goat of the middleweight division for sure. Maybe the greatest of all divisions. And um, but but it, do I think he's unbeatable? No. Like I know how I could you know could beat him, and I like I just my style loves those type of matchups where, and, and my mind just loves those type of matchups, guys who are super athletic, good on their feet and uh, you know, and, and got good cardio could stay relaxed. And I know what kind of guy I could beat him and it's me. And so it's just hard for me to be like, you know, I know he's the man, you know, I, he's doing great and I'm a fan of him. I, and I, and I, you know, let's see how I want the best guy to win. I want an awesome, exciting fight. And I think we're going to get an awesome, exciting fight because both guys to me, really have a big chip on their shoulder. And I think that's when you get the big fight. That's when you get those amazing wars, you know? So, uh, yeah. Can I ask? I know I'm all over the place. Come on, reel me in, man. No, no, this is great. This is great. Um, Just one more question, and then I'm going to let you go. How do you think Whitaker can win this fight? Because it's easy to say, oh, just do what Jan did. But, like, I mean, as you know, it's not that easy. How does he win the fight, in your opinion? I I don't think he's, you know, taking him down, holding him down for, you know, five rounds. No. Um, I think he could, I think he'd get him maybe two rounds with a takedown here or there, hold him down for a little bit. Adesanya gets back up to his feet. You know, he threatens a submission. I, you know, I think it, you know, Adesanya is good enough to, to get back up. I don't think Whitaker's a wrestler. Yeah, I think Whitaker's the better wrestler, but I don't think he has the strength and the, I don't think he has that type of strength to like wrestle him out, you know, for, for five rounds. But I do think he could win some rounds with the wrestling. And which also will get into Adesanya's head with the striking and limit what he's able to do on the feet. You know, it's going to make him a little bit more timid, which could open up uh, Whitaker's uh, stand up. So I think he could win one or two rounds with some takedowns and, and then win around the stand up. You know, you, you know, you could look at the Gaslam fight when they both fought him. I mean, I know Gaslam was at different points in his career and different confidence levels in both those fights. So you can't. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's, I'm not doing a, like a strict comparison and like it's a hundred percent real because it's not, you know, two different, that, two different gas limbs, you know, two different opponents. But, um, I would like Whitaker looks so good in that fight. His stand up, his relaxation was just unbelievable. You know, the way he was taken, he's seen gas limb drop so many people with that left hand, uh, and me included, by the way. Um, and he was so relaxed you know, with, with, with parrying it and, 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 uh, covering on it, he wasn't overreacting. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't afraid of it. He was just so relaxed. And then the way he was able to bring in his kicks and his, and his, and his, um, and his punches and just throw it all together was, was a beautiful, uh, sight to see. Okay. So yeah, I should be on the desk. Yeah, I, I Chris, think what, what is going on here? I mean, I feel like they this need... is my desk. Yeah. You know what? You don't need their desk. You got your own damn desk. Yeah. Doing great right, things, bro. Come on, you know yeah. how it is. I know. How Can't it hold is. me down. Can't I tell know. me what to That's say. Right. I don't want rehearsals. Won't back down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the podcast is won't back down. He's had a ton of big names. Uh, of course, Anderson Silva was the first guest, and that was tremendous. But you've had names recently like Kevin James, Christian McCaffrey, 
of the uh, of the Panthers, Steve Smith, also a great NFL legend as well. So hmm. always great to uh, to catch up with you, my friend. I'm happy that things are progressing, that you're feeling good. And uh, what a sight it's going to be when you return. I would like it to be at the UBS Arena, the brand new arena. I know you've kind of turned your back on Long Island, but I don't think. You, I mean, <laughs> no I would. I, <laughs> I want Nassau Coliseum. Let's just go back. Oh, to you Nassau want old? Coliseum. No, let's go to the new one for the new chapter. No, come on, it's in Queens. It's in Queens. It's in no, it's Belmont. Not Queens. Right? That's that's Long Island. I mean, uh, yeah, it's in Belmont. Belmont, but isn't that Long uh, Island? I think technically Queens is. Um, no, don't own, be that but guy. It's not don't part of Nassau, Suffolk County. Oh, come on. I, mean, I could go on, like, it's messed up. They, <laughs> the like, Islanders Nassau play Coliseum, there. Where is it at? Like, all the Long Islander fans are from Long Island. The fact yeah, that okay. they just, it's better than the Barclays. Center. Yeah, better than Barclays or Kansas City. They were talking about moving to Kansas City. So, like, you know. Well, that's, yeah. that's blasphemy. Let's not get crazy yeah. here. I mean, it feels like. There's only one team I've ever rooted for in my life, and it's Long Island. It's the New York, it's the New York Islanders. And you're going to take them out of Long Island? I'd be, I'd be damaged. Right. That'd be a problem. Well, I'm glad that they didn't, um, even though you want to get technical. Thank you so much, Chris. Great analysis. Great to catch up, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Thank you very much. You're the man. Thank you so much. There he is, Chris Weidman, the former UFC middleweight champion, legend of the game. And uh, I I think he's, I mean, I think he's one of the the better analysts in this game. He's really developed into, uh, into into a great analyst. Hmm. Um. All right. Thank you very much to Chris Weidman. Appreciate him greatly. And do check out his podcast. It is called uh, Won't Back Down. And he does a great job with that each and every week. And it's not easy, as we were talking about. It is not easy to uh, to book those guests. And I'm not trying to make this out to be like, oh, what was me? Yeah, I know it's a lot harder to uh, go on a construction site at 7 a.m. and work in the freezing cold, of course. But, you know, there's anxiety involved. There's stress involved. There's pressure involved. Okay, that's all. I just wanted to commiserate because not everyone can uh, appreciate that or understand where I'm coming from. But now that he's uh, he's in that world as well, I know he can. And since he was on the other side of the coin for so long, I thought he would appreciate because I remember that Gaslam fight and trying to track him down. It wasn't fun, but it was a great moment. It really was. All right. Uh, it is always a pleasure. I told you guys this when we were talking to Eric Nixick a couple of weeks ago. I love talking to the coaches. And this is actually something that I appreciate more as I get older as well. And obviously more, you know, entrenched in the sport and seeing the fighters come and go. Uh, when you when you meet the good coaches, the smart coaches, the ones who have great intentions, it's a real pleasure and it's a real honor. And the ones, by the way, who don't seek the limelight, who don't seek the interviews, who are just kind of in the back. I mean, I saw Captain Eric standing there with the belt, like he won. I mean, come on, Captain. I mean, I love you, but like you standing with the belt, like you want. It, I mean, that's crazy. Anyway, one of those guys is our next guest, the head man over at City Kickboxing. He has a very busy weekend coming up on Saturday, of course. You know, his his star pupil, Israel Adesanya, fighting in the main event, but he's got a couple other great fighters on the card as well. Without further ado, let us say hello to the one and only Eugene Behrman. Eugene, great to talk to you. Thank you so much for the time. It's, it's nice to have you back on the show. 
Yeah, thanks for the introduction, Ariel. Good, good, to, good to be back, mate. Good to, good to see you back in action. Um, yeah, you, you do wonderful things for the sport, obviously. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so, so much to talk to you about. I know it's a big week, and I appreciate you giving us a bit of your time because I'm sure it's very, very busy. Could you, um, could you even possibly describe what the last year plus has been like for you and the team? Because, you know, we, we've talked to Dan about this. We've talked to Kai Car France about this. But as the guy, as the head man, as the, you know, the leader of the team at City Kickboxing, with all the rules, with all the drama, what has it been like for you? Uh, I mean, to sum it up, very stressful, extremely stressful. Um, and, and I think it's been well publicized how New Zealand's dealt with COVID and we've done very well internally. But it hasn't made it easy for people like us who obviously work overseas and have to travel overseas a lot. In fact, we're still going for it now, Ariel. We're actually all stuck after this fight again. Oh. We don't, we have no way. Our country borders are locked. Um, so we we after this fight, we're, we're actually all stuck as well. We've tried not to focus on that because that's such a negative thing to think about. We want to get the fight out of the way. But that's a problem that we're going to have to tackle after the fight. And um, we're kind of compartmentalizing it, but yes, yeah, and, and one word, yeah, stressful. So what what does that even mean? So you have no return flight, you can't get in. There's there's no like how, how does what like how, what does that even mean? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> it, it means yeah, it is. Well, it is crazy, but it means that we our country's borders are locked out for its own citizens. You cannot currently get in. What she has done. She's announced the date that we can that um, New Zealand citizens can start coming back into the country, but she announced that date. She also announced that date, um, you know, four months ago, and then retracted it. So it doesn't have mm. the same weight. It doesn't have any weight anymore. Right. So, and and that date is mid March, but that oh. date gets shifted on a whim. You know, if you know what I mean. It's, where are you going to go? <laughs> what are you going to do after this fight? Um, like I said, I, I, I honestly, um, uh, Ariel, we've made the UFC aware and uh, they've obviously uh, been very helpful and they're willing to come to the party to help us out with whatever our plans are, but we actually don't have any plans. We're, we're literally going to get the fight out of the way. Then we're going to talk to uh, UFC and Travel and um, Hunter and all the people we need to talk to and then figure out what we're going to do, whether we go and live in Vegas um, for the foreseeable future or whether we try and maybe go to Australia or we, we actually we wow. haven't, we haven't planned that because um, we've been really just focused on this, wanting to get this done. And, and just curious, last thing on this, because you know, I know you, you say you don't want to be distracted by all of it, but it is very unfortunate and I can't imagine how stressful when you do think about it, it is. Um, do you feel like you are, you, like I, I have heard, correct me if I'm wrong, others, you know, the all blacks and stuff, they make exceptions for them, right? Do you feel like you guys are being sort of I don't want to say targeted, but treated unfairly. Like you guys are world-renowned professional athletes that are fighting on the biggest stage possible. They can't make an exception for you guys. Look, we we feel like we've earned a certain place in the New Zealand sports scene. Yeah, but it's not being duly given to us by by the powers that be. I think by the people they recognise that we're one of the one of the leading sports. Uh, products and sports teams in the country but when it comes to the powers that be um, and their view on combat sports um, it's still a little bit um, behind the rest of the world I feel 
Uh, by the way, Izzy was talking about the team moving. Is that still a possibility? So, interesting enough, um, Ariel, if you remember what, just before when I mentioned that she announced the dates that we were going to open. Yeah. Well, what that essentially meant is we didn't need to move because we were able to move in and out of our country. Right. Then what actually happened, Omicron came along and she completely retracted those dates and took them away. So now we were stuck. We had called off all our plans to move to America. We had let everybody know that now we don't need to do that anymore. And then she retracted those dates. So then we were stuck again. And, and so now we seem to have got a date in March. But again, she retracts it on a whim whenever she wants to. So maybe the best thing for us to do was never have changed our plans mm. and maybe to move to America. But everything's, everything's easy with hindsight, right? Sure. And you're referring to the uh, Prime Minister of New Zealand when you say she, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, when I say her, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... Um, was there any part of you that didn't want to come or maybe thought about not coming on this trip because of the uncertainty of your travels back? Uh, we would not have taken the fight um, if we didn't have an agreement from the UFC that we would be looked after if we get stuck. Okay. Because we actually agreed to the fight based on those dates that she said that we can get back into the country. Ah, geez. Then she retracted the dates, and then I contacted the UFC. Like, under normal circumstances, we wouldn't take this fight because we wouldn't want 15 of our guys, of our team, stuck over in the States. But um, we came to a, a good agreement with the UFC that um, they, would, they, would, they would look after us um, despite being stuck, stuck over here. So, so we took the fight. Well, some good news this morning. Uh, Paradigm announced that Izzy has uh, re-signed with the UFC. Uh, are, are you happy with this news? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. Um, you know, like, um, I, I mean, I work very closely with Paradigm. Like, yeah. I, I'm one of the... I'm one of the very few coaches that still has a lot to do with my boys in terms of the management. And I obviously have people like Ash, who you know, and I have Tim from Paradigm, who I work with really closely to help manage that side. But I still have a very active role in that. So um, I've been, you know, this has been something that's been in the works for a, a long time now. And to finally, kind of in the final kind of hour, um, to finally kind of get, get it done and have both parties um, happy with the deal is um, very pleasing for me because I know the struggle that it took to get here, obviously. So I'm happy, very happy. My understanding was prior to this, he had two fights left on the deal. And I'm just curious with everything going on. Francis, I know, is a friend of his. Uh, was there any talk about fighting it out and seeing where the chips fall? Um, we had, I mean, with two fights to go, we had multiple options that we were looking at. Um, and then obviously it all depended on whether both parties could come up with a satisfactory deal. So, I mean, our other options didn't really need to be explored. We, we felt that we, we uh, got something in front of us that um, was worth us taking. And um, like I said, like um, Tim and, and, and Hunter and Dana and Mick and all the powers that be and, and myself and Ash, we, we, we did some good business um, this time around, some very good business, I, I feel. Okay. Congratulations. Uh, dare I ask how many yeah. fights is it for? Can I ask that or is it? 
That's that's a good question for Tim. You'll have to get okay, Tim, right. Tim, Tim I thought, off. I thought you were at the table. I thought you know. You... <laughs> I'll deflect, I'll, but I'm going to deflect that to Tim. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I had to try. Um, so, okay, so now let's get to the actual fight. Uh, you know, Izzy... Yeah. Uh, obviously one of the most fascinating people in the sport because of how brutally honest he is. He's as authentic as it gets. He's uh, unapologetically himself. And and he has said recently about, you know, being bored in the Vittori fight, not feeling motivated and whatnot. Do you feel motivation from him? Do, you know, he's the thing about lapping the division is like you're, you're having to conquer the same challenges over and over again. He already conquered this challenge. Do you feel like he is motivated going into this fight? Yeah, I think he's like very motivated for this fight. Um, I mean, we've, we've as as coaches and a team, we've pushed a certain theme, and we've really, um, you know, one of the key words we've used uh, is, is complacency. Well, like not being complacent, and um, we've also pushed that we've pushed the truth about the matter. And, and the truth is that I think we we managed to. Uh, you know, get Robert out of there early before he had shown his full potential. Um, I think everybody in the team, including Israel, knew that he has more more to show than that. And um, and that's what's kind of motivated him, that he knows that Robert's probably a better, fight, better fighter than what he showed that night in Melbourne. And um, rematches are hard. Israel's been involved in a few rematches himself, and he knows that you always train twice as hard and you leave no stone unturned, and he knows that's what Robert's done. So it's in turn forced us to pretty much have the toughest camp that I've actually seen Israel have in all these years. Really? So I'm very pleased. Um, and for this one, could he train at the gym full-time or was it the, you know, the at-home stuff? Like how restrictive were the the measures in terms of not allowing him to be at the gym? Now we were good. We were down to 100 people oh. in the gym, which is, which is fine. Like that's obviously our professional team's only 30 or 40 guys, so... We, 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 our, our, the quality of our training was as high as it could be. Okay. Um, I, I saw on his YouTube channel, which is phenomenal, uh, he did this interview. Um, I believe it was with his brother who was conducting it, David. And uh, he had said, like, hey, you know, essentially I'm paraphrasing, but like, there's a lot of talk that Robert is so much better, has improved so much since their first fight. And he's on this winning streak and he's a new man. He doesn't necessarily buy into that, he's not really seeing that. Do you see that or do you agree with Izzy that this is a lot of maybe media talk that, you know, Robert has improved tremendously since the first fight? No, I think that's a narrative that's being pushed. I think there is improvement, but maybe not the degree of improvement that the media is kind of pushing. Um, and I think that's what Israel's alluding to. But um, we, we, we definitely see improvement. But we, we obviously have three more fights to add to his body of work. And um, in those three fights, there's, there's also, you know, it's highlighted some of the previous weaknesses we already knew about, but there's some new vulnerabilities that we've seen in those three fights that we weren't particularly noticing or aware of in the previous body of work. So, yeah, we've, we see the improvements, but we see other vulnerabilities in that body of work as well. So um, it goes both ways. Uh, when I spoke to Robert, you know, he obviously alluded to the, the Jan Bachovic fight about that sort of being the, uh, the blueprint um, and I think it's kind of, I mean, I don't know if he's trying to work me or not when he says that, but I think it's an easier said than done thing. There were a lot of other elements that went into that fight. Do you expect, bottom line though, for him to try, to try being the operative word, because again, easier said than done, wrestle, 
clinch, grapple, maybe not so much Robert's uh, forte, if you will, or what we usually see out of him, but do you expect him to try and replicate some of the things that we saw in that Jan fight? I actually think that's a bit of a red herring from their team. I mm. don't think they're, I actually don't think they're going to do that. I think they, I think they understand the athlete that they have in front of them and they understand Robert's attributes and they're not the same as Jan's. And to simply transpose one blueprint from a one particular fighter to another is, uh, that's, that's, that's a terrible approach. And I think that, I mean, I have a lot of respect for their team. They're a very smart team. I don't expect them to do that. I think that's there to kind of, um, throw us off, to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah. I remember talking to Izzy right before the Jan fight, and he told this great story, and we didn't really know it at the time, about when he uh, won in Abu Dhabi and he's in the back of the bus, um, he defeats Paulo Costa, and you kind of said to him, sort of as the Don, um, and he listens to everything that you said and respects it, like, we're, we're you know, 205, let, let's go for that belt. And he's like, all right, he didn't really expect it, but he's like, all right, we're going to do this. Um, and again, sort of just paraphrasing the story, I'm curious, benefit of hindsight, do you regret this? Do you regret last year the move to 205? Do you, do you wish that you hadn't done it? No, no, absolutely not. Uh, that, that was an opportunity there that, uh, that's an opportunity that presented itself. And the only thing I would regret now is, if, and, and Israel would regret too, is if we hadn't taken that opportunity. We would still be sitting here today thinking what could have been. Could have been. Um, at the end of the day, what benefit was there to not taking it? An undefeated record? Like, who cares about an undefeated record? Like, the biggest benefit now, in hindsight, is that Israel's a much better fighter because of that loss. Mm. And that, that sort of inevitably happens. That's a common theme in fighting. But, um, you know, like, Israel was able to bounce back from that fight far better than than what he had to if he had just won and carried on fighting Paulo Costa. It's essentially what gave him the motivation and the strength to push him to the next level against the Paulo Costa and against the Marvin Vittori and now against the Robert. So um, nothing bad came out of that fight that I, you know, in my opinion. Could I ask, like, what do you wish you would have done differently as a team to... Um, the only thing I would have done differently in hindsight, which we felt as a team wasn't an option. I would have built Israel into a 205er, a proper 205er. But we made a calculated guess that um, we could beat uh, Jan at our walking around middleweight weight. Mm. And we did that because we didn't want to put on muscle and then reduce Israel back down to middleweight, which we knew was always going to happen. Mm. And we also know the history of combat sports, the history of boxing, the people like Roy Jones Jr. who moved up and tried to come back down. And we know that that's, that's always a, a, a drastic mistake in combat sports. So the only thing I would do different and, uh, and, and, and the only thing I've taken note for the future is that if we went to 205, we'd build our body into a 205 uh, fighter as opposed to a middleweight taking on uh, a, a 205er. Is that something yeah. you would like to try to do one more time before it's all said and done? Like, is that in the back of your mind? We, we need to do this the right way the next time. Maybe not obviously next, but before his run is done to go back up there one more time. Like, look, we set a goal and they, the goals don't just disappear because you fail at them. Like how many instances in history has there been a goal and no one's reached it the first time? Mm -hmm. 
So I believe it's still in Israel's heart and mind that he wants to, you know, uh, chase that 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 next weight division up, and um, and and we'll take the lessons from the first attempt and we'll transpose them into the second attempt for sure. Is heavyweight still a goal too? You know, if you ask Israel, he's going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's going to say yes. Um, I haven't thought about it. I haven't thought about it. Okay, fair enough. Um, you said he became a better fighter as a result of that fight. In what way? Um, you know, like people talk about that aura of invincibility. You know, that exists for the opponents, but sometimes it exists for the fighter as well. Sometimes, sometimes they need an, like a very big reality check to understand that there are vulnerabilities. Um, you know, they do have vulnerabilities and um, there's no such thing as invincibility in the sport. And um, sometimes it's a key ingredient that you need to push yourself um, to another level when you're already at, when you're already talking about aggregating really small percentages, sometimes you need like things like that, big, big events like that to push some more gains out of you. Mm. And I think that's essentially what it did. So it's been eight months since his last fight, and historically, he fights a lot more frequently, and I know a lot has happened, but it's not like there was an injury, it was all this you know, other stuff I'm sure came into play. Uh, has it been hard to get him to peak at the right time, to keep him motivated, to keep him you know, active despite the long layoff? Was it challenging at all? Uh, definitely. It's challenging. Like, the truth is, it's challenging. Um, it's not... It's not the person who had, you know, who, who came and asked me for twenty dollars because he had no money for food and gas anymore. You know, it's a person who's got unlimited resources and unlimited options. You don't have to be at training anymore. There's like great places you can be and you can afford to be. Um, you know, that's part of the challenge that me and him. You know, we have to tackle that together, and the team have to tackle together. So, it, 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 yeah, it's not. It's not, it's not 10 years ago, you know? There's, there's challenges for sure. Uh, more to that point, like one of my favorite quotes, and people who watch uh, this show are probably tired of me quoting it so much, but it's, you know, the Marvin Hagler quote about, you know, hard to wake up in the morning when you're, <laughs> you're sleeping in satin sheets. Uh, how concerned are you of that? He is a gigantic star now, right? I mean, there is no mm. denying that, not only in New Zealand, but worldwide. And uh, of course, people have brought it up with Connor. And John Kavanaugh himself has talked about it. And your relationship with Izzy yeah. reminds me a lot of John's relationship with Connor, just because you were there from the yeah. very beginning with him and you guys are so close and there's such a loyalty there. How concerned are mm. you of this phenomenon? I'm, I'm always concerned. But I tell you what, you know, we've tackled this problem well. Like Israel, Israel has turned up to every single fight in the UFC. He has turned up in the most phenomenal and best shape that we could possibly get him. So, um, yeah, we are dealing that we are dealing with this, but we're dealing with it appropriately. We're dealing with it in the right manner. We we are at the moment suppressing it, but it's always a constant worry. And now we've got a new deal, and now everything everything jumps up to the next level of scrutiny and the next level of stardom. Um, it's going to be a continuing problem. But like I said, I be, I believe in uh, our relationship. I believe in my team. I believe in our culture that we've set. And I believe that's that's what's keeping Israel where he is. It's the culture of my team, and that 
the fact that we don't let you can't be a superstar in my team. You you are like everybody else. You can be a superstar outside of the four walls of the gym, but when you come in, when you come into the gym, you're just a scumbag like the rest of us. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love. Have you had to check him <laughs> recently? Um, in, 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 in our history, I haven't really had to check him all, but like two or three times in my in my in, in my entire you know in, in our entire history. Um, like I said, the culture of the team, and also just Israel as a person. Um, that we, we t- that takes care of a lot of it itself. Uh, so on this card, you have three fighters, right? Uh, you have Carlos Alberg, yep. Blood Diamond, and Izzy. Do you like when there are multiple, especially for you know an Izzy card because there's so much, as you said, scrutiny and pressure and all. Do you like when multiple CKB <laughs> fighters are on the card, or would you prefer when it's just him? Oh, look, it's it's. It's special when there's multiple on the card. It's special. The whole country uh, more invested. Um, the team's more invested. The atmosphere that those guys create and feed off each other is is um, super special. We're in like a ten bedroom house in the middle of Texas. There's like there's sixteen guys here, and everything we're doing is zeroed in on those three guys. Like it's just such a special time. Like what makes us special is those 15 people that we're spending the experience with. It would nowhere be as good if it was just Israel and me mm. or just Israel, or just me and Carlos. It's the fact that there's all of us together and we're sharing the experience. That's what's going to make it memorable like long, long until you know, the end of our days. So I love it when it's like this. And just curious, uh, you have a big march coming up as well. Uh, obviously, Dan is fighting at 145 in London on March 19th against uh, Arnold Allen, and you have Kai Kai France March 26th um, against Askar Askarov. Will you be able to be at those fights, considering all the stuff we just talked about at the beginning? So, well, well, so you understand my urgency to yeah. get the hell out of here and get back to yeah. training my my guys. Like, so I'm I'm working through this. Like, literally, I've been working. I'm at. If I can't get the team back, I'm trying to find some sort of avenue back to New Zealand, either through the government or wow. through one of the sporting organizations, or maybe I'm um, even looking at going through Australia because Australia opens up a little bit earlier to New Zealanders than the rest of the world. So um, I desperately um, want to get back. I don't want to bask in the sunshine too much over here um, after the fights and stuff. I want to get back and. Uh, because we've got some serious business going on back home and um, uh, that's where I need to be. So um, at the moment, I can't get back um, until really late into their fight camp. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to trying to work through that problem as we speak, pretty much. You in favor of Dan going to 45 again? <clears throat> uh, look, the truth, is, the truth is me and the coaches weren't in favor of it. Um, I'm not sure if you said that, but um, he wanted to do a 45 move um a few fights ago um and and we we expressed our concerns um and and then even for this fight we said look if you get the proper testing and you can prove to us that um with all the new technology and all the new knowledge that we have around um dieting and making weight if you can prove to us that you can perform at 145 um then we'll back you and uh, so he did. He did some very rigorous testing at the PI, and um, you know, lo and behold, he aced it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he he absolutely aced it, and um, it, it seems to us that 
um, he was able to prove through those tests that he can still perform after doing a 145 weight cut to a high level. Um, <clears throat> obviously, those testing doesn't cover everything. It doesn't have the, you know, the, the, the rigmarole of having gone through eight to 12 weeks of camp because that's something you also have to deal with. Um, you know, that's a lot different to just two days of testing. But so far from what I've seen before I left, um, Dan looking much better at 145 than he used to back in the day um, when we didn't have as much help and science helping us back then either. Oh, wow. Um, how do you win on Saturday? How does Izzy win? <clears throat> a shutout, Ariel. A shutout. Uh, five rounds of um, hitting and not being hit. Um, that's what we planned for last time. Uh, and I would like to see Israel not chase a, a knockout this time. Um, I, I, I've already said quite publicly that he went against our game plan last time. That was not our game plan to chase that knockout early. <laughs> um, I would like him to be a little bit more disciplined and um, not chase the knockout and just accumulate a lot of damage uh, round by round um, until, and, uh, until the end and get basically a shutout on the score sheets. And uh, if if that comes to fruition, do you think Derek Brunson is next, or are you looking at someone else? Darren Till. <laughs> you still want the Darren Till one? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> now you're just trolling. Is- I think me and Israel just have a thing for calling out Darren Till, whether he's on three losses or whether he's <laughs> on three it. wins. You have tried. We just want the guy. To- we just want the guy to do well. We honestly, we think that'll be a really exciting fight for us. Oh, my we just Guys, he's, a, he's such a brilliant guy and such a brilliant striker. We just think that'll be a fantastic fight. But, um, I, yeah, I think Branson is probably putting up their hand, but he he, he has to get the job done, right? He, sure. he's, he's got a tall task in front of him. But, yeah, it looks like Branson might be the lead runner, maybe. It, do, it does feel to that point, though, that he is uh... – I don't know, craving new faces, right? So I'm assuming, and he has talked about Jared in the past. So I'm assuming if Jared wins, it makes the decision easier. But what if Brunson wins? Do we look at Sean Strickland from last week? Because I'm fascinated by that matchup, considering how he looked with his uh, with his jab and his striking. Are we interested in that at all? Um, Sean Strickland. Yeah, I don't know too much about Sean Strickland. I haven't actually watched a lot of Sean Strickland, but... Um, what little I have seen is, yeah, I mean, we can do that fight. Like uh, Brunson poses a much, Brunson poses a much uh, bigger threat than Sean Strickland does. Okay. Let's be honest. But, um, but I think Israel would be very fascinated in a character like Sean Strickland. Yes. Um, I think their interactions will be, uh, you know, I, I think you'll be very entertained out of their interactions, Ariel. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, we'd be interested in that fight. Jared, though, am I right in saying that that is of interest? Because he's talked about Jared, right, in the past? Yeah, but, like, funnily enough, like, you know, the game, this game is a funny old place. Like, you you have, you know, you have Brunson on the streak and Brunson's got a bit of a story to tell and you have this guy, Sean Strickland, making a lot of noise um, where it previously looked like Cannoneer was the lead, you know, the, the lead horse. Now it's kind of looking like there might be a couple of people in front of them. So like, oh. yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. Like, I'm interested on in all three of those fights um, as Israel's next fight. I t- I mean, to be honest, what Israel, what we're targeting this year, um, we we want to have a, a record championship run. We want to try and do the most championship fights in a year. 
Um, I'm not sure what that's been, Errol. You're probably better better at that. But we're looking at we are, we we would ultimately for one of these in the upcoming years want to do like five or six wow defenses in one year. Like that's what we want to do if we can make that possible. That's gonna. Be, I mean, I respect it, and you're fighting early enough in the year to make it happen. But that would mean like yeah. every two three months. Yeah, like that. That would like that. That's that's. Like every year at the start of the year, that's essentially what we want to do. But when you become a champion, when you become a, a pay-per-view product, it's that that's a lot easier said than done. It's yeah. much harder before the thing and stuff. You can't just fight on any card. But we would like to use, like to work with the UFC to make that happen. Um, wow. One of these to just do that many pay-per-views in a year. Um, that's something we're more than capable of. And then you end the year with the uh, John Jones fight. <laughs> I don't. We don't talk about people who don't even fight anymore. Who, are, okay. <laughs> who, who, who <laughs> they're not part of the. They're not part of the. They're not part of the community anymore. They're, they're, they they do their own thing with their life. What I love about shouldn't have to feature, shouldn't have to feature on your show. I get it. I get it. You know, I had to. Uh, <laughs> but what I love so much about talking to you, coach, is that uh, you're one of the best coaches, brightest minds in the game. Also. You are brutally honest, and a lot of other coaches wouldn't speak as honestly as you have spoken to us today. So thank you for that. Uh, congrats on the new deal. Good luck to you and the team on Saturday. Good luck to not only Izzy, but Carlos and uh, the great Blood Diamond as well. What a tremendous I – can't, I can't stop saying that name. I love it so much. And uh, congrats on all the success, and I'm sorry that you guys are going through all of this with the travel, but hopefully you know, those days are coming to an end and life will resume. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Ariel. Have a great one. Thank you. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. There he is, Coach Eugene Behrman, the head man over at CKB. What What a great, great figure in our sport. And, you know, there are moments there where he's, like, contemplating um, the question and the answer, and I think he's going to say, like, something, you know, I don't know, PC, and then he drops some amazing truth bombs on us. Amazing. That was incredible. I love that. I love picking his brain. I love talking to him. Uh, and what an amazing thing that he has built with that team in, uh, in New Zealand. I hope we appreciate these coaches. These coaches like Eric Nixick, these coaches like Henry Hooft, these coaches like... Uh, Trevor Whitman, these coaches like um, Eugene Behrman, John Cavanaugh, Faraz Zahabi. We are blessed with some really great coaches in this uh, in this sport. Some great minds. Um, and again, it's the ones the ones that I appreciate are the ones that don't necessarily seek the limelight, seek the attention, seek the spotlight. But man, that was great. I love that. And I was thinking off the top of my head, what is the most title defenses in a year? Is it, I mean, I can't imagine it's more than three or four, right? I feel like DJ did it. I can't imagine it's, I mean, someone, I'm sure, where's, uh, where's Jedi at? Where's New York Rick at? It's got to be up there. Three or four, something like that. I mean, yeah. I'm blanking right now. Um, it might have been DJ. 
I feel like there's an obvious one that we spoke about recently. I know it's at least three, but I feel like there's a four out there as well. In any event, uh, we shall figure that out. And I'm looking forward to uh, that fight. On I mean, what a great fight. I think it's going to be one of the best fights of the year. And I do agree with him. I think it goes the distance as well. Uh, we got some news a couple of days ago. Ian Gary, another amazing prospect in the sport, undefeated, had that amazing debut back at Madison Square Garden in November. We had him in studio afterwards. It was a great moment and uh, one of the best moments of the year, certainly for European MMA. Uh, he is returning April 9th, UFC 273 against Darian Weeks, that card in Jacksonville. And so when I found out about that, I wanted to check back in with the future. And so without further ado, let us say hello to the one and only Ian Gary, our next guest on the program. Hello, Ian. How are you? Hey, sir. How are you? Are you good? I'm doing great. Great to talk to you. Congratulations on the new fight. A uh, lot to talk to you about. I think the biggest yeah. surprise when we all found out about the fight was I kind of felt like a lot of people were anticipating, hoping, penciling you in for London. And I know you've been asked about this, I see, on the social media and whatnot. Why aren't you fighting in London on March 19th, just a couple of weeks prior? I have no interest in fighting in London right now. Um, I'm, I'm moved to Florida. I'm, from, I'm training out of Florida. Um, I'm based in the U.S., and I like the idea of friends, family, Irish, all the Irish support traveling away and having a holiday to support the um, to support the career rather than just going across the pond and fighting in, um, okay. in London. Um, I don't know. There's just no. I fought in London loads, and I, I like to travel to different places, to different countries, and see different cultures and different different areas. And for me, I, I want to fight and fight. I've never been up to Jacksonville, but. I know a lot of my friends and family haven't been to Florida, so why not get them down here, have a good time, enjoy the sunshine, and watch me knock someone out? Okay. Oh, I, I totally understand. I, I, I think you would understand why the fans were like, oh, of course, you know, it was like, seemed like a, a shoe-in. You would get an amazing pop there, but I get it as well. Yeah. Uh, by the way... I, was, had a, I had a conversation with Gilbert Burns in the dressing room about it. He was like, man, why aren't you on, why aren't you on the London <laughs> card? I thought that would make sense for you. Your brand, this is huge. I'm like... Gilbert, I don't want to. I'm like, I just don't. And he's like, well, for sure, I thought you would be on this. I'm like, yeah, well, no, I'm on, I'm on the the Florida card. He's like, oh, nice, nice. But yeah, it like Ariel, like, what's bigger, UFC London or UFC two two uh, two seven three, where there's two title fights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's no, I get it's it. a pay per view. It's a bigger card. They've got me on it. You know I mean, superstar. That's what everyone's calling me. Let them call me that. I mean, I'll go with that. Okay, fair enough. Was it even brought to your attention? Like, were there even talks of putting you on the London card and you told or it never even got to that point? No. Oh, really? No. no okay. Good. Yeah, no. I. But to be fair, I think that's because I told them I was available from April. Ah, okay. Fair so, yeah, that would have been me because I, I wanted to. So, obviously, we, we, we went home for Christmas, then came back over here, relocated, settled down where we are. Um, and now I'm here for a year. So um, I think that was just on me. Okay. Um, Darian Weeks, did you know of him? Yes, sir. Had you heard of him? No, I hadn't heard of him. Um, the name got sent across. I said, yes, that's the way it is. I had a quick glance at his fight against uh, Barbarina. Um, he's all right. He's nothing special. Okay. But he's in the UFC, and every fight that's in the UFC should be respected for whatever their skill set may be, because they can all potentially win. And yeah, he's, uh, 
he's going to end up fighting me, which is his ticket to stardom is what he thinks. But as I've, as I've done many times, I'm going to go in there and I'm just going to win. I'm going to find a way to win like I always do. Um, was there another name in your mind that you were kind of hoping for or looking at or thinking that this might motivate you? Was there anyone else before you were offered this? I don't need to be motivated by anything. What I'm motivated by, there's no other names, just to clarify. There's no yeah. other names that I was hoping for. I just I just want to fight Ariel. And my motivation is going to the gym and getting better. Like, I feel like shit today. Oh. It's Wednesday morning. We've just had a, a tough wrestling day. And it's just live wrestling and just go, 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 go. Coach Jones puts us under some brutal workouts on Wednesdays. But it's like Monday, Monday, Tuesday, you're fine. Wednesday, you start to feel it. Thursday, your body's broken and oh. you just want to stay in bed, relax and just do nothing. But um, we're out here trying to get better every day. And my motivation is, is being the best I can be. Do you know what I mean? I'm not the best wrestler um, in the world, but I can get better. I'm not the best grappler in the world, but I know I can get better. I'm not the best striker in the world, but I know I can get better. And it's to say like constantly growing and growing and growing is, is what motivates me. Not a name, not a person, not someone. For me, it's just, all right, this is the guy I have to beat. Fine. All right, let me go do it. Okay. Um, by the way, people's uh, stances on training and whatnot has, has evolved. Uh, sparring for you, how, how often are you sparring? So in the gym, we spar on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we do kickboxing on Tuesday mornings, Thursday mornings, we do MMA, um, and then throughout the week, it's uh, wrestling, MMA, grappling, jiu-jitsu, it's all, it's all a combination of everything. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I spar smartly, a lot of the lads in the gym spar smart. Um, because there's a constant conveyor belt of guys at the gym I'm in, you know, the, you know, the, the amount of you know, the talent that's in the gym. Guys are fighting every week, so we can't afford to be stupid and, and, and fight hard in the gym, like spar hard. It's not, it's not the way we are. Um, we can pick up the pace at times and we can get into some good scrambles and we can hit each other good shots, but everybody's fighting. Everybody's either in a fight camp or getting ready to go into a fight camp and helping um, our teammates. So it's more just about training smart okay. rather than fighting and training hard. Um, actually, at the top of the show, we had a guy who you might know, Shavkat Rachmanov. Uh, yes. Do you cross yes. paths with him uh, at all? I can't even imagine. Uh, what yeah. Is, yeah have, have you sparred him? Yeah, I mean, Shavkat done some rounds recently. Um, he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's brilliant. Um, he is... He's very smart, like, and it was a great finish that he had on the weekend. Um, he's uh, he's brilliant, but yeah, we had some really, really good spars because me and him are both really long. For yeah, vision. we're both tall, we're both patient, we're both strikers primarily. Obviously, he's like he's had a lot of submissions as well. I think he's seven and seven mm -hmm. of his, or when it was before his last fight, eight and seven now. Yeah, he's brilliant. Um, and I, I don't know, there's just something about him that is is really cool. He the fact even the fact that he like he doesn't speak a lot of English he just goes in there and beats people up I love it but um he's brilliant on the mats and he's a great training partner and he was someone that when I heard he was coming over guys were like oh I'm gonna get Shavkat to beat you I'm like let's go then let's get in the let's get in the cage and we'll spar and we'll find out um like even Henry Hoop was saying Shavkat's coming over this week because like there was a week in the gym where they're the one even now still but the one seventy pounders in the gym was absolutely phenomenal. Like I was in the cage, just a little cage alone in the gym with 
Usman was there, Luke was there, Burns was there, Shavkat was there, wow. Jason Jackson, Logan Storley, Impa, Kasanganang, Sacco, all these guys. Just like the elite in Bellator and the elite of the UFC and the champion of our division, obviously. And then the number two in the world, the number five in the world, all in the same cage. It's like, how, how can you not grow and evolve when you're surrounded by this many like talented fighters? So yeah, it's cool. What was it like when Usman came back? It was cool, yeah. It was really cool. I was like, I was kind of shocked by like his his size. Like, I was like, he's not anywhere near as big as he looks on TV because huh. he looks jacked when he's on the camera, like, and yeah. he's massive. But then, like, I was speaking to the guys, and they were saying, like, um, one of the guys was saying to me, like, he's like, he's not the best striker, he's not the best wrestler, he's not the best jiu-jitsu, but I can tell you one thing. And then I was like, what? I was like, he is the best at mixing it up. Uh. And I was like. Oh yeah, and they were like, he's just so good. It's like he'll get beat up in wrestling. They were like, he'll get beat up in grappling. He'll get beat up on, on kickboxing. But when it comes to like MMA, he's the best. And I was like, yeah, okay, I can. I, I mean, we've seen that in his fights. You know, yeah, I, mean? yeah. I think he's on like a fifteen-fight win streak yeah. in the UFC, yeah. which is insane. And you know, he's going on to break records at the moment. But it was it was obviously a a pleasure to like share the cage and learn off. And he obviously was he was explaining a couple of things that I could do better. Um, he was finding it hard to catch me with a couple of head kicks. He's like, this dude's tall. Wow. Oh, so you <laughs> um, actually we sparred doing, him? Well, we were doing um, kickboxing drills. Um, hmm. One of the nights we do kickboxing drills. So we kind of swap and change between everyone. So like Henry likes us to feel like kicks on the arms, kicks on the legs and block kicks to the head. Um, just even little things, like just redirect kicks and move energy and, and then come back and uh, refire. But uh, yeah, we done. I think we done two rounds together. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. Was that the first time you saw him since you since you've been at the gym? Yeah, and first time you... I've, yeah, I, I missed him. I mean, he was there once when I was getting ready for my fight um, at MSG, and he came once for one night. And I, I, had, I didn't come down that night. I think I was tired, and I texted Henry saying, "Hey, I'm not coming down tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm wrecked." And he's like, "Usman was here." Uh, and I was like, oh, typical, typical. <laughs> and has he been yeah. there often now, or is it just the one time? No, he was just there that one night. But I did see Usman. He's gotten hand surgery so he's probably just taking his, that's right. his time off that's right that's right yeah um so you have decided this is your this is your home right like you are living there you and Layla, you're you guys are living there this is your home yeah that's it yeah we've got a we've got a nice little place here about 15 minutes from the gym and i'm just i i don't see why i would be anywhere else when i've said the, the names earlier on i've mentioned like sharing the cage with those guys having coach jones for uh, wrestling to learn and grow to have Henry with the striking knowledge he has and the, the champions he's helped build and then the likes of like um, Herbert and Gilbert Burns for jiu-jitsu and going into Wagner Rocha do you know what I mean I'm getting battered battered on a daily basis um, I don't know if you've seen any of my stories that I posted um, recently on my Instagram but I went down and I was like just getting annihilated in jiu-jitsu by the likes of Wagner and Cyborg. And it's just like, it. I'm sitting here going, I'm, I'm 24 years of age. I'm meant to be like young and full of energy and ready to take on the world. And I'm getting bashed by these older men who are obviously are unbelievable what they do. But it's like, I feel hopeless sometimes against them. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's something that just kind of levels you a little bit. It's like, yeah, look, you're great. I watch you do. Just take a little step down, and we'll show you how uh, we'll, help, we'll help you get there. So it's cool, humbling, like, right? As I said after my fight, after my after my fight, one thing I said on the mic was, "We've got a lot to learn." Right. Like I know how good I can be, 
and I know how good I am right now, but there's a hell of a lot more that I can learn between now and where, where I see myself in the future. So you can't let your, or I guess you can't even allow your head to get too big when you have these guys humbling you every single time, right? Yeah, to an extent. I mean, I still talk a ton of shit on the mats. Right? I still do talk a lot of shit. And I still do. Like, I'm like, look, if, I can't, if, if I'm not going to be able to, to, like, to do it, I'm going to piss people off and I'm going to make sure that they, they know I'm here. But, um, of course, yes, you can't obviously get too big-headed. Um, you just got to work hard, work hard and work hard. Just keep doing it. Have you and Chandler squashed your beef? You guys good now? What's, what's going on? Me and Chandler are always good. People were talking about this beef with him. I don't know. I see he's he's talking about being my mentor. And I'm like, all right, I like it. I like it. I, I haven't seen him since. Do you know what I mean? Right. He sent the our last conversation was the um around Christmas time. We sent each other a message saying happy Christmas, happy yep. new year, the whole shebang. But um he hasn't been back. Um I've seen stuff about him potentially fighting Tony Ferguson online and stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if any of that's true, but I've seen it going around. But yeah, that'd be cool. So, 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 I mean, I hope hope you come back down to the gym soon. And yeah, we can uh, continue this beef that's going on. <laughs> uh, I know I know. around the, the holidays you went back home, right? You were in Ireland. What was yes. it like to now go back with one UFC win on your resume? You know, that big, that first time, it's like, you know, I remember like yeah. when I went to work for ESPN and like the first time I went home, I was like, I made it, guys. You know, like puff your chest. Yeah. Like, did you feel the same way? It was very cool. There was there was there was times at like me and Layla, we were whack. So we just casually went through like um town and um, just having a look at shops and just kind of enjoying. Dublin's very nice, like they they light up the streets with nice Christmas lights and stuff. So we went out had a walk and um it was cold, obviously. And I had like a hat, I had a snood on around my face, and like I get cold and I'm like hands had gloves on. And I'm walking down the road and I see someone look, look over like that, and I'm like there's no way he's going to know it's me. And I'm like, Ada, what's up? And I'm like, all right. Oh, wow. And I went down with him. I was like, come here. How did you know that was me? Like, I'm completely covered up. Just out of curiosity. He was like, you're missus. Uh, I'm like, what? He's like, oh, I'm like, ah, okay. Okay. I see how it is. So they're not looking at me. They're looking at yeah. her. Um, but yeah, I did. I got a lot of people saying like, coming up, getting pictures with me and just talking about the fight and how they've been supporting me. And they, they want to see me do well. I seen something recently saying like, it's nice having a horse in the race um, with like Irish MMA. Cause obviously like Connor's the only other guy that's been active in the UFC as of recent. Um, and it's nice to have, someone said it's nice to have a horse in the race again. I'm like, yeah, it is. It's, I'm like, I like it. I like the fact that there's another Irish guy in the UFC. I like the fact that now Ireland's going to travel over to Florida and watch me fight in Jacksonville. And, we kind of can repeat that cycle, but it's, it's cool. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's always nice being to be supported. Mm -hmm. And I felt that when I went home, I felt like a lot of people were supportive and they wanted to see me do well. Whether they did or didn't, didn't say it to my face. I don't really care, but it, yeah, it's cool. And there's no part of you that was like, this is my home. I don't want to go back to Florida. You, you know, Sometimes you get a little homesick. No, or no, no, like no, 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 no. Our plan was to come back. Um, <laughs> our plan was to stay there for Christmas. We didn't actually, we actually had Christmas in Florida. Oh, wow. Because I was like, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of the weather. I'm like, I've nothing to do here. I'm getting itchy to get back. Like, there's no point to me being in Dublin, not training. I need to get back to training. I need to get back here. So we came back here on like the 17th of December, found a place got it all sorted, moved in here on the 23rd of December. And then I went to Ikea 
on Christmas Eve, stuffed everything into the back of the van, drove it all home, made it, and then, yeah, it was Christmas morning here. So, uh, yeah, it was eventful, to say you put, the You put that stuff together or you had someone do it for you? Be honest. I put it all together, yeah. Huh. No, I, I came here, me, me, me and Layla done, done a wow. lot, but Layla was off then, and I, I just put my head down at night times and just like, I'm going to stay up, you go to bed, I'm just going to make the couch, I'm going to make the dresses. Just, I need it done because the work, I don't know, it's quite stressful seeing loads of boxes yeah, everywhere. Yeah, 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 for sure. And it's like, okay, I need these gone because otherwise it's like, I have to get that done, I have to get that done. So, yeah, I just, I, I put the head down for a couple of days, got it sorted, and then about a week later, I straight back into training and, been training ever since. Um, obviously, a lot was made of the interaction with Connor after the win. Any further interactions yes. with him afterwards? No, none, none. Um, but again, it's just waiting for us to see when he's going to be back. When okay. he's back, me and him jump on a card together and take oh, over. Man. You know what I mean? That'd be cool. What a scene 100%. that would be. Yeah, that would be incredible. That would be unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'd be unbelievable. But oh, look, we can hope and just see what happens. I don't know what his plan is, what his his next step is, but I'm going to be here. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep training. So if that's an opportunity, I'd love that. That'd be, that'd be amazing. Let's see those knuckles. What do we got over there? Oh, yeah. I got new tattoos. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. They need, they still need to be topped up. Um, so uh, I want them because they're they're so fine line. I I just was like, right, I'm gonna keep training. I'm just gonna keep getting them topped up and topped up. I had originally got these instead of a wedding ring, but then I went and bought myself a wedding ring because I found something uh, beautiful. So yeah, I was kind of I kind of got away with both. <laughs> Wait, so does your fiance have soulmate on her knuckles too? No, I, she wants to get it. I mean, she does as the future on her chest. So okay, fair um, enough. That's yeah, cool. I mean, but um, I thought, yeah, right, right, right in the center of her chest. Oh my! Um, I thought she did say she wanted it. Um, but yeah, who knows? What what does That's it say over her. here? What's it, what's it say uh, on your wrist? Over oh, there? this was after. Oh, this is a mad story. So we went to get my visa sorted for the last flight. So obviously, after the visa sorted, the UFC were um, helping us organize that. So they flew us. We flew to Santo Domingo. Because we couldn't, basically the problem was we couldn't fly back to Ireland to get my visa because they wanted us to go to the American embassy in Ireland. Huh. Had I have done that, I would have had to quarantine for two weeks in Ireland and then I would have had to come back here and it would have just taken more than two weeks out of my camp. Because then not only do I have to quarantine for two weeks, then I have to wait for my passport to go through the whole process of being approved and stamped and it could potentially be 10 days. Right. So it's like, I, I can't afford that much time right. um, off training. So Layla was back and forth with the UFC trying to figure out ways. And she found out that she could go, we could go to Santa Domingo. So we went to Santa Domingo, um, stayed there one night, next morning, went straight to the, uh, the embassy, got the visa sorted within about an hour. It was stamped every time. I was like, what? That's it done? Um, wow. So it was amazing. But the night before, Layla um, was obviously we we were over here in Esther's last time just purely to get over before I got my visa. She's not she wasn't doing stuff here. She was just here supporting me, um, and she basically she was like, I got an email saying my Esther is going to expire. I need to like uh, get the extension of another ninety days. And I was like, Don't touch it. Just do it when we get home. Because it doesn't need to be done now. You've got another week left. We're not here for a week. We're going to be here. Gone, gone tomorrow. 
So she started to reapply. And in the minute you reapply, you cancel your last Esther. Oh. She didn't notice. I didn't notice. So when we got to the Santo Domingo airport to go home, I had my visa, handed them my visa. She goes, oh, here's my Esther. They go, you have no Esther. Oh. You're not allowed back into the country. And Layla's like, what? No, hold on a second here. So we're sitting there and this whole thing going, oh, my God. It was just that initial stress. Like, Lucas, uh, the little lad, was here. So we're like, how are we getting back here? She was so worried about getting back to America when he was here. Obviously, she's like a mother being like, my little boy's in America. I can't get back into America mm-hmm. because I don't have an Esther. And I was like, look, I've got you. Just relax. Reapply for your Esther. I'll sort out all the flights. I'll get it all sorted. And it was just like a mad 12 hours. So I got, I've got you tattooed uh, on my hand. Um, because now, and everything sorted. So she's got a visa sorted now. Um, she got that done last week. Um, got it all sorted. So we're all here. They can't get rid of us. They can try, <laughs> but we're here for good now. That's I it. Love, I, lo- <laughs> so, I yeah. love it. I love it. Um, I just saw, by the way, right before you came on, there's a Twitter account called UFC roster watch um and shout okay. out to alex for uh for notifying me of this alex Weber uh removed so it basically whenever someone is removed from the roster this this twitter feed actually gets notified somehow they figure i don't know it's a crazy thing jordan williams just before you came on it said jordan williams removed from the roster oh. what's that what's that uh like how does that how does that make you feel i mean obviously it's it, it is pretty cool <laughs> that um, I'm retiring people okay. like from New Zealand. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I'm not going to sit here and okay. lie. It's pretty cool. But um, obviously, like, look, firstly, I want to credit Jordan because Jordan and Mark Montoya did a hell of a good job in that fight. Like, that was the toughest fight I've had to date. He changed a lot between fights. Um, so I think he'll be back. I think the work he's doing with Mark Montoya, he will be back. But I'm going to be retiring a lot of people in my career. So I have no problem with just making a tally and just just yeah wow Layla's telling me about the, the names that have already retired <laughs> how many She's are there names in. well I mean Rostam yeah Rostam I think Rostam Ackman the guy I got the head kick in cage I think he's done okay um I, I I'm just that's what I want I want to I want to retire people I want people to when they fight me I don't want them to be fighting anymore I want them to be beat up so bad that they go why am I doing this why why am I here Layla, Layla's favorite thing about my fights is when um, the other person isn't there when I get my hand raised. Ah, uh, yes. So she likes the fact that it's just me getting my hand raised, me and the ref, and there's yeah. no one else on the other side. She said there's something empowering about that that feeling or that that sight, and I'm like, yeah, okay, we got that in the um, in the DUC debut. Uh, so by the end of 2022, where are you in your career? How many how many fights under the belt this year? Where are you? Uh, where are you sitting? Slow progression, Ariel. Three fights this year. Okay. Four months in between every fight. Okay. There's no rush. There is no need to rush. Again, as I've said to you, my main concern, my main goal is to grow, is to become a better fighter, to become a better martial artist, a better athlete in every single way I can. Diet, nutrition, strength and conditioning, and also just technical ability. So for me, it's working with the, the team that I've surrounded myself with to get better and grow and grow and grow. So by the end of this year, I'll be four and on the UFC. I will have fought three times in 2022. Yeah, geez, that sounds mad to say. Yeah. 2022. <laughs> um, sounds mad. It's the first time I've said it out loud. 2022, 
and I'll be just, I'll be 11 and 0. And I'll just prove to everybody why I said I'm the future, why when I show up that I win, that, that I can put on these big performances. And yeah, I don't mind overcoming a little bit of adversity, but I still win. And it's what I've done my entire career. And I'll continue to do it. And with the team I've surrounded myself with, the people I have backing me and supporting me, I can only do that. I can only succeed. And that's just, that's just my goal. I don't care how long it takes us to get into the top 15, the top 10, to be a world champion. My aspect is the longer it takes me to get to that point, the longer I'm going to be there for. Hmm. So the longer it takes me to get to the point of being a champion or to being in the top 10, the longer I'm going to be in there for. I'm going to basically, I'm going to take over and I'm, I, no one's taking me off the throne anytime soon when I get there. I love it. Uh, April, a big month for Irish yes. combat sports. Are you a Katie Taylor fan? Will you be watching April 30th? I am, 30th? yes. Yeah, April 30th. It's hard not to watch Katie. She's one of the best, best athletes we've ever had come out of Ireland. She's um she's phenomenal. Have she's you ever met her? Ever since, yeah, I, I sparred her when I was younger. When what? I, when I boxed. Yeah, you when sparred I was her? younger, I boxed my uh, yeah, yeah yeah. My coach was my coach is good friends with her. So I'm Ariel. I've had a lot of boxing fights and a lot of boxing experiences when I was a kid. Um, and one of my teammates used to go over and help her. Um, and I went over one time and I sparred her when I was a kid. And nothing crazy like it's in. Well, she was fast. I was there watching him, and I just jumped in for a round. And she was unbelievable. Wow. Um, but yeah, she's been at the top of the sport and obviously amateur and now in professional. And I just see her going out there. And she's so good. She's just like, yeah, she might not have that that, that knockout power, but she doesn't need it. She's such an amazing boxer. Like technically, she, her ability is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a big one. I'm looking forward to it, my friend. Looking forward to the return. April 9th, UFC 273, Jacksonville. Uh, two title fights, as you mentioned, sure. perhaps... The aforementioned Gilbert Burns on the card as well against one uh, Hamza Chemaev. I mean, that is uh, shaping up to be. You know, a big I've card. seen the same stuff as you've seen on Twitter. So if that's yeah. happening, then I'm I'm cool. Sign me up again. Yeah. I will do exactly what I did in MSG. I will sit back after my fight and I will try watch people beat my performances, and I'll sit back and go, right, let's just sit down and enjoy these fights. And if that fight does happen, around with the two title fights, <laughs> unbelievable. I'm going to be in for a good night myself. Main card or prelims for you? I don't know. People have said I'm on the main card. I'm, I, I can understand why I'd be on the main card because I'm the shit, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is great. <laughs> it would be smart from the UFC to put, them, put me on the main card, but at the end of the day, I don't know. It's yeah. up to them. Do it doesn't matter. More people see you on the prelims anyway because the prelims are not behind the paywall, at least here in America. I know it's different in Europe, but yeah. you know, more people will probably see you on the prelims. So it doesn't really... You get paid the same. I mean, so. Aaron, at the end of the day... Most people will see the highlight on sure. Instagram sure. or on YouTube. So I don't really care where I am. Once that knockout is out there, I'll see them getting folded. And I have the likes of you posting about it. And it's yeah. on YouTube yeah. and UFC are thrown out there. And everybody's putting up stories about me folding someone like a deck and chair. That's all that matters. I mean, that, that gets more eyes than anything. So That is true. The, the, the exactly. new way of the world. Uh, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for the time. Good luck in training camp. And... Looking forward very much to your return April 9th. Oh, I need I need I need the look because my body my body feels a bit rough there. So Take the day off. I'm gonna go and I I have I've got the day off now. Thank you for your time as always. Actually, are you gonna be here? Are um, you gonna come to Florida for the fights? Oh, probably not, Ian. Ah, uh, why not? Uh, it's a long story. No, it's uh you know just uh, no no there is there's really no story. If, I mean if you want to be uh. 
honest about it. Uh, it's just less travel. My job doesn't require me anymore to uh, to travel sure. to as many sure. events as I did. You know, I did it for 11 years. When you were just in your diapers there, Ian, I was going to these events, yeah. you know, when you were just... Uh, 100%. So, you know, I do the show here Wednesday. I do my other stuff on the weekend. Uh, I don't have to do it. And I'll be honest, with three little kids... I don't mind it. You know, I kind of been there, done that. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I was just going to say, it might be nice to see greatness in the flesh in the cage. You know what I mean? And be there with all the Irish, all the Irish that are coming in and enjoy that. But fair enough. I will be there one of these days. One of these days I will be there. I promise you that. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, as as my mister just said, if you change your mind, let us know. I will. We'll we'll figure everything out. We'll definitely meet up. I appreciate it. Pleasure as always. Thank you, Ian. All right. All the best to you guys. guys, Thank you so much. There he is. The future. Ian Gary returning to action. UFC 273, April 9th, Jacksonville, Florida. Card shaping up rather nicely. Alexander Volkanovsky, Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, Aljamain Sterling, Piotr Yan. Jarzinho Rosenstrike, Marcin Tybora, Irene Aldana against Aspen Ladd, Kelvin Gaslam against Nasruddin Imavov. Is that a real thing? I didn't even know. Th- this card is actually great. I will admit, I'm more of a card-to-card type of guy. There are times where I'll look at the card like, oh, next week it's, uh, what is next week? February 19th. That I, I'll know the main events, Rafael Faziev against uh, RDA. But in terms of the other fights, you're like, oh, wow, this is happening? I mean, that, that actually really just happened to me with Derek Lewis and Taito Ivasa. I was like, oh, wow, that's actually happening? Cool. Aljamain Sterling against Piotr Jan, Jarzino Rosenstrike. I mean, it's a, it's a good card, Ian Gary. And then there's the rumor of uh, Hamza Shemaev and Gilbert Burns. Could you imagine? Nasruddin Imovov against Kelvin Gaslam is a big one. Mackenzie Dern against Tisha Torres. Ian Gary against Darren Weeks. Gavin Tucker. Mickey Gall on the card as well. So... Uh, that is uh, two pay-per-views from now. This weekend is 271. 272 is Masvidal Covington. They just actually uh, released the poster for that one. No word on a co-main event. I don't know if you're going to get one, my friends. A co-main, you know, a lot of you are saying, I need a co-main event. I need a co-main event. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's Edson Barbosa versus Bryce Mitchell. Maybe it's Kevin Holland versus Alex. I mean... That would not surprise me. Not every card has a quote-unquote co-main event. A lot of you asking about that March 26th date. I've heard about a a potential rabbit that they might pull out of their hat and one that I think a lot of you would like. It's a little soon, though, but I've, I've heard about a potential rabbit, a potential rabbit that could uh, excite a lot of you. So stay tuned for that. That would be interesting. The one that I heard would be very interesting. A potential rabbit, my friends. A rabbit that would be pulled out of a hat. That's what I heard of. So stay tuned for that. All right. Uh, still to come, your questions. Everyone's favorite segment of the week, On the Nose, still to come. And of course, still to come, we shall get some picks from one GC. I mean, it's UFC 271, my friends. A lot going on over in Houston. Media day today. Uh, in fact, uh, we were sort of connected to Media Day. We'll get into that in a moment as well. So uh, a lot more to come. Great conversations with all of our guests today. But before we get to uh, GC, a quick word, as always, from our good friends. All right. 
Now the moment of truth. Here it is. What do we? Oh, look at that. We got the Stylebender shirt. That actually looks a lot like the Casey O'Neill shirt that she was wearing on uh, Monday. Yeah, it's kind of similar to it. Kind of like that old school retro yeah, yeah, vibes. Yeah, yeah, with the, the pictures. Now, uh, where do we get that? This is also a Redbubble purchase. What is this Redbubble <laughs> you keep? Poster. What is this Redbubble? Uh, it's like like it's like print on demand. Like it's like artists can go to it and like and post their art, and they'll put it on T-shirts, posters, whatever. But is it uh, is it like bootleg? I actually don't know. I don't know if it's is the money going to Izzy here or is it going to some Jabron? Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, his uh, he did like he did some collab with Cultural Culture Kings, and uh, it's like yeah. completely sold out. Yeah, I couldn't get one. So, two things on that. Number one, what about my classy water bottle? I don't know. No yeah, Frank, that was that. a Bud Light Platinum. No, it's not. I don't know the place where I went. It just you know this is what it's they a French had. place. It's top notch. Yeah. Le Pain Quotidien. Um, the other thing is, <laughs> I actually ordered a Bill's hat off of Culture Kings and I think I actually saw it off of Kai Car Friends apparently Kai Car apparently Culture Kings is very popular in Australia yeah. so I ordered this Bill's hat is Culture Kings a thing outside of Australia or just Australia no I think it's I think it's a thing outside of Australia yeah it took like four months for the hat to come yeah, I forgot four about months, it. I wow. didn't realize maybe not four months I'm exaggerating but I did not realize that I was ordering it from Australia and I'm like here I am buying a Bill's hat from Australia uh, and I should have looked at the shipping. It was a little more than yeah. I think the shipping was as much as the the actual hat. Anyway, great stuff over there. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, I, th- I think Kaikara France has a shirt too. I was mm. looking into. You know, my guy I need to get some. He's always wearing cool, uh, cool like sports team hats, and I think I saw it on his. I don't know something like that, and ordered it off Instagram. Anyway, I like it. Got a yeah. lot going on there. What's, yeah, I thought I'd show my uh, my biases before the fight. I mean, so we're going. I mean, we're going full Izzy here, full style bender. Yeah, I respect yep. it. Yeah. Um, the Whitaker has some cool shirts too. The well, the mean, Reaper logos. Reaper's good. Bobby Whitaker's Knuckles. the man. Yeah. He's the man. He's very likable. You do have the one championship poster over your shoulder there, but no, nah, uh, nah, this is isn't it not. No, nah, this is LFA one twenty four. Oh, we geez. got uh, oh, we got Formiga yeah, LFA. Formiga. Wow, back in the ring, and then uh, damn. I mean, Knuckle Mania, too. That's that's obvious. That's a must-watch. Wait, is that this weekend? Yeah, Mike Perry back in uh, in action. This weekend? Yeah, February 19th. Wait, the Chad Mendez card is this weekend? Uh, yeah, yeah, it looks wow. like it. Yeah, it looks like Mendez is on there. Uh, no one championship, huh? You're still abstaining from that? They had a big main event. It just fell through. Guilherme Cruz, yeah. our guy. Reported. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. I just didn't get the poster didn't for get it. The poster? I right. could have had it right here, I guess. Yeah, it would have been Big nice. weekend. Big weekend. I yeah, might do an LFA parlay. Come on. There's a couple people on my end. I won't post until Friday, though. Can you do bare knuckle? I haven't seen any lines yet. Yeah. Um, do they even offer that? Uh, I don't know if they're ever going to. I don't know if they're going to get around to offering it. They are. LFA lines are up, though. They are. Okay. Um, all right. This is the moment of truth. So I Moment guess you're, truth. you're 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 going with Izzy. It seems like yeah, I'll be going with Izzy. Okay, what are we feeling? Uh, all right, uh, let's start with my single. Okay, New York Rick is not going to be happy with this. I'm going to go with Carl- Carlos Olberg. Uh, he told me not to do it on Monday. I told him <laughs> today I was going to do it, and he told me again not to do it. But I am going to do it. Uh, if you're betting Fabio Sharon, I just really don't know where the confidence is coming from. He's 0-2 in the UFC, lost on the Contender Series, all of them by first round or early second round finishes. His chin's going to be susceptible. He's going against a guy who's going to throw a ton of volume in, in Olberg. Uh, Olberg, he threw 146 strikes in eight minutes against Kennedy and Jack Wu. I know he ended up getting knocked out, um, but he ate like a ton of a ton of shots as well. He had a size disadvantage in that one as well. 
Um, people saying that Charant might KO him as well. I, I just don't really know where they're getting that from. One, I think Olberg has a better chin than people are giving him credit for, and they just see that he got KO'd. Uh, and two, Fabio Charant has never KO'd or TKO'd anyone in his entire career, pro or amateur. Uh, so I just don't know the evidence to support that. Uh, and then a lot of people saying he's got, the, he's got a huge ground advantage, might be able to get a sub. Uh, he has almost zero offensive grappling. I got pretty deep with this one. He's attempted zero takedowns in his UFC career. I Look watched at his, this analysis, dude. I watched his entire five round LFA championship fight against Myron <laughs> Dennis. He got two takedowns. Dennis was back up within a minute. Um, it was almost exclusively a striking affair, twenty five minutes, and I think that's probably what's going to happen here. Uh, and then as far as the sub threat. The combined pro record of everyone that Fabio Charant has subbed, five opponents that he's faced, is 8-22. and 22. All but one of them finished their MMA career winless or with one one win. I mean, these are just super low-level guys. They're, they're essentially cans. Uh, Olberg is also going to have a 3-inch height, 3-inch reach advantage, uh, something he should be able to capitalize on. He was much shorter than Kennedy and Jekwu. I think 2 inches, 6-inch reach disadvantage in that one. I mean, the size differential between his last opponent and Charant is just massive. I also think Olberg, I think he's, a learned, he's had to learn from this last loss. I've seen it in interviews. Uh, not everyone's going to go down with one punch like you might think. Don't empty the gas. Think immediately. Move your head. Keep your hands up. Uh, obviously, anything can happen in fights. It's MMA, but I expect some improvements from Olberg. I think he's going to have the striking advantage, and I think he's going to be able to get this one done. Okay, wow. I mean, holy smokes. I dove deep on that one. You went deep, deep on, on Olberg. Jeez, you, you were trying to really stick it to New York Rick. No, nah, nah, I, I go deep on on all of them, but this is one that I, I did like. I did like this one. Okay. Um, we'll get going with the next one. We'll go to uh, a parlay. We're already moving into the parlays. I'm doing some just some two-leg parlays with some favorites that I like. Uh, first one, Ronnie Lawrence. Wrestling's the name of the game here. I know you like your your, your wrestlers. Sure. Uh, he has 20 takedowns in his first UFC fight and then on the Contender Series. 20 takedowns. He's landing them at 76%. The game plan is clear. He's active from the ground, throwing strikes, working up the points. We saw Mana get taken down and subbed on the Contender Series. And then he ekes out a split decision over a uh, 42, I believe, Guido Canetti. Um, I just think Lawrence is going to come in with the same game plan, execute it, grind out a unanimous decision, or maybe get the finish from top. Uh, second leg of that, Kyler Phillips. This fight's going to be sick, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am going to go with with Kyler Phillips, Rojo. He's kind of a killer-be-killed type guy. Um, every fight in the last 10 years for Rojo has fen- ended in a finish, win or lose. So I think this one is going to be a firefight. It, it could potentially be fight of the night. Um, but I, I just like the balance of Phillips. He puts out a lot of volume. He has relatively good striking defense. He always mixes in the takedowns as well. He's solid on the ground. Uh, he's also never been finished, which I think is going to be f- beneficial against a guy like Rojo that is kill or be killed. Um, so like I said, this one could be fight of the night. I mean, I think, I think it's going to be fireworks from the get-go, um, but I do like Phillips to get it done. That one pays out at minus 131. All right. Second parlay, where we, where we finally mix in, is it? First leg, I took this one a while ago, so I did get uh, favorable odds on this one. Casey O'Neill, uh, hate that this has to be Roxy's last fight going up against O'Neill, but I do just think she's outmatched here. Uh, O'Neill consistently going for takedowns throughout the fight. Roxanne in her last four fights, she's one in three in those. She's been taken down combined 14 times. You have to think Casey's going to get this to the mat at some point, uh, if not every round. And when she does get it down, she's active, going for ground and pound, making sub attempts. Um, and on the feet, neither are really clean and polished, but I do think that Casey O'Neill has the advantage there as well. So I think wherever the fight goes, uh, you know, unless Roxanne goes for the Kamehameha, the spinning everything, uh, you know, like she said, <laughs> I do think Casey O'Neill gets this one done. 
then to finish this one out, I'm going to go with Izzy. The Interesting rematch. that you went with Izzy and Casey together when Casey was like, oh, I got to, you know, it's a weird one. I, I, I Was that, were you trying to like? Well, they, I had already made this bet. Oh, okay. Yeah, this this bet had been placed weeks right. ago. Um, I'm a little biased there. You saw the t-shirt. Sure. Uh, Whitaker is obviously going to bring more to the table in this one. He's likely going to be much more careful. He's going to be much more patient. You know, the game plan will likely be to mix in the takedowns, uh, but I still got Izzy. Just the length, the striking defense, I, and I I really believe in his takedown defense as well. Uh, I think it's good enough to win this fight if that's what Whitaker tries to do. I mean, Marvin obviously, you know, tried to mix in the wrestling, um, and he got 50-45 across the board in that one. Um, so I I do agree with most people. I, I know you mentioned you think the fight's going to go the distance. I think it's going to go longer. I think it's going to be much closer. Uh but I do think uh, Israel Adesanya stays the champion in this one. And uh, distance, you said? So, yeah, that takes us to the final ah. play. It's another parlay. It's the prop parlay. We've been uh, finding a, a lot of success with these lately. Uh, first one, Green Nazrat, over one and a half. I refuse to be fooled by Green KOing Raging Al so mm-hmm. early in the last mm-hmm. one. 13 of his 14 fights before that. Had gone to decision. Nazrat, six of his eight UFC fights have gone to decision. I think this one's going to be a fun fight, and I think it probably does go to a decision, but we'll be safe taking the over one and a half. Luis Tuivasa, mm. to not go the distance. I see some people out there taking the stab on the decision uh, prop. They think it's going to be kind of that Francis, yeah, you know, yeah. everyone freezing up, got to respect the opponent. They, you know, no one's really throwing punches like that. Mm-hmm. I get where you're coming from, but I think both of these guys do what their opponent likes to do get in the pocket, stand, trade huge exchanges. And I think at some point, over the 15 minutes, someone is going to get knocked out in this one. I think Lewis, I think he's going to be trying to redeem himself in front of the uh, the Houston crowd. I know you mentioned it on Monday, undefeated in February, six and one when he fights in Houston. Uh, so there's that. But the I one really is do. a big one. Yeah, Cyril gone obviously, mm-hmm. but I think it's redemption time. He said it uh, on what was it, the Countdown documentary. He's trying to redeem himself in front of the Houston crowd. I I think he learned from the Francis Ngannou fight. I don't think it's going to be like that. I, I hope it's not. I hope it delivers. I hope we get fireworks. I hope it's sick. And I just think someone's going to get KO'd here. It just feels like, and I don't really know, and I'm not really predicting one way or the other, but historically when we say there is no chance this fight goes the distance. See, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying there's no chance. I mean, I, they say I, I could see it. I can almost get, what's the prop bet on the announcers saying there is, you know, DC's going to say it on Saturday as one of them is walking to the cage. There's just no chance, Joe. Joe, there's just no chance that this goes the distance. Well, I don't know if I can ever forgive Brennan Fitzgerald for the, uh, who was it? Uh, Santos Johnny Walker fight. Oh yeah, uh, dude! It, just every time they talked about the main event, he just harped on how there's no chance. No chance. It goes to a decision. That no was five chance. rounds too. That was to finish off a couple parlays, and uh, yeah, of course it went to a decision. So I'm hoping that that's not the case. And then I finish out that parlay with uh, Adesanya Whitaker over one and a half. It hit in the last fight. I think it's going to hit here. I think I'm going to end up adding a single that it goes to a decision. There's a, there's a couple singles that I've I've been gun shy on pulling the trigger on, but I, I think that's one of them. I think I'm going to add the decision prop there. So you, so wait, so you go the dis, so you just say over one and a half, but then you're going even deeper and say let's go decision. I mean, you have the yeah, coach pulling right. for the decision, right? Yeah, th- I think that's like a single that I'm going to take. I, I see gotcha. minus one ten on some odds out there. Uh, yeah, a couple of that this, has the line moved at all since we spoke on uh, on Monday about this. Uh, for Izzy Whitaker, I want to say at DraftKings right now he's minus two eighty. 
Yeah, I see that. Minus 280 plus 225. Yeah, on Monday he was still minus 280. So, yeah, not a ton of movement there. Mm, interesting. Man, Great card, man. Great card. Brunson as a dog. I know a lot of people taking the trigger yeah, there. Yeah, Brunson plus 145. Surprising. Uh, Cannoneer minus 165. Lewis minus 180. Ty plus 155. I know a lot of there. people on uh, Jared Vandera as a dog against Arlovsky. Mm, plus 125, Jared. Uh, not you. Interesting stuff. Not you, right? No, not me. Not me. Not you. Uh, I'm, I'm scared to pull the trigger on. William Knight, I think he might be uh, the darling dog. I know I know a lot of people on William Knight. Hartford's very own. Shout out to CT, the 860. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Hernandez, the dog, against uh, Renato Moicano, plus yeah. 140. Yeah, I mean, he's got that knockout power. Moicano's got that sketchy chin. Blood I, I Diamond. Blame people for taking it. Blood Diamond, a dog, against Jeremiah Wells. Yeah, Blood Diamond. I feel like if you're betting that, you're betting it off the name because like, there's almost no tape on Blood Diamond. I feel like the CKB guys... They do well when they fight together as a unit historically. Yeah. So you know, I'm hoping would, that's the case. He would be. The I can first root one. for Blood Diamond if uh, that means Olberg and Nadasanya won right. as well. Interesting. And Casey O'Neill, a big favorite, minus three eighty against uh, Roxanne. Shout out to uh, Shaheen Al Shadi of MMA fighting for that great feature on the Happy Warrior. Um, one Roxanne Modafferi, who's retiring after an unbelievable career, an incredible, a trail, a true trailblazer. A true pioneer in every sense of the word. She's calling it quits. I don't know if you saw this, but it was like all these great names of yesteryear. A lot of them Invicta alum, by the way. So um, obviously, yeah. I know. I know it. I saw it. Uh, the likes of Shayna Baszler and Tara La Rosa, who we haven't heard from in quite some time, Juliana Pena, and so many others talking about Roxy. Pretty amazing. And she was, it seemed like, very touched by it as well. So there's no one better in MMA, in my opinion, in terms of writing um, than Shaheen doing those pieces so i hope he does more of them yes um, yeah i saw the piece you saw okay i still have to read it wow okay so you just saw it but you didn't i saw i saw beautiful reviews for it but yes, i was i was did. busy with things yesterday deep dive You're i still deep. got i still got three days to read it before no, no, for sure yeah, yeah there's no rush uh by the way a uh, shout out to jedi as always um so he he i guess he found who the uh three successful title defenses in a year are Okay, so one says you want to... He says, three successful title defenses in the year. Frank Shamrock, Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell, Matt Hughes, Kamar Usman, DJ. All had three in a year. Hmm. He says, I think you want to DJ hold the record. Mm, I don't know. I'm a little confused. Oh, this is EK. Okay, my bad. EK and Jedi have a very similar avatar. So, okay, the three successful in a, in a year. Frank Shamrock, Tito Ortiz, Liddell, Hughes, Usman, DJ... Uh, I, so I guess no one's had four. And I guess if he, the thing that he's trying to do, he's trying to get the the three, at least three. Well, I think Eugene said three, he said four to five. Um, that's going to be very hard, especially with these quarantine laws in New Zealand. But the key to trying to break that record is to fight early in the year. And he just fought early in the year. So uh, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. All right. So there you have it. 271. That's it. Nothing else? Nothing else. I may I may get around on one or two more plays. Okay, and Just we're gonna do the the, uh, the DraftKings uh, league. Yes, I uh, we're doing the league. I think we're already up to like seventy, so we're almost halfway home. It's only Wednesday. We're looking good on that for the one fifty. Wow! I, uh, I You've already up, tweeted it. I haven't even tweeted it yet. Wow! That's, that's all off Alex Weber, man. I mean, he's <laughs> the the unspoken commissioner, yes. the unofficial commissioner. He is he's, he's really putting in the legwork here. Uh, I made the executive league as well. That's what we're calling it. The uh, okay. the big money, 
the 25 entrance, the executive league, you know, that's like the, the how many people in that 25 people, $20 no, no. entry. How many people are in it right now? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. I made it. I made it right before the show started. Okay. Let's find out. And <laughs> I mean, you didn't I'm waiting for it to just say one. You didn't promote it. 18, 18 people. What? It's almost full. How do they even know if you didn't promote uh, it? It sends it. Oh, I will say that it sends an email out to everyone. Gotcha. Wow. wow the executive league. I mean, that's the exclusive and stuff. The, and the cap is 25. Yeah. Maybe you should have made it bigger. Told you. Listen, we're learning. We're going yeah. week by week, you know? No, I figured there'd be at least 20. I think initially you wanted like 10, no? Yeah. Yeah. So if we can, yeah, if we can get the 150 and the executive league, the executive nice. league, that's like the insider's club. So yeah, I like come that. Home I like with, that. That was $450. Like, I mean, it's winner you, take all, too. Is it, is it 450 Wow, that's not bad. Yeah, I guess uh, if you do the math, I remember going to, you know, like when you're in a casino in, in, in Vegas and there's like that one corner of the casino where it's like, that's the executive league. A thousand dollar hand or something like that. Yeah, that's the MMA hour executive league. Respect. Respect. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you have it. And what are we doing as far as uh, fight night watching is concerned? What fight is night plan? watching. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll be with uh, the aforementioned uh, TST from uh, TST Chris Weidman. TST gets Weidman name dropped way too many times that's on this I'm program. That's what I'm saying. That's I mean, what I'm for saying. a guy who has nothing to do with the show, it's a little I thought much. about texting him. I yes. thought about texting him and then I was like, I don't want to give him the satisfaction. Yeah, it's enough. I don't even want to give him I the mean, satisfaction. come on. Uh, yeah, I'll be with them. In uh, the great state of uh, Arizona. What? Yeah. You're going to Arizona? Yeah, for the Waste Management. Saturday at the Waste Management, 16th Green, Stadium Green. What the hell are you talking about? What's Waste it's Management? <laughs> um, We're up to 19 now. Uh, it's a huh. PGA Tour event. Uh, it's like a... It's called Waste Management? The Waste Management Open, the Phoenix Open. It's, it's, and why uh, are you going for this? <laughs> It's like a bucket list thing. On the 16th green, they have like a stadium around it, and it's like a huge party, and you have to get there super early to be able to get a seat. And like when golfers come through, like you can like heckle and be crazy, really? and like yeah, and like how have I never just, heard of this? I don't know, man. If you look it up, like is this like a is this a PGA Tour event? Yeah, oh yeah, man. Like big names will be there. Like Jordan Spieth's gonna be there. Wow. Be, yeah. Wait, Frank, you know about this? Yeah, I used to live in. Arizona. Oh, okay. I mean, let's not pretend like this is a household thing. It's really. If you're a sports fan, I feel like it's kind of a household. Wait, thing. and why is it called Waste Management? That's the sponsor. That's the sponsor. Yeah, Waste Management is the sponsor. That's yeah. the name of the uh, yeah. sanitary place in Phoenix. I got it. Wow. And I mean, you got to get on the 16th green. That's the key. So you're just gonna you like you 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 really just go park yourself on the 16th. Like you get there, like I, I will be there like an hour and a half before the gates open at seven, and then like you're gonna sit there for like three hours before any golfers come through. What are you? And gonna it's do? like a huge party. Everyone's just like going crazy. They're all hyped up. It's just like a wow. It's a big scene. Yeah, it's like tailgate. It, tailgate. Yeah, it's almost like you're tailgating, and then when golfers finally come through, everyone's going crazy. Can you eat there? Yeah, eat, drink, everything. Like, is, is there are there concessions? Yeah. What yeah. the hell? I've never hey, heard of this. You should look this up, man. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, no, I've actually never been to a golf event. Um, uh, see, like, I like growing up in Georgia, I enjoy golf. I've been to Sunday at three of the four majors. Like, you know, I've done the Masters. I've done all that. You've so. done the Masters? Yeah, Sunday at the Masters. Yep. Fun? It was amazing. Yeah. Which Bucket one? List. 2013, Adam Scott. Shout out to the Australian. Wow. One in a playoff. I was right there. Sick. Yeah. I feel like it's tough to watch it live because you're. I mean, are there monitors? Uh, they'll give you like earpieces, so like you gotta you gotta camp somewhere. That's the key, and you gotta camp at the most exciting spot on the course. Whether it's eighteen for this one, it's sixteen. That's what you got. And why you is sixteen? Camp. 
because that's the stadium hall. This is also Saturday's the biggest day for this, not Sunday. Doesn't really yeah. matter who wins. This is so strange. Yeah, I don't really care who wins. It's just all about Saturday and the environment. Tiger Woods there? <laughs> Tiger's uh, hurt. Yeah. I'm reading Tiger's um, book right now. Though, so, is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty uh, good. It's going a little dark. Autobiography? Nah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. wow. Uh, I'm sure it does get dark. Wow. Okay. So you and TST are going to that? Yeah, TST will be there. A couple of the friends. Who knew? I mean, uh-huh. Frank, did you get an invite? No. Like okay. Before. Just, yeah. I was trying to like skirt that. I was like, wow, you're going on this trip. Like none of us got the invite. It's weird. I've seen what happens when I invite people on the show mm-hmm. to do things. You know, all shoddies in Arizona. That's right. You should go with him to the Waste Management Cup. What is it? <laughs> just, the, just the Phoenix Open. The Waste Management Phoenix Open. Just general admission. How shot he can buy a Tap, ticket. tap, tap it in. Do you say that? <laughs> tap, tap, tap it in. What movie, guys? What movie? Come on. Happy Gilmore. Come on. I did see that uh, it's a it's a Happy Madison production, the, the Sean Payton movie. Did oh, you know man. about that? God, it looks terrible. It's actually not bad. What, you Chris? watched it. Yes. You I, s- you sat and watched the entire thing with my kids, and then you tell me about other things that you couldn't be bothered for. This is a kids movie. Oh, okay. Did you know about it? Yeah, yeah. Wait, did you know that he did that? That uh, that when he was suspended, that he went and coached a, a kids team. I didn't know that. Nah. I yeah, mean, it's it's a weird thing that it's like a feel good movie about Bounty Gate. Yeah, I know, but it was you know. Also, him, Kevin it, James as it, Sean a, he actually looks like him. He look you know Sean Payton is not like you know he's not Mister you know Slim these days. Yeah. I'm just saying. Do they reference uh, the juicy fruit in the movie. They do. Why is that a thing? Yeah, he's like just loves juicy fruit. Oh yeah, they reference that. I, yeah. I, he's actually in the he 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 makes a cameo, not as himself. <laughs> Do Does to he you? talk to Kevin James yes. in the movie? That's he's a janitor. Ridiculous. He's a janitor. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And you wouldn't know unless you know who Sean Payton yeah. is. Um, I would hope you would know who Sean Payton is if you're watching this movie. Though. Not necessarily. You think my kids know who Sean Payton is? I, I don't know. I, I was mean, just like, a true oh. Story. Like, well, it was an Adam it? Sandler movie, and I was yeah. like, okay, you know, I like to support Sandler. He's one of my favorites. Um, yeah. I don't know. I didn't expect so much scrutiny over this. I just thought it was a nice Saturday afternoon. Can't sit film. down and watch, you know, critically what? acclaimed Titanic, but no. Kevin way, James is Sean Payton. For the record, I don't know how this all got misconstrued. I've seen the Titanic. You guys know the this, Titanic. right? Yes, oh, I've seen so, wow. it. Wow. I, didn't know. I didn't know you were that old. Andrew. I didn't know. <laughs> this answers a lot. I've seen it. I went to the theater during the famous, infamous ice storm of 1997 in Montreal and Quebec, and the power went out in the middle of the, the movie, in the theater. And so we had to leave. But eventually, I got around to seeing it. Now, a good friend of mine, Brandon, wrote to me last week. He's like, forget the Titanic. you got to watch Big Lebowski. I can't believe you've never seen Big Lebowski. That is so, also a sin. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've got to get on the Big Lebowski. So nobody watches Titanic and doesn't leave with an encyclopedic like memory of every detail. Mm. So you claim you've seen it, but you don't know. Well, first Do of all, you know it sinks at the end of the movie? No, because I, I told you I didn't get to the end. Yeah, I don't think that's the movie. I think that's real life. Just like Sean Payton, Bounty Gate, real life. Um, it was a good movie, but you have to understand, you're in the middle of an ice storm. It's traumatic. The power goes out. Are you saying James Cameron's special effects made you no. feel like there was an actual ice storm going on? No, it was... A, it, look it up. 1997 ice storm. It was, it was, it was insane. A school was shut down for a month. This is before, you know, school shutting down was a normality in our lives. Um, it was a really big deal. And quite frankly, I don't appreciate the jokes about it. 1997 ice storm. First suggestion is Ottawa. 
No. Second second suggestion is Montreal, though. So second most famous ice storm of 1997. No. I mean, Ottawa's an hour away from Montreal. So if there's going to be an ice storm in Montreal, yeah. it's going to be in my, it's like saying New Jersey and, and New York, you know? Tell that to an Ottawa yeah, person. Right. Ottawa. <laughs> All right, there you have it. UFC 271. Thank you very much to uh, GC. Good luck to you, and we shall Thank you, uh, see how you do come Saturday night, and if you're not following, come Monday. All right. Without further ado, sit back, relax, get your fancy water. It's time That's for right. a good old-fashioned Q&A, MMA fans. Everyone's favorite Ladies segment of the week. The moment has Where you arrived. get the truth about to the sport of MMA, the, man himself, the unfiltered Ariel truth. Live Nothing from the but Fox the truth. Studios in beautiful New York City. Where we tell it like it is. That's right. And now, That's right. to answer your questions. Out of your seats, on your feet. Your seats and on your Here feet, I am. Guys. Here he is, Ariel Helwani. Thank you, Mike Tech. I appreciate it. Yes, it's everyone's favorite segment of the week. It is On the Nose, where I answer your questions, and there are a lot of them. And, you know, Frank and I were talking before the show, you know, maybe I'm answering too many. Maybe I'm putting too much pressure. I mean, right now we're at 103. I know a lot of those are some replies. People like to reply. But we were sort of dabbling. What were we dabbling with? Like a, a random number that you would throw out? Like you would say, okay, this week we're going to answer 31. And we'd have a counter up there and I would just answer 31. Not 30, not 32, 31, right? That's the spirit, Yeah. You think it's too much. You want to get home. You're, you're, I mean, it's just no, trying. no. I mean, well, it's funny to watch you get exhausted from answering I mean, questions. It, it really gets it gets exhausted. But I love it. I look forward to it. It's the perfect way to end the week, as far as the shows are concerned, to send you off to the back end of the week weekend. And uh, I don't know. Is it going to come up here? I don't know. But a lot of people were, you know, one of the big stories going into this weekend, of course, was our. Um, I don't want to call it a bet, an agreement, um, a challenge between myself and Casey O'Neill, King Casey. Um, and, and of course, it was that she would wear the Thug Nose t-shirt at one of the media events. And so the first official one of the week was the media day, the mini press conferences that they have uh, in front of the media in Houston. And a few people were reaching out to me saying she wasn't wearing the shirt uh, shout out to Sarah Rose, who wrote to me that someone asked her about the shirt at the press conference. And then upon further investigation, we found out that it was our very own Jose Youngs, who's on the scene, who asked Casey O'Neill about the shirt, the Thug Nose shirt, the hottest T-shirt in the uh, the MMA merch world. And so in case you missed it, uh, here is Casey O'Neill being asked about the shirt. Where's uh, Ariel's shirt? I have it in the in the bag, but it's branded, so I wasn't allowed to wear it. Hmm. Branded, so she wasn't allowed to wear it. Um, I mean, I've seen other people with other shirts, but, you know, you know, as they say, haters make us famous. However, so, you know, I felt a certain way. I was like, mm, is she being serious? Is she not being serious? Did she fumble the proverbial bag? Did she blow it, like Billy Madison once famously said? However, I did get a text from her later on, unsolicited, and uh, she sent me this photo. And so there she is, clearly at the UFC offices, clearly as you can see, and if you're listening, she is wearing the Thug Nose shirt. And so I asked the crew in the back, Frank, does this count? 
Is that enough, or did she it not? It counts, yeah. She's, it counts? It totally counts. I mean, did the question is, did she succumb to the pressure? Did she get nervous? Did she get cold feet? Did she quickly take the, po- the photo and take off the shirt and then went with whatever she was wearing? Like, there's a few follow-ups, you know, but you're, you're saying that it counts? It totally counts. What do you think, GC? Does it count? Yeah, I think it counts. You think it counts, huh? Wow. If she wins. Only if she wins. You gotta win. uh, Hmm. Virna didn't win. She still was immortalized. Yeah, if Casey wins, immortalization. Now, does the immortalization, is is it that photo? Because I feel like it has to be that photo, right? I think the one with the boxing gloves. It has to be like you did it. You you infiltrated the system. I like the sign, yeah. I think the sign's a nice touch. I was going to say like, I told I told it the cry you know like the framing of the photo wasn't tremendous. Like, can we see it again? Because I think her head gets cut off. You know, it's like well, I mean, I think we get the the up. red on the nose. Is that, oh, that's her nail. Wow. Okay. Oh, is it? Uh, what is it? Is it red? I is think it, it's or is a it pink? pink fingernail. You know what? The monitor in here. Did she little. do it? You can you zoom in and enhance? Let's see. Looking at the photo here. Can we? Uh, no, I can't see. Ah, that actually looks red. If I'm being honest, it actually—I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's in the family. Of it's colors. in the things are happening here. All I'll say is things are happening. Frank says um, it counts. GC says if she wins. So, all right, we'll see. But I wanted to provide that update for all of you in case you were uh, waiting as I was with bated breath whether or not she actually pulled it off. Now, uh, do we have breaking news music? Uh, once again, El Cubano has been beaten to the proverbial punch. He is not first. Orenthal James is first. And uh, I've been notified that there's a lot of long-winded questions this week, my friends. I mean, you're killing me here with the long-winded. But away we go. Is it fair to assume that the Birmingham or Birmingham, it's just it's like Melbourne, Melbourne, screw job is in the works for poor Leon Edwards. I know you told Leon fans to breathe yesterday, but with the announcement of Usman's hand surgery and targeted summer return, the writing is on the wall. If Hamzat obliterates Burns on April 9th, the world uh, will be calling for Hamzat title shot. Not only would it line up perfectly with an Usman summer return, but is also a more attractive headliner for International Fight Week. Yes, I understand this. And the the... The mission for his team should remain the same. Get that fight booked before April 9th. You must. At all costs, get that fight booked. Because you're right. Hamzat goes in there and obliterates Gilbert. Hamzat goes in there and just wins against Gilbert. It's going to get dicey-dicey. Get that fight booked. Now, uh, the photos were released by Dana White. The surgery, gruesome. His team says, we'll be back by the summer. Leon's team tells me, we're, we're, we're being told we're still in line for the summer. But you're right. It does make things a little more interesting, but they're still being assured that they're in line. So I'm going to believe that. But yes, uh, it, it is going to get, I mean, I said breathe. I should have wrote breathe for now. Because if they don't get this secured by April 9th, and if that Hamzad fight happens on April 9th, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to get, I mean, there's going to be a push because you beat Gilbert Burns, like you're right there. You can then justify a Hamza title shot. There's no doubt about it. 
Get that fight book before April 9th if you're Leon's team. Uh, El Cubano, second. Ola Ariel, fill in the blanks. If Robert Whitaker loses on Saturday, his next opponent will be in the division. So two blanks will be blank in the blank division. Man, um, that's an interesting one. I mean, I still think it will be in the middleweight division. I mean, could it be like a, a Jack Hermanson type? Could it be even a, a Sean Strickland type? Because again, if you lose to the champion, it's not like you're going all the way back down. A Sean Strickland type, a Jack Hermanson type. Um, I, I would suspect the Brunson Cannoneer winner gets the shot, but I, I think it would be someone like that. But definitely someone in the uh, the middleweight division, in my opinion. Carmine, hey Ariel, it's interesting. It's an interesting, it's uninteresting dynamic with Jake Paul owning part of the UFC parent company and also being the most outspoken person for fighter pay. Wouldn't this annoy Endeavor more than anything, given that he's trying to take away from their bottom dollar? I mean, yeah, I mean, he just has shares at the moment. So it's nothing really too crazy. Let's not get crazy. It's not in the, the boardroom meetings talking about the future of the UFC. But so for now, I don't think there's much of a connection there. Uh, now, Resh. Namaste, Ariel. Namaste, my friend. I'm a regular watcher of your show on YouTube and have honest feedback to provide. Okay. The camera angle switching during your intro on last week's On The Nose segment was an eyesore, and I'm not a fan of it. I'm not sure if anyone else felt the same, but just thought I'd let you know. I, I like the camera switching. How do you guys feel about this in the back? Frank, you, you feel like uh, Naresh has a legitimate bone to pick with this? I think the camera switching is fine. Yeah, I mean, come on, Narish. I mean, it literally lasts 30 seconds. I mean, lighten up, Francis. It's not that big a deal. Look away. Yeah, look away. Close your eyes. Just listen to the music. Question, have you felt the quality of contestants and especially winners in Tough decline over the years? Uh, Yeah, I feel like they've declined since 2010. Granted, there are outliers and also the fact that the talent pool may be getting thinner. Uh, Yeah, there's, there's... The, the 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 difference is when when tough started there were like 12 events a year and like 100 people on the roster now there's 43 events per year not to mention PFL not to mention Bellator not to mention one championship not to mention this that and the other i mean not to mention cage warriors and all these places i've never been in favor of going back to tough i thought it should have been done after the move to ESPN they wanted the content contender series is the perfect evolution of tough um, and that's why you see lesser talent. Because who wants, as, as, as Nicholas Maximoff said on Monday, who wants to go through that rigmarole when you can just go in Contender Series and bypass it? Plus, you get that horrible contract. Who wants it? Those days are over. P.S. You totally did have top first and not chronological last week in El Cubano Reign Supreme. You're right. And this week, I've gone chronological, so I'm sorry. Uh, I have rectified... My mistake. I apologize to everyone. Uh, Hugo, what's up, Ariel? At 270, we saw Brandon wear white shorts with gold letters rather than the traditional black and gold befitting a champion. Yes. Personally, I like this move by Venom. Just wish it had gold accents. Who cares? Moving forward, if Venom hears this, I'm all for uniforms. I'm not. Hope they add more colors. Sure. And fighters aren't restricted wearing shorts based on their respective country. Fine. Um... Also, do you know if Beltar has an exclusive deal to hold events at the Forum in Inglewood since the UFC has only been there twice? Uh, not that I know, but I know they have a deal with like, not a deal, but a good relationship with them and MSG, which owns the Forum. 
but not an exclusive deal. Lastly, if Moreno Fig 4 is made, do you think it has to end definitively a la Pacquiao Marquez? No. P.S. Please bring back at the start of every show, I'll be remiss if I don't wish you a national so-and-so day. Eh, it was a thing with DC and I. Who am I going to say to? The first guy. You want me to, want me to tell Shavkat Rachmanov that today is uh, Key Lime Pie Day? I'm not sure if it'll work. Nico, the Eddie Hearn interview got me thinking. From the UFC's point of view, what's more impactful, the new eyeballs Jake Paul brings or the awareness he is raising regarding fighter pay? From the UFC's point, what's more impactful? Mm. I guess the eyeballs. I mean, the fighter pay stuff is still in the bubble and it's still in that little you know MMA world that we reside in, but... Yeah, he's brought a lot of awareness. I would say as far as awareness goes, he's brought more awareness to boxing than MMA. So I think he's just more of a, an annoyance at this point to them. Newman. Hello, Ariel. Hello, Newman. Uh, I know July is still a long time away, but there's already been speculation about three major fights for the International Fight Week. McGregor DS3. Feels like a long shot as of now. Uh, Usman Edwards, possible. Jones Stipe, possible. What do you think the chances are of these fights happening and taking place at 276? I mean, they all present their own challenges. McGregor Diaz, three, nothing at the moment. Usman Edwards, I mean, we just had the surgery. I know what they're saying is is positive, but just had the surgery. And Jones Stipe is is Jones Stipe. I mean, you you saw Eugene's response to Jones. I hope we see John fight this year. I really do. And I don't care when. But, I mean, all of those would be great. We may end up with, uh, you know, Peña Nunes. Any word on what the main event for UFC Columbus will be? Also, do you know the location for the May pay-per-view yet? No to that. And like I said, I've heard of a rabbit, but uh, it's, it's too soon. We'll see. Uh, still my boy. Hey, Ariel, continuing on with the theme of doppelgangers after last week with Hermanson. I have a good one for you. GC and Christian Erickson. Uncanny. Let's see, Christian Erickson. Let me see. Uh, he's, the, he's, the, he's the football player. I know that. But let's see him in front of me here. Wow. That is actually tremendous. GC, have you looked up Christian Erickson? I mean, yeah, I've been told this so many wow. times. People hit me up on Twitter about it all the time. Uh, this is actually, yeah. especially when he has the facial hair. Yeah, Erickson was the one that collapsed in the in the Euro yeah. last year, right? Yeah, yeah. They, I, I'm very glad he's okay. There were some pictures from that where I was like, "Oh my god, that like that literally looks like me." Wow. I may or may not have have ordered his soccer jersey for this corner. You have it. It's an, an order has been placed. Wow. I don't okay. want to ruin surprises, but. I love it. I, I mean, that is a good call. Well done. Um, is TJ led to believe he has the number one contender spot locked up and sitting out to fight the winner of Jan Sterling too? Mm, no. But I can see it happening. But I don't think that's in writing. What are the chances we get to see Aldo Cruz if TJ passes on Aldo? Aldo Cruz. Yeah, I think it's possible. I would love to see it. I would love to see Aldo Cruz, TJ Aldo. Heck, TJ Cruz. Why not? Uh, by the way, Naresh says, GC and Erickson, you're absolutely spot on, sir. Killishaw then says, by the way, GC, as a close follower, even stalker of GC's Twitter, I can tell you he himself had called this out sometime back. You're right. How do you feel about Killishaw being a stalker of your Twitter page? Um I'm all right with it. I mean, it doesn't sit well that we might see each other at Katie Taylor or Manastrano, <laughs> but other than that. It's amazing. I mean, the guy just, 
He never misses. Uh, will Brewer, do you think we will see Israel Adesanya move up to light heavyweight this year? Mm, not this year, but we just did hear from Eugene and they, they want to do it. Also, I hear you are a solid basketball player. Dare I say, very solid. Have I played in a long time? No. I'd like to challenge the great Hiwani to a friendly game of one-on-one horse. Yeah, uh, take, take a number, bro. Take a number. Everyone wants a piece. What are the figures? Dean Martin, good afternoon, Ariel. After your interview with Casey O'Neill, you said that you were told Izzy does not want to do Zoom interviews. Yes, that's what I was told leading up to this fight. Um, but I've seen him do Zoom interviews with TSN since you've said that. Just one of your thoughts about this. Will we see Izzy in studio after the fight? Also, I love this segment and look forward to it every week so much so that it had to be a part of it. So uh, I've seen a couple of people point this out. Here's what you have to understand. Um, there's something in the business called broadcast partners. And when you are working for a broadcast partner, you are entitled and given certain luxuries, especially going into these big fights. Uh, I have benefited from this. So this isn't me coming off as, you know, Mr. Sour Grapes or complaining or anything like that. But when you're working for the broadcast partner, the fighters, in this case in our world of MMA, are told basically on the PR schedule, you have to do X amount of media. Per their contract, they have to do X amount of media going into these fights. And it, I mean, it benefits the likes of Izzy to do X amount of media because he is getting pay-per-view points. So he wants to do select media and X amount of media, especially the ones that they say you got to do because we are in business with these people. Now, again, I have benefited from this. When I worked for Fox, I benefited from it. When I worked for ESPN, I benefited from it. Even now, I benefited from it. I benefit from it. When I work for BT Sport, I'm doing the WWE stuff. I am very aware that, you know, I get access to the wrestlers that the other wrestling media doesn't get access to. I'm just going to fix my nameplate here. It's bothering me. So I'm aware of that. I'm not complaining. What I said on Monday was what I was told, because obviously I wanted him on, was yeah, much love, but he wants to save it for post-fight, maybe in person, maybe. That's what I've told. Uh, I've been told. Uh, and isn't a fan of doing the Zoom when he doesn't have to, when it's not on the schedule. Now, to break the fourth wall, I'm never going to be on the schedule. I was told that when I was at ESPN. I was told that, you know, and, and I love when like these moments get clipped off and it's like Ariel's complaining. I'm not complaining. I'm just, I'm asking a question. I'm telling you, there's not a part of me that is complaining about this, but the UFC will never come like other promotions and be like, hey, do you want to talk to X, Y, and Z? In fact, when they would come to New York or when there was like a media tour type of thing and I would find out about it um, and I would talk to the fighters who I all have, you know, we have great relationships. They were told it's okay to do it it can't be on the schedule. You got to do this on your own. We're not going to help you book it. We're not going to go out of our way to help you. We're not going to put him on the schedule. You could do it, but it can't be in writing. Why? I don't know. I have my hypotheses, but they literally go out of their way to not help. So even on Wednesdays, like I'll reach out to people who are doing media day, especially pay-per-view. Hey, can you come on the show? Um, yeah, I got media on Wednesday. All right, that's kind of weird. I am media myself, but I get it. You've got all this other stuff that you have to do that is on the schedule. And of course, it would be easier if I could just get on the schedule. It would make my life easier since I'm booking these guests, but that's just the way it is. So to answer the question, yes, he is. I never said he's never doing interviews, but what I was told was, and I sort of fall into a different bucket. And again, I'll always take the post-fight over the pre-fight. Just let that be known. I'll much rather have Francis on the Monday after his big win than the Wednesday before his big fight. It's a much better interview. It's a much more captivating interview. I don't really get too worked up over the pre-fight. The Eugene stuff was great. Like, you know what I mean? 
it's just that you're doing a thousand interviews pre-fight. You're only going to do the ones you like post-fight, right? So I don't mind it. And honestly, if I had to choose between one or the other, I'll take the post-fight. I know I'm going a little longer here, but I wanted to explain this to you so you guys understand how all this works. When you're with the broadcast partner, when you're with ESPN, when you're with TSN, when you're with BT Sport, you're going to get these interviews because it's part of the deal. And a lot of fighters, especially the ones who are at Izzy's level, are just going to do the ones that they have to do for contractual reasons, for pay-per-view reasons. And the rest, you know, they're just going to do the media day stuff and the scrums and the press conferences. And that's that. And that's totally fine. And, and these guys always do right by me and they always come on when I ask them to come on Izzy first episode. Like there's not a part of me that is sour about this, that is upset about this. And of course I'm going on and on here and you're probably thinking, ah, here's Ariel. No, it's all good. It's all good. But just so you know, the reason why you'll see these guys pop up elsewhere and not on the little engine that could over here, not on the Renegade show, not on the People's show, is because of that reason. We're not the broadcast partner. And by the way, I like it that way. I like being independent. I don't want to be beholden because when you're part of the broadcast team, you can't ask certain things. You can't talk about certain things. There's certain requirements. There's certain dramas. There's certain politics. No thanks. Capiche? Uh, Lewis. Always love hearing from Lewis. My man. Afternoon, Lord Helwani. Afternoon, sir. Continuing my probe into the Helwani mind, you've shared how reflective you are of performances and shows, even critical of your own work. The continuing quest to be the best Helwani possible. Yes. In these moments where you're reflecting, how impactful are the opinions of others and can they influence your thoughts? They are impactful. Does viewer feedback or the thoughts of someone you respect change your viewpoint? Of course. And sometimes, honestly, I let it affect me too much. And that's the problem ultimately with social media because you'll read this stuff, again, as I always say, on the phone where I talk to my mom or my wife or my kids and you have someone say like, you suck, that was bad, you, you, know, you screwed up, horrible question, whatever. So it messes with you, it does. And I wish it didn't. And I've come a long way in that regard. He adds, with so much of your work being broadcast live, are you able to take in live feedback? Yes. And I've talked to people about this as well, about not looking at Twitter. And I've actually done a much better job of that, of not reading things as they happen to not get you off your game. I like the element of live. I love the fact that people are able to watch me right now and there's no screwing up and there's no going back and there's no editing. Uh, I like that. I get excited about that. I feel like my performances are better when I know it's live and you can watch it in real time. But yeah, I, I do listen, but I'm probably tougher on myself than anyone else. Like, I'm mad at myself about messing up the Shavkat thing. Very mad at myself. And I'm like harping on it the entire time. And I will harp on it probably until Monday. Uh, Jake, Ariel, would you ever have Gary Tonin and John Danaher on? Uh, yes, I've had both of them on in the past. Together, sure. I was excited for his title at 1X, but now I don't know when he's getting a shot. Did you go on your birthright trip to Israel while at Syracuse? If so, how was it? Um, I did not go on that. For those that don't know what birthright is, uh, every Jewish person is able to go for free to Israel at some point. It's part of your quote-unquote birthright. Um, but you can only go for it's your first time, to the best of my knowledge. And I had been to Israel before, so I, I did not go on birthright because I had the, uh, the luxury of, of going when I was younger with my parents. So that kind of excludes me from that, which I'm, I'm okay with. Um, Last time I was there was 2008. I'd love to go back. Zach, 
Tuesday morning, Ariel. I was curious if you had a chance to check out Eagle FC's first UFC, first US event a few weeks ago. Yeah, we spoke about this already, no? I remember you were doing something with wrestling on the same night. The app was easy to download. There was not a single commercial all night, and there was very little time in between each fight. So it was nonstop action. I see them being very successful in the States. What does successful mean? My question is, how are they making money? No ads, no payment, no fans. Where's the money coming from? Where's the revenue coming from? How are they affording these fighters? This week's handicapped hot take for you, Whitaker KOs Izzy by the third round. Wow. All right. That, 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 sometimes you say hot take. It ain't a hot take. Solid hot take. Hugo. Hey, Ariel, what's the situation with Max potentially being back? Oh, sorry. What's the situation with Max potentially being the backup fighter at UFC 273? Seems odd that Max can fight in April, but not in March. I mean, not necessarily. Sometimes all you do need is that extra month. And by the way, sometimes the thing with his hand was it was it was uh, injured and they needed time. And basically what they said to the UFC was like, we don't want to hold you back if you want to go ahead and book something else because I know you got you know shows to fill, then go ahead. And so they did. But sometimes it could get better and you could be like, okay, now I'm ready to go. To suggest that Max Holloway is ducking Volkanovsky, is ducking... The threat of Volkanovski to me doesn't make a ton of sense considering the fact that most people thought he won the second fight. The first fight was close. Even if you don't think he won the second fight, it was close enough to think, all right, I've been there twice with the guy for 25 minutes each time, 50 minutes total. What are you really afraid? Like, come on. But yes, things can change. And and let's see. Let's see truly, you know, where he falls and, does he end up being the backup fighter? No, you know, who knows? Uh, Matt. Ariel, show's been fantastic as of late. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bit of a long question here, a uh, long-winded question, but curious how you see the UFC handling welterweight going forward. At the top, you have the dichotomy of dominant but less marketable fighters. Usman, Edwards, highly marketable but less dominant fighters. Colby, Nate, Dustin. Um, Dustin, 55, but fair enough. In the prospect range, you have a similar situation with highly marketable Hamzad versus less marketable Brady and Rachmanov. I don't know if Rachmanov is less marketable. He's just a little bit newer. Um, furthermore, you have Bilal, who may be the least marketable fighter in the promotion, but is a hell of a fighter and is a tough fight for anyone. I don't know if I agree with that as well. He's got a great personality, and um, I don't agree with that at all. Seems like he has a solid fan base. By the way, I hope he clips this off and uh, you know somehow twists it into me hating on him, but I, I don't agree with that at all that he's the least marketable fighter in the promotion. What the hell? Um, how do you think the UFC attacks this division going forward? Match up the marketable versus... Nah. I think you're overthinking it, my man. Usman Edwards, if Hamza wins, you got a potential massive star in your hands. Do you remember Khabib? I think they're fine. Hey, Ariel, I'm from Australia and I've been watching for years. Thank you. Adelaide Crows, our cap. Please support the Fremantle Dockers. We are the longest active team to not win the league and need your support. Well, you know, Adelaide jumped on the bandwagon. What can I say? I don't see nothing from Fremantle. First question, regarding minimum purse for fighters in the UFC, what do you think is fair? In the end, UFC is a business. So what is a hypothetical number that you think would be better for fighters? I mean, for me to throw out a number would be a little bit reckless. I'm not looking at their financials. I'm not looking. And honestly, considering what the rest of the MMA world is paying, 12 and 12 ain't the worst thing. I just wish it wasn't 12 and 12. I just why, why, why can't we make it 24? 
Why can't we, why can't we make it an even 22? 20. 25. You know what I mean? The main thing that for the early fighters I wish was abolished was the win and show. Because after you pay your coaches and after you pay your management, you're left with taxes, by the way, you're left with very little. So that's the main thing I wish they got rid of. Number one thing would be the win and show model. Just give them a guarantee. And by the way, I don't want the guarantee to be just 12. But if you're willing to pay that much to someone... I feel like you could do it for both. And by the way, at the very top, there is no win and show, as it should be. Second question. What are some of your thoughts? Oh, what are some of your favorite post-fight octagon ringside interviews? Mine is I broke my back spinal when Tyson lost to Lewis. Oh, my God, there's so many. Um, I mean, Chael's were great. Connor's had some great ones. Oh, my <clears throat> the the very memorable one was Mike Tyson. You know, the one about Lewis. Praise be to Allah, that one. There have been a lot. The boxing ones are fun because they're a little bit longer, but I mean, there's been so many great ones in the UFC. Shell's had some amazing ones. Connor's had some amazing ones. Mm. Trying to think of others. GSP getting down on his knees, begging for the title shot. That was a great one. Nick, when, how do the fighters get paid their purse? Do they cut them a check right after the fight? Uh, yes. <clears throat> and also, there was a time where it was a check. I, I, would, I would sometimes see them handing the check over. I think they do direct deposit now. Direct deposit, excuse me. Uh, I've not asked, but... It usually happens relatively quick when it's the UFC, and I think it's direct deposit now, if I'm being honest. Uh, Grant, I've got a hypothetical question for you. Let's say Moreno won last month's fight against Figueredo for his next title defense the UFC chose to do in Mexico. If this happened, wouldn't it mean that Moreno would be making less money than if the fight was elsewhere because he'd still get a share of the pay-per-view, but if all of those Mexican fans are now in person rather than staying at home buying the pay-per-view like they would have done if the card was in their home country, wouldn't that lose... Yeah, I don't know if they have pay-per-view model in, in Mexico. And, and he isn't making the boatload of his pay-per-view in Mexico. He's making it in America. So it doesn't really matter. Jorge, hello, Ariel. First time running from Puerto Rico, the country of the soon undisputed lightweight champion and pound-for-pound queen of boxing, Amanda Serrano, the Boricuas. I'm a big fan of the show, and I'm super pumped for 271. It's going to be my first live MMA event. I can't wait. I have two questions. What was the first event you attended as a fan, and what do you remember most about it? Wow, that's a great one. First UFC event that I attended as a fan that I did not work at was UFC 78 in Newark, New Jersey. This was back in a time when there were less shows and there was a lot of talk about what the main event would be. And the main event ended up being Rashad Evans versus Michael Bisping, which was a time when they very, very, very rarely had non-title fights in the main event. And I went with my old boss, Jay Peterson, it was 2007. I was working for a place called K2 Pictures in production. I had no friends that wanted to go to the event with me. Um, and so I asked him if he'd go. And we met at his apartment on the west side. And we went to Newark. And I watched it. And I had just, it was November of 2007. And I had just launched jerrypark.com, my own website, in October of 2007. So I was, you know, obviously really into it now. And this was my career. 
And I remember Joe Lozon fought on the card and I remember Houston Alexander fought on the card and I remember sitting all the way up in the bleachers. Uh, that was a great, great moment. That was a great experience. The first event I ever attended, UFC, um, worker fan, was the top three finale in June of 2000 and... I think it was 2006. And I was working for that company, K2 Pictures, and one of their clients was Spike TV, and we produced a pre-show for the Top 3 finale that aired on SpikeTV.com that was hosted by Forrest and Stefan. Uh, remember, they were the, you know, the finalists on Tough One. And I helped produce it, and I helped write it as well. Um, and that was the one that Bisping won, Tough Three. He fought uh, Josh Haynes. Also, Kendall Grove was there, if you recall. I think Sam Stout, too. So, yeah, that was uh, that was the first one. It was at the Hard Rock in Vegas, and that was the first event that I ever went to. And I'll never forget, there was also a fight night September of 2007. I was working for Spike, and that was the one that kind of led to me leaving Spike. I, I, I joined Spike that Monday. On the Wednesday, we flew to Las Vegas because Dean Thomas versus Kenny Florian was happening in Vegas. And I remember we did absolutely nothing. And I remember having a conversation with one of the guys, like my superior at Spike. I was like, what do we do here when we're at their events? Oh, you know, we just kind of make sure everything's okay. I was like, I can't do that. I can't just be here and not do anything. And I remember sitting in the truck for the entire event. And it was interesting to see how it goes with the commercial breaks and everything that's going on. And 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 Eddie Bravo was next to me working... Um, was it Eddie Bravo or was it Mark DeLaGradi? It might have been Mark DeLaGradi now that I think of it. But he was telling the announcers, Joe and Mike Goldberg, you know, like to look out for certain things. I, th I think it was DeLaGradi now that I think of it. Oh, that's called this, that, you know, just kind of working as a producer. And I didn't even know that that was a real job. Uh, and I was sitting there and then I remember at the end thinking, I can't do this. I like to, and, and then that's when I came back the following week and I quit Spike and they made me sit out and, uh, I decided that I was going to start doing MMA, MMA journalism, and start my own website. Um, what do you rate this UFC 271 card? I picked a pretty good one. Yeah, I like it. It's good. Top to bottom. Oh, my God. Benjamin Big Spitta. I mean, this is like a five-paragraph question. So I see the first line. First of all, the stat that Derek Luce is undefeated in February is about as useful as limbless MMA fighter. No, it's, by the way, I'm not using that as a stat to determine whether or not he's going to win, but it's just like an interesting factoid. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. So calm the F down. I can't read all this. I get to the question. New York or Connecticut pizza? I, I hear Connecticut pizza is tremendous, New Haven pizza. I've never actually had it. Perhaps GC, who lived in uh, Connecticut, can let us know. What's better, New York or Connecticut pizza? I actually have Connecticut, New Haven. Yeah? Sal's, Frank Pepe's, and Modern. Those are the three. Those are like the top three. They're all fantastic. Really? There's one in New Haven that everyone talks about, no? It's those three, Sal's, Pepe's, and Modern. I made multiple trips to New Haven to get it. And better than New York. Yes. Yeah, and like you've been this to like, like John's, you've been to... Um, yeah, John's on Bleecker. I got, I got the Fars right near my crib in Brooklyn, which is yeah. very highly rated. 
but you say Connecticut. All right, there you have it. I got it. New Haven, yeah. New Haven, not GCM Connecticut. security's in, coming in out movie from the building. Well, yeah, it is crazy. Wait, so, you, so you're saying it's just New Haven. It's not Connecticut. It's New Haven versus it's, New York. Right. It's New Haven versus New York. What is it about New Haven? You just got to go, man. I like, took, well, I, like, I really did take like How did that become like the pizza six. capital of the Northeast? I have no clue. I'm telling you, though, these three spots okay. are amazing. What's number one? Rank them. In my opinion, Modern is number one. Uh, Sal's is number two. Or Sally's is number two. Sally's, I'm sorry. And then uh, Frank Pepe's. But Frank Pepe's has this thing called the Summer Special, which is just top-notch. Best pizza I've ever had. What is it? It's like uh, fresh mozzarella, fresh tomatoes, like fresh. It's just everything's fresh, and they only serve it from like June to August. It's fantastic. Wow. I need to make the pilgrimage. Have you been, Frank? No, and I never would. Why? Because it's, you know, you got enough pizza here in New York. Yeah, let's be honest. Um, also, this guy who wrote the very long question, and people are giving him crack for it. Thank you. Uh, thank you for all you do, Ariel. Thank you. You're the man. Also, shout out to Frank GC, New York Rick, and the whole crew just because. All right, that's very nice. Um, Killershaw summarized the whole question by New Yorker Connecticut Pizza. Thank you, guys. Hi, Ariel. Besides DC and Chale, who are some fighters you talk to daily slash often that we might not know about? Shout out to my roommate, Jason. Um, I talk to Weidman a lot. I talk to Anthony Smith a lot. Um, I mean, I actually talk to the managers probably more than the uh, the fighters. Hmm. Yeah, probably those ones. I mean, the ones that you would think. are there. I talk to Faber a lot. I would talk to Derek Lewis more, but he changes his number every week for some reason, so I can't really get it. I mean, now he's back to green, believe it or not. Okay. <clears throat> Pay the fighters. This one might be difficult. I like that. Question about your former employer. Okay. As you know, Whoopi Goldberg has been in the news for her comments for which she was handed a two-week suspension by ABC while Gina Carano was fired and publicly ridiculed for a comment that was warped by the media. All Gina was saying is that the horrible societal systems emerge after the citizens are turned against each other. Okay, which is 100% true. You break apart the community and then someone in power can take advantage. She never said the degree of each circumstance was equal. She simply provided historical evidence that all understand to deliver a point. How does this make you feel as a Jewish person? Does it seem like ABC slash Disney is inconsistent in their punishment? Do they actually care about the issue or is it just some political motive? I don't know about any of that. All I'll say is, going back to the Gina thing, which some people like to twist, including her and her team, I never once said that I thought she should be fired. I never once said that she should be canceled. I never once said that, you know, I want her punished. I said... And why I I actually wasn't even going to talk about it, but I kept getting asked about it because it's Gina, someone that you all know I hold in high regard and because it's an MMA story and because it's, you know, a story that is related to Jewish people. And I'm very proud of my Jewish faith and heritage. And so I try to explain why even making that inference, even making that connection, and even if it is this intention that you're pointing out, is absolutely asinine. And I still believe that to this day. It is not about turning people against each other. It's the people who are bringing up the yellow star. It's the people who are bringing up concentration camps. It's the people who are bringing up segregation. It's the people who are bringing up, you know, people actually dying. Like, there is no connection. I just want you all to know. There is absolutely no connection to, from the Holocaust 
to the pandemic of 2020 and 2021 and 2022. Anyone who even tries to make that connection in any way, shape, or form is is 1,000% wrong. And it does strike a nerve. It does. Because 6 million Jews died during World War II, were sent to concentration camps, were sent to gas chambers, were, were burned alive, were gassed to death, were shot, were murdered, were kidnapped. That ain't happening. Okay, I don't care how many vaccine cards are showing you. That ain't happening. So the reason that struck a nerve and the reason we felt a certain way about it and the reason why we think it's crazy when anyone tries to make this connection is because there is no connection. And so you bring up this. I don't know. I'm not making those decisions. The only thing I'll say is I don't think Whoopi wasn't what I saw from the one clip that I saw. She wasn't comparing the pandemic to the Holocaust. She was talking about like what the Holocaust was all about and the connection, all that stuff is fine. And I don't think anyone should, like, I'm happy she's not canceled and I'm happy she's not fired. I don't believe in that. I don't believe you make one mistake. You post something, you say something and your whole career is over. I don't believe in that. Now you could say like Gina kept going and she kept going and she doubled down and she kept going and maybe that was, I don't know. And in fact, I got in trouble for that. Believe it or not, I got in trouble for that whole thing. People don't know this. Like, I got called. You shouldn't have talked about that. I mean, what do you mean I shouldn't have talked about that? That I mean, if there was ever a story that was in my wheelhouse, it was that story. It was an MMA story about Jews. If there's ever a story that I should talk about that's outside of the world of fights, which I'm not a robot, that's not all I care about, it was that story. But I got in trouble for it. And then, of course, we remember what Dana said and... No one had my back, and then it became this whole thing, yada, 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 silliness. But again, you go back to what I said. You go back to how I said it. I never said she should be punished. I never said she should be canceled. Or I was just explaining why we felt a certain way about it, why I think it was a mistake, why I think it was tone deaf. And, and you can't hide behind the, oh, it was just a meme. No, you went out and you shared it, and you perpetuated this thought that there is any kind of connection whatsoever between what happened in World War II and what's happening today in society or what happened in society. There ain't no connection. I'm sorry. I know you all want this to be your raison d'etre. I know you all want this to be your Vietnam where you're standing up for something. You're you ain't being sent to a concentration camp and being burnt alive. And what I try to explain to people because I went there myself and I saw it and I educated myself, I felt the scratch marks in the gas chambers. I literally felt them with my hands. I was in Auschwitz. I saw the ashes. I saw the hair. I saw the suitcases. I saw the, 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 the glasses. Anyone who makes that connection is just wrong. And I could call you a bunch of different names, but I'm not. You're wrong. You are wrong. There is no connection. Zero. None. Don't share the meme. Don't go down that path. Don't do it because you are wrong. And you will, you, there will you know, unfortunately... There's repercussions. Now, do I agree with the repercussions? No, I don't believe in cancel culture. I don't believe in any, whatever you want to call it. I don't, but, and I'm not going to sit here and defend ABC or Disney. I'm not the one making those decisions, but if you want my take, I don't think that there should be, um, you know, firings over things like that. Now you say things that are offensive. You say things that are insulting, that are truly, you know, wrong. Then yeah, sure. But you do silly stuff like that. Like, no, why don't we, I thought Julian Edelman did it the best way. The, 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 the New England Patriots player. He's like, let's go educate. Let's go teach people who didn't grow up learning about this stuff why there is no connection here, why this is wrong. That was the best way. Let's not shun the people that make these mistakes. Let's teach them. Let's explain to them. I think he said that about Deshaun Jackson. So that's that. Hey, Ariel, any chance you will interview Rex Chapman on your Thursday show? 
Um, sure, I would love to. I mean, it's crazy to me that Rex Chapman has become who he has become on social media. I remember him on the Hornets, Kentucky, Suns. Yeah, sure, that would be great. Favorite segment, great one tomorrow, by the way. Uh, favorite segment of the week. Thank you. Two quick questions. Why no Izzy or Derek Lewis this week? Derek Lewis uh, likes to, I tried, uh, likes to lock in and change his number. Uh, and Izzy, I've already explained. Uh, but again, I do like the post-fight rather than the pre-fight. Which, by the way, if you notice, like when a fight gets announced, let's say it's, a, let's say it's an Ian Gary fight, right? I'd rather get them on when the fight gets announced rather than the week of the fight. There's less pressure. You get to check in. It sets the tone for the the camp and all that stuff, at least from our perspective. And so that's why I don't try to bother a lot of these guys the week of the fight. And so then you get them post-fight. You haven't just talked to them three days ago. Do you know what I'm saying? That's always been the method. Fight gets in. Like, that's why I had Whitaker on, not when it was announced, but like, I'd rather have Whitaker on a month ago than this week. Because they're being flooded with requests and questions and i don't i don't want to add to that um do you think you'll attend the ufc in person this year and unleash hiwani on a media day or one of these so-called press conferences doubtful i will explain and i've been tempted to do so but i don't really want to now it's not the time i will explain why there are multiple reasons why the main one being my work, number one. Um, the second one being just there. there is really no need. There's literally no need. You know what I do throughout the week. There is no need for me to be there at the moment. But I will explain the root of why I don't push to go or I don't feel like I need to go or, you know, anything like that. One of these days I'll explain it, but uh, today's not that day. Dallas. Hello, Ariel. Moving forward, can we have a reaction cam of GC during live events? Wow, second time someone asked about this. I, I feel like Dallas asked this question last week. Did he not? GC, are you going to have... Uh, people want to see you reacting to the events. If we were to do that, I would need more than just me. Why? I don't know. Uh, you know, an MMA fighting crew, everyone betting on it, riding the bets together living and dying by the bets on camera. That's how I'd want to do it. Okay. All right. Uh, I would, I mean, I would, I would, I would like to see you, um, during the events. I, I kind of feel like, have you seen, uh, Alfonso Davies? You know, Alfonso Davies, the soccer player yeah, for Canadian Canada? soccer player. Yeah. He's been doing these Twitch streams during Canada's and they're incredible. I mean, they're very entertaining. I mean, there's definitely emotion with it. I would, I'm not just sitting there. I'll say that. Yeah. I would love it. Let's work on that. Uh, hey, Ariel, do you think Dana loves Amanda because she beat Cyborg? Mm, I think he loved her before that. Seems to have favored her since her uh, win over Cyborg. Mm. Secondly, do you think Tate doing a Big Brother is a mistake as she's making her first cut to 125? I mean, how long does... Does anyone watch Big Brother over there? How long does that take? I don't know. I have no idea. And can't you get voted off? Seems like a good opportunity. Uh, Kareem. Hi, Ariel. I was looking at the upcoming pay-per-view cards, and when you compare them to last year's, they're very weak in terms of name value. Last year, we had people like Cruz, Ty, Benavidez, Mar. I mean, come on. It's February. Chill. Last year's February card wasn't the... It was Usman Burns, and I don't remember there was a ton of... I mean, chill. Come on, guys. 
I don't think that's fair. Jezza, yo, Ariel, Jezzy Q here from London, respect, or England. Love the show, haven't missed one, but a first time posting a question. Thank you. Any news on when 10-7 Danis will be back in the cage? No one cares. Uh, does Hamzad fight for the belt this year? Very possible, yes. I think there's a strong possibility of that. Peace out. Keep up the great work. Shout out to GC. Hey, Ariel, this is from Lord Pilbian. Big fan, long-time listener, brand new subscriber. Hope all is well. Respect. I was looking at next week's main event, and I think it's flying under the radar. Should Rafael Faziev win against RDA? Who do you see him fighting next? I'll tell you this much. The February main events are tremendous. Izzy Whitaker 2, Faziev RDA. Wait, last week, okay, it was Strickland Hermanson didn't turn out to be great, but I was interested in it. Then Izzy Whitaker, Faziev RDA. And then Darius Makhachev. Great. If Aziev wins, I mean, he's in that, I mean, golly. So the latest I heard is Chandler Ferguson, potentially May 7th. Does he fight the winner of that? I mean, he's in there. He is in there. I mean, RDA is a top seven, eight fighter. So does he fight the winner of that? That would be nuts. Um... Brett, hey, a cool question about fighter purses. If a fighter wins a fight but later fails a post-fight drug test, does their win money get confiscated? I don't think so. Does it depend on the severity? I don't think it gets confiscated. I think if it's there, they don't have to pay it back. But it, it does raise a good point, and it's something Mark Hunt said. Why are they tested before the fight but the results come out after? It seems to defeat the purpose. Hey, Ariel, if someone was to gift you one NFT of any moment, what would you pick? Also, I think Bam Bam needs to be immortalized after name-dropping you, uh, name-dropping Kilwani on RCDC or DCRC. Really? He did that? I didn't know that. Did you? I know you watch uh, DCRC, GC. Did he do that? Uh, I must have missed that episode. I, I, I'm okay. still getting caught up. Uh, I got them all on saved the, on my ESPN Plus. All right, so. all right. <laughs> uh, one NFT... I'll probably go with that one. I'll probably go with GSP Matt Hughes, UFC 56. The night he became champ. I'll probably go with that one. If you, any news on Hamzat Burns? Uh, not yet, but I mean, they keep going back and forth. Ariel, uh, uh, April, 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 April. Uh, if you were in charge of rule changes, what rule changes would you implement? Punching to the back of the head? No. Knee kicking? Meh. Headbutts? No. I mean, the main one is like, if you're going to penalize someone for cheating or for breaking a rule, like penalize them. Enough with the warnings. Penalize them. Figure out what that penalty is, but like the warning should be in the in the locker room, in my opinion. Ariel, which MMA fighter do you secretly wish would talk more trash on the mic? Mm, I don't really secretly wish any of them. I wish more people knew how entertaining... Arnold Allen was. And I get you can't just be fun in interviews. You have to win the fights in fun ways. But like, man, that guy, first of all, he's he's just such a lovable character. He shouldn't be, he's a pro athlete in my opinion. You shouldn't be showering at truck stops. I get it. I'm not trying to put that down. But like, how, do, how does that gym not have any workable showers for these pro athletes? A. B. The fact that he's driving three hours one way, three times a day, six hours total each day. The fight game, man. It is a crazy, crazy thing. Matthew, two questions. Have you ever thought of interviewing Ben Shapiro? I haven't really thought of it per se. I mean, he's an interesting guy. 
I'm not a huge fan of political media. I'm not a fan of it at all. Uh, so I don't consume his content. So not really my thing. Uh, what are your thoughts on MLB doing away with steroid testing? I think it's just for now. Can I just say this about MLB? I mean, have you ever seen a dumber sports league than Major League Baseball? We're still in the freaking pandemic. Uh, you've got some young, good stars. There's some good story. You've paused hot stove. Your season is going to be delayed or at least is, is, is being threatened to be delayed. Like, what the F are you guys doing? You've already messed it up enough times over the years. Of course, 94, you killed my team and you killed my city. And, and, and the love that the city had for the team, Montreal, number one team in baseball at the time, first place, NL East. We all know the story, six games up on the Braves. What the F are you guys doing? How are you not locking yourself in a freaking boardroom, in a hotel, and figuring this out? No one wants to hear about your back and forth, your crappy offers. No one wants to hear about these annoying little like concessions. Like, enough, enough. Figure it out and be done with it. No one wants to hear about this. There's enough going on. You're just going to get passed by again. If there's one sport right now, one sports league that can't afford this, it's probably MLB. Number two would be NHL. And NHL is doing just, just fine, especially in Canada, and they've got the new deal with ESPN and TNT. What the F is MLB doing? Like, Manfred, what are you doing? Tony Clark, what are you doing? I mean, it's just so frustrating. It re- like, it's like, do they not want us to be fans? And you're going to pick this time in our lives now? Now, when people have lost their jobs, when pe- people are just trying to get back on their feet, now's the time that you're going to do this? You guys, I mean, it's just, it's so disappointing. They suck so bad. They suck. Danny, uh, Ola Ariel, no question today. Simply wanted to thank you for sharing the story about your anxiety struggles during the trip to Milwaukee. Thank you. I appreciate it. Really shed a light on the fact we should be checking in on our inner circle, even if they look okay on the exterior. Amen. You've been through so much adversity and continue to show resilience. And here we are benefiting from independent Helwani, who is better than ever. Keep doing you, Ariel. Keep being you. Much love from Charlotte. Wow, that was very nice. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate that. Um, Taylor, hello. I've only been to Toronto. I've only been to the Toronto area in Canada, but I have a geography question for you. It is a bit complex, but I've always wanted to do the trans-Canadian train journey and would love to hear a solid answer. Do citizens in Canada categorize themselves regionally as people in the United States do. For instance, people from places like California, Texas, and Midwest, the South, NYC, generally pride themselves on certain things. Do people in Canada do this as well? Yeah. I mean, certainly Quebecers do. But I think there is a bit of that. You know, you got the the BC types, you got the the Prairie types, you got the Maritimes types, you got the Ontario types, Toronto thinks they're, you know, King S-H-I-T. P.S., Banff looks like one of the most beautiful spots on the planet. I agree. I've never been, but it looks incredible. Jasper as well. I've always, I've actually not been to enough places in Canada. I've been to BC a couple times. I've been to Winnipeg. I've been to Edmonton. I've been to Calgary. I loved Calgary. I loved Vancouver. Been to Whistler, Olympics. Been to Ontario. Been to Ottawa. Been to Toronto. Been to Montreal. Been to Quebec City. Never been to the Maritimes. I'd like to do more in Canada. Killashaw. Hi, Ariel. Cold weather as usual at the Big Apple. I love it. He's now local and he's complaining about the cold. Was wondering if you're as curious and anticipatory about Izzy's entrance like me. I mean, I guess I'll just kind of digest it when I see it. Do you know if it'll be more of a Rockley kind of entrance? I have no idea. By the way, will you be at Elimination Chamber? I will not. That's the one in Saudi Arabia. 
I don't think I'm going to that. But I will be at WrestleMania. Happy Read in the Bathtub Day. Looking forward to sharing a seat with GC at MSG. Are you and uh, Killershaw sitting next to each other, GC? Uh, I, that has not been confirmed. Okay. He, he, he's EK, he's on the other side of the section as me. Okay. It's a whole thing. Uh, B-Dodd. With the women's 135 division doing tough, how long into this year do you think it will be before any of the other women defend their titles this year? Well, um, I suspect Juliana fights this summer. And yeah, the one I need to check up on is Rose and Carla. I know Rose had COVID, but she should be okay now. And then there's obviously Valentina. Is it Tyler Santos? So yeah, I mean, maybe that... No, maybe he's got two titles. Maybe the June card? Hello, Lord... Ariel, my question this week with the NBA trade line, trade deadline quickly approaching. Is there a trade you do? Oh, about the Knicks. Golly, the Knicks are so depressing. I really thought last year, you know, I mean, I, I, I thought last year was the beginning of a great run. I thought last year everything was going to change and there would be no more disappointing seasons for at least the foreseeable future for, you know, three, four, five years. No more draft lotteries. And I mean, it's just so depressing. I don't know. Lillard, what, what is going on? What is going on with Julius Randle? I mean, he's playing well lately, but like, what, what is wrong with this team? What's, I, I actually, I know what's wrong. Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose was the reason why they went on the run last year. And Derrick Rose, I think, is the reason why they're not playing well this year. Because he's injured. Some crazy trades yesterday. Can't believe uh, the Kings got rid of Halliburton. I like Sabonis a lot. But Halliburton's, I mean, second year in the league. The guy's... I don't know. I, I would think the kind of guy that you want to build around. They picked Yaron Fox. And then... Um, oh, yeah. CJ McCollum going to New Orleans. So maybe we get Lillard. How about we do Damian Lillard for Evan Fournier? How about that? Alec Tomlinson. Top of the morning, Ariel. Sorry to keep asking, but need info on the March 26th. Rabbit out of the hat. Stay tuned. Hey, Ariel. It's VJ from Kamloops. Respect. You haven't spoken with Izzy. Are we saving him for the Monday after the fight? I mean, he has to win. Could be Wednesday. Also, any word on uh, Arjun Buller? Ooh. Uh, I think there is a resolution coming there. Stay tuned. But yes, it would be nice to see him defend that heavyweight title. Any locations for 275? I don't even know what 275 is. UFC 275, but I don't really know anything past April. Wait, 275? What is 275? That's later in the year, but I, I don't know. Um, David M. is asking me about the 272 co-main. Nothing. Nothing, my man. Logan. Hey, Ariel, hope your wife is doing better. Unfortunately, my wife is having surgery on Friday. It's a bit of a stressful time, but it got worse. I'm very thankful. Actually, I wanted to tell um, I wanted to tell I Quinta. I should have told Wyman about this too. Uh, HSS, the Hospital of Special Surgery, is uh, it's a crazy story how we ended up there. But yeah, the 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 cut is like this huge ball now, and it's just it's a bummer. Crazy, just from a plate. I mean, you would. You, I mean, you would guess that the plate would would do something like that, but it was just putting a plate away. So I appreciate that. But uh, hopefully, come Friday, we will 
turn the corner and better days are ahead. We all know that most UFC talent isn't great at basketball. Could you give us the worst possible starting five? I mean, golly. I mean, Jones is definitely in that mix. I haven't seen all of them play, so hard to say. But Jones is in that mix. Bakri, salut de Montréal. First off, I'd like to thank you for the great WWE coverage. Thank you. Back when we were kids, me, my brother, and my neighbor used to pretend we were wrestlers. My favorite was Kofi Kingston. There was always a small snow mountain that we... Wait, when you were kids, you used to pretend you were Kofi Kingston? You must not be that old. I thought you were going to say, like, Coco, beware. There was always a small snow mountain that would pile up around the stop sign, and we'd basically act like we were in a Money in the Bank match. That's great. The goal was to get to the stop sign... Having WWE guests on the show has brought back so many amazing memories. So thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate it. Here's my question. What are your thoughts on Anthony Pettis starting both a new promotion and a management company? I love it. You've been critical of Eagle FC in the past. Do those same concerns apply to Showtime? No, because Pet. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see. Okay, that's fair. That is a very, very fair assessment. Now, I will say this. Anthony said the majority of the fighters on Showtime uh, promotions aren't fighters that he has signed. And also, he is not, I mean, like, who, who signed to Showtime Management? But it is fair. In, in the world of boxing, you can't be a promoter and a manager. You can't. And, yeah, so I think that the same should apply in the world of MMA. I, I like the fact that Anthony is a fighter and is trying to guide fighters and steer them in a certain way. But, no, it is a, it, it, the, the criticism has to be fair. And so, yeah, it's a great point. Uh, Francis versus every current champion. He fights them one by one with a 15-minute break in between. You're crazy. Amy, ever watch horror movies? No. I feel like Frank's a big horror movie guy. Frank? I mean, it's, it's not that I don't like that. No, I, yeah, I guess I I'm like a big, big fan. Yeah. There's a really good Jewish one out there called The Vigil. Have you seen that? No, I haven't heard of that. Check it out if you're brave and have time. I'm not. And I don't. Or you can stick to Rudy where it's safe. I kid. I will. Big ups to Frank. Oh, look at this. Big ups to Frank for his statement that silly questions are going to be the end of humanity on earth. His deadpan responses to you are a growing highlight of the show. Keep it up, Frank Mysterio. Frank Mysterio is a great name. How about that? You got a fan in Amy Otis. That's pretty awesome. What's up, Nose Canseco? This is from Askren and You Shall Receive. If you knew Usman would not be holding the strap at the end of the 2022 due to defeat, not an injury, who would you say is the best chance? I'd say probably thumbs up. Iman O'Keefe. Ariel, you don't make picks pre-fight because fighters tend to get mad at you. Correct. Who are some of the fighters who took picking against you them most personally? Hmm. One comes to mind. I think it might have been Rashad, if I'm being honest. Rashad and I have a great relationship now. I don't remember all of them, but I would just continuously hear crap about it. I'm like, you know what? This is not worth it. Have you any inside info on Connor's leg? Not at the moment. Hey, Ariel, are the fight night events in April planned for the Apex or a smaller city such as Columbus? No, I still think that some of them, I mean, I know I know the May ones are Apex, some of them. Also, who would headline 274, Oliveira or Teixeira? I've been asked that question, great question. I think it would be Oliveira and Gaethje because I just think it's the bigger fight. Benoit, hey, my friend Ariel from Quebec City, salut. I just want to know what you think the Knicks should do before the trade line. Oh, trade deadline. I mean, do they... I don't want to see them blow it up. I can't believe R.J. Barrett got injured with like 13 seconds left in that blowout yesterday. What are we doing? I, I, I love Tibbs, but it hasn't been a great year for him. I don't know. The Fournier contract ain't good. Do they get rid of Kemba? 
Is there any value? I don't know. Halliburton would have been great. We need that point guard. Bring back Alfred Payton. Uh, I rewatched the Eddie Hearn interview. What a great interview. Thank you. Okay, a couple more. Carter, this is my first time sending a question here. I love the show, but let me get straight to it. Thank you. Do you have any info on 275? <laughs> Come on. Guys, can we read the other questions? If you're going to ask like three hours later, can we at least just check? Just do a quick search. Now asking me about 274 location. No, I don't have one. Hey, Ariel, Jake from the Windy City here. When the dust settles, what fight will we end up seeing on the last of Nate Diaz's contract? What did I say? What did I say about the contract stuff? I wouldn't be surprised if they all resign. First one, Izzy. What did I say? What are your thoughts on the latest breaking news story that Habs fired Ducharme? They did? Wow. Half a year after making the Stanley Cup? That's crazy. I mean, new regime now, so it doesn't surprise me. But yes, what a mess. They just made it to the final last summer, and now they're the worst team in the league. Also, I've been keeping in mind what you said about Ronda Rousey just phoning it in with WWE and playing wrestler. I thought our promos last week on SmackDown were really poor. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's unwatchable to me. She looked uncoordinated, sloppy, uncomfortable. It feels like she's just doing it for the paycheck, if I'm being honest. And hey, much respect, but come on. And on and like the, the, the match to make was her versus Becky, not her versus Charlotte. So I don't get it. Is there any buzz on a fight lining up for Valentina soon? Nothing at the moment, but I would suspect it would be uh, Tyla, Tyla Santos. Last week, you had the audacity to name drop, to name your top jellies and not mention grape. Never was a grape guy. The goat of jelly, no. I never was a grape guy, I'm sorry. Hi, Ariel. I, I like it, but it's not my top. Strawberry number one. Samir from Brisbane. Brisbane? When Mike Goldberg was let go from UFC, Dana said he was getting someone really big to replace him. Do you know who that was? I think he was talking to, was he talking to Jim Rome? That's an old school question, but no. I think it might have been Jim Rome that he was talking about. I think he made the right call not going with Jim Rome and, Jim Rome's amazing. I love him. He's a legend, but he's not a play-by-play guy. Anik is the guy. Arash, I feel so disappointed about the UK tickets were sold. Hope they come back to London again. Yeah, what's up with that? I hear a lot from the uh, the fans that they, uh, you know, that they um, they got like boxed out and that they went to the the scalpers. That sucks. That really does suck. I'm sorry, uh, Robbie. Uh, did you drink water today? Not enough. My voice is very, it's very hoarse and dry. Thank you for reminding me. Um, Shalom, not a regular question, but can you cut the extra string on the top of your laptop sticker? What? Not a regular question, but can you cut the extra string on the top of your laptop sticker? I always find myself just staring at it during your shows. Wow. That's an issue right there. It's been kind of a... It's been a thing? Yeah, for all of us. Really? Yeah. I thought maybe you liked it that way. Shout out to Bill Steinmetz, who gave me this, who's a member of uh, the LVPD or the LVMPD. I don't know. I mean, if if you guys really were bothered by it, now it's even worse. I messed it up. I'm sorry, Trey. I'll work on that. Ribeye or New York Strip? Let the people know. I th- I think New York Strip. Filet mignon, is that an option? I feel like Frank's a big steak guy. Actually, I feel like you're a vegan. Do you know what you feel? 
<laughs> filet mignon all the way. Wait, so is filet mignon, does it fall in the category of ribeye or New York strip, or is that a third option? It's a third option. Oh, all right. Well, filet mignon. I don't like it when there's the bone. GC, what do you like? New York Strip, I guess. I don't know. I don't, I don't eat enough steaks. All right. Any thoughts on Brunson news that he plans on retiring? Yes, he said earlier today two fights. Let's see. What if he wins the belt? Um, but yeah, I mean, he's been around. He's been around. Brunson, like the last one of the Strike Force fighters that's still around. How crazy is that? God bless him. Um, but I, I don't put too much stock into that. Two more? Like, what if he wins this fight, knocks the guy out, knocks out Izzy? So much could happen. Then he's really making money. Keonda Ariel, I need to know, why do the officials go crazy when the fighters sit on top of the cage? I think it's just, yeah, it's a rule. I mean, they just, they don't want the injuries, right? What's the point? Uh, Amy, serious note, thank you and your team for the way you are creating a legacy of incredible interviews for the archives so that these fighters and their unique personalities, and yours too, are preserved for the future. Wow, thank you. You truly are an artist using your unique voice to bring out the voices of extraordinary people. Wow. Is this my mom? It's amazing. You didn't have to do it this way, and I think it was probably very hard sometimes to stand up to various authorities, but your work will be cherished years after you and I are no longer around. I appreciate that. I will say this. Um, I did an interview yesterday, and this is my Helwani Show interview for the week with Steve-O of Jackass. What a guy. What an incredible guy. And he said something about why he likes to document his life so much with the, the video blogs and whatnot. And he says that like he knows that these are going to outlive him. And that got me thinking about like the arc, like thank God for YouTube that there's so much there from the beginning of my career. Not all of it is there, but a large portion of it is there. And I started thinking about that. I was like, that's pretty cool. You know, it's uh, it's pretty wild that my, hopefully YouTube is still around and my grandkids and my grandkids' kids will hopefully be able to look up some of the stuff that I did back in 2009 and 2010, 2011. So I never really looked at it that way. But when he was talking about why he likes to record so much and put up so much in his YouTube channel, he's killing it. He has 6 million subs, 6 million plus subs. I started thinking of that a little bit. I was like, wow, I don't have anything near what he has, but it was a pretty cool way of looking at it, I must admit. Nim, hey, Ariel, we've all grown fondness for the Helwaniisms you've developed over the years as a media personality. Definitely a full set. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So given you don't like to give yourself the old Barry Horowitz, Shout out to Barry. This is a question for the back if they haven't left already. I think they're still sticking around for a few more minutes. GC, Mr. Monday Afternoon, Mysterious Frank, and CA, what is your favorite Helwaniism? I don't even feel comfortable with this. I've IGDM'd my favorite one, didn't want to tweet it irresponsibly. Number one, I would be remiss. Number two, apropos. Three, the MMA hour is back in your life. Enter date. Giving yourself the old Barry Horowitz. She... Come on. People's main event, Jabron, getting dicey, dicey, thug nose, Hilwani, El Nariz, break the fourth wall, what a mensch, this gives me nachas. I mean, that is a collection. I didn't realize I had such a repertoire, Nim, but now that you put it this way, uh, Frank, your favorite? Hilwani's. Hmm. That wasn't one of the options. Uh, GC, your favorite. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think you really got Frank off uh, off guard there. I mean, that man listed every one of them. I'd probably say, come on. Uh, come on is like, I can't even, I can't even try to. Oh, my God. This is, yeah, come wow. on, man. Great job. Great job, Frank. Hawani uh, in the house is from Mari. Uh, if you're reading this, my boyfriend is 10 out of 10 watching you in the living room, and I'm over listening in the office. Wow. 
Hi, guys. As we do every show, his birthday is on Valentine's Day. So happy early birthday, Santana XOXO. Respect. My question, we were blessed enough to see UFC 269 in person. Although I was grateful to experience such a legendary card live, I feel like I missed the dang fights. I wanted to get your thoughts and wondered what you enjoyed more. I will say this. There are certain sporting events that I think are better at home as opposed to in person, certain better in person at home. NHL, better in person than at home. NFL, better at home than in person. NBA, kind of a wash. MLB, MLB, the experience is better, but if you want to truly follow the game, I think it's better at home. MMA, I would suggest anyone goes to a live UFC event at least once to experience it, but I would wholeheartedly argue that the experience, if you want to watch and follow along, is better at home. Same with pro wrestling, by the way. It's a great atmosphere. It's a great time. It's a great experience. But without the commentary and the little things that you might miss, it's tough. So I, I would actually say if you really want to follow along and not miss anything, it's better at home. You end up watching the screen more. Hey, Ariel, I'm currently studying sports journalism. I can easily say you're the journalist I look up to more than anyone. Thank you. How do you balance being nice and caring to the interviewees without being a fan? I mean, it's just the job, you know. I'd look like a jabron if I was acting like a fan, and I don't want that. But I wish you luck. Can we get David Helwani on the Ariel Helwani show? That's my brother. And if you were a fighter, what weight division would you fight in? People, th- people are surprised by this, but I weigh two bills, for the record. Six feet, two bills, probably have to cut some weight. I would think 185. I can't get to 170. My whole life, I was 188. But now I'm, uh, I'm you know... I'm working out more, doing push-ups and stuff. Not much else. I was boxing. I really want to get back to that. Uh, as for my brother, that would be a very awkward interview. And I don't think anyone wants to see that. But go sh- check out 20, his company. He's killing it. Uh, Mustard Face, Ariel Monamore. Derek Brunson just said an interview to retire. Seems like a horrible mistake. Yeah. yeah. Lajwan, good afternoon. Will we be getting another IG Live Panini Pack opening soon? Stay tuned. I appreciate it. And a shout out to MMA Lock of the Night, Manpreet Jass. I agree. He does great work. Um, hi, Ariel. With what seems like more attention on fighter pay. He's asking, uh, El Hotrod is asking, like, which organization is going to step up and give fighter better deals? Uh, I don't really see that changing. But, you know, there, there, there is the PFL that is offering you a million if you win the tournament, so... Uh, thoughts on Izzy's new contract being the second highest paid active fighter on the roster. I mean, Paradigm would know because Connor is their client, but do we, tr- look, it's funny because I was asking like, what are the terms? And I was told, no, we're not telling you. MMA is the only sport where you don't truly know, at least on the highest level, what they're making. And it's, I get it. You want to keep that quiet, but like we literally know to the cent what KD makes, what Stephen Curry makes, what, you know, Tom Brady makes, what Connor McDavid makes, what Blake Snell makes, but this sport is different. So they'll say it, and Connor is number one, but how do they know, like, I don't know, Usman's not making the same as, I, I don't know. I mean, Paradigm's clued in, so I'll believe them because they have some of the top guys, but it's hard to truly know. I'm happy for Izzy. I'm happy that he got the deal. Uh, I would have been curious to see what would have happened if he would have tested the market, but... Alas, uh, interesting that he signed before this fight and not after. If you weren't an MMA journalist or sports journalist, what would you be doing? Probably working in TV production. Can you name your five greatest women's MMA fighters of all time? 
I mean, Cyborg, Nunez, Shevchenko. Megumi Fuji, Rose. Does your heritage faith impact the way you cover the sport? No. Uh, El Cubano, back again. Couldn't possibly let you end. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll finish with that one because I see what you're asking. Do you think the UFC does a good job with fighter backup plans for last-minute pullouts? Yeah, good enough. And yeah, so, okay, so the last one is El Cubano. Back again, couldn't possibly let you end the week slash episode without giving a huge shout out to the happy warrior Roxanne Modafferi. If you can please give us a few words on her career now that it's finally coming to an end, Viva Hiawani. What a great way to end today's show and the week. Roxanne Modafferi. The first time I was introduced to Roxanne Modafferi was via her MySpace blogs. She used to write these MySpace blogs as she was living in Japan. And she was working as an English teacher and also training and following her dreams. And she obviously, the first thing that you see when you see Roxanne is you think to yourself, this isn't your typical fighter, right? She doesn't look like your typical fighter. She looks like a school teacher. She looks very nice. She's not menacing. She's not tough. She's not mean. She's just very different than your quote-unquote typical fighter. And her blogs were very entertaining. They were very unique. Uh, they were fun to read. And here was this American chasing this dream uh, in Japan. And so she was winning fights. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. 2007, she won one, two, three, four, five, six in a row, 2007, 2008. And then she got a big opportunity to fight in strike force against Marlus Kunin at 145. And that was the first time I met her, uh, November of 2009, Hoffman Estates, Illinois. I posted the video yesterday of uh, the media day. And you meet her and she's so likable. She's so warm and, you know, she's quirky, but she's fun, she's unique. And it's just amazing that someone with the glasses and the hair and that demeanor can be that great of a fighter and have that kind of courage to step in a cage. And then, you know, there was a period shortly thereafter she lost that fight where she lost one, two, three, four, five, six in a row, including her UFC debut. And I remember talking to her at her UFC debut afterwards, and she got the opportunity because she was on Team Rousey and Team Tate. And she lost to Raquel Pennington at the finale. And she didn't win that fight and she didn't get a UFC contract. And I think a lot of us at that point, after losing her sixth straight fight professionally, thought, all right, that might be it. She made it to the UFC. God bless Roxy. She was an OG of the sport. At that point, she was 15 and 11. She made it to the UFC. She made it to the dance. This will probably be it for her. And so ultimately, I think what Roxanne Modafferi's legacy in this sport is going to be, not necessarily that she looked different, that she acted different, that she wasn't tough, menacing, you know, intimidating like your typical fighter. Ultimately, to me, how I will remember the happy warrior who gifted me this many years ago and signed it for me, and she would walk out with this, and I would love nothing more than to see her walk out with one of these old school fans on Saturday. Ultimately, 
how I will remember her and what I think her legacy is, I think it's that she didn't give up. She didn't quit. When we thought that she was going to quit many times throughout her career. Because what happened after that Raquel Pennington fight? She beat Tyler Rosa. She beat Andrea Lee. She beat Deanna Bennett. She went to Invicta and kept fighting and kept fighting and kept fighting and then became, I do believe, the first definitely female, maybe male, definitely, I mean, one of the the first to go back on the Ultimate Fighter. She signed up for the house twice. That's someone who doesn't quit. That's someone who doesn't give up. That's someone who doesn't succumb. She went back to the damn house and was on that season that was ultimately won by Nico Montano and fought for the belt, if you recall, because of the Sajara Eubanks missing weight situation, but ended up fighting for the belt. Roxanne Modafferi, who you would never in a million years would think ever fought for a living, didn't make it to the UFC the first time. Well, she made it to the UFC, but didn't get the contract. Fought and clawed and, and, and scratched her way back to the UFC through the house and made it to a freaking title fight. And she lost the title fight, but she has never been out of the UFC since. And I remember when they tried to serve her up to Macy Barber on that Connor card, and she beat Macy Barber in the biggest upset of the year. She also beat Antonina Shevchenko. She also beat Barb Honchak. She beat Andrea Lee. Those are solid wins over solid fighters. And so what I will say to to Roxy is congratulations on an incredible career. Congratulations on defying the odds. And congratulations on your longevity and for not giving up. When a lot of people said you should give up, when a lot of people said that you should quit, that you shouldn't be re-signed, by the UFC, and by the way, it was the right call to bring her back. Just witness the fact that she beat Shevchenko and she beat Barbara and she beat Andrea Lee. Congratulations on teaching us all to not give up and to keep fighting and to not listen to anyone who says that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing and to not listen to anyone who says you aren't good enough. What a legacy, what a career, what a trailblazer, what a pioneer. And we use those words often when you talk about Roxanne Modafferi, when you talk about the happy warrior, you need to use those words. You need to call her that because she is that. And again, if there's one, th- I mean, there's a lot of things that I will talk about until the day I stop covering the sport. But the 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 the, the number, I don't know, two things. I mean, obviously, fighter pay and and pensions and all that stuff are very important. But the way we treat the heroes of this sport and the legends of this sport and the way in which we don't remember them and honor them long after they're gone breaks my heart. And so a Roxanne Modafferi, whenever there's an MMA Hall of Fame, she should be in there. She should be remembered. She should be immortalized there forever. Because without the Roxanne Modafferi's of the world, there aren't the great women's fighters that we're seeing today. There aren't the Casey O'Neills who she's fighting in her final UFC fight. And so I hope she gets her moment. I hope she gets a massive ovation on Saturday. I hope if she wins, she gets that moment on the mic. And even if she loses... Because let's be honest, the deck is stacked against her, but she's been here before. I hope she gets to put her gloves in the cage and hope she gets to go on the mic and say thank you to everyone, not only in Houston, but around the world. An absolute legend, in my opinion, beloved by all. And I saw a quote, and I'll end with this. I saw a quote on my Twitter feed very quickly here from Israel Adesanya. It was tweeted by the MMA fighting account. Izzy talking about Roxanne Modafferi ahead of her 50th professional fight. I'm glad I met her. She is just a gem and a pure soul. If you don't like her, 
then fuck you. Well said, Izzy. If you don't like Roxanne Modafferi, fuck you. Frank, you can hit my music. Roxanne Modafferi, what a legend. UFC 271, it's going to be fun. A great card that starts at 6 p.m. Eastern, prelims on ESPN+. Blood Diamond, AJ Dobson, Carlos Alberg, Hernandez Moicano should be fun. Perez Schnell should be fun. Roxanne Modafferi against Casey O'Neill. Andre Arlovsky against Jared Vandera. Arlovsky is truly... The gift that keeps on giving. The guy is is ageless. Bobby Green, Nasrat Hakprost, Tyler Phillips, Marcelo Rojo, Derek Brunson, Jared Cannonier, Derek Lewis, Taitu Ivasa, Israel Adesonia versus Robert Whitaker too. Thank you very much to everyone who sent in questions. Thanks to everyone who's watching. Appreciate you guys very much. And thank you to all our guests today. Fun, eclectic mix all week long. Thank you very much to Shavkat. Rachmanov, thank you very much to Chris Weidman, best to him. Thank you very much to Eugene Behrman, that was great. And thank you very much to Ian Gary as well. I look forward to his return on April 9th. Thanks to the team, as always. Like I said, thanks to all of you who continue to rate, download, subscribe, and review. Even if you watch the show live, do that. It helps us. I appreciate it. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Back next week, same time and place. Tell us, say peace. I'm Eddie.